Montag lieben, lauten, loben. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. That is Offspring from 1998 and surprised a lot of people in the chat room. Probably the latest year sh- uh, song I played to open the show ever. Usually I play nothing past like 1989. It's still 19 years ago though. And if you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's actually making fun of the Wigger white guys at the time. So anyway, someone said in the chat that couldn't be Druff's choice, the song. It actually was. It actually was. I'll surprise you once in a while. So this is Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is being broadcast on May 3rd, 2017. The time right now is 8.20 p.m. Pacific time. And we have a free roll tonight for more than $100. We got a $110 free roll tonight. 
So I want to announce that first. It's beginning in 20 minutes at 8.40 on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. Completely free to enter. Completely free. Does not even require play chips. Just make an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, and instantly you will be eligible to play, provided that you meet the requirements stated on the rules page, which you can read at PokerFraudAlert.com slash freeroll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash freeroll. It's all lowercase. It's all one word, freeroll. And that's where you can read about the rules. I changed them slightly recently. Make sure to know that before you try to play for the free money. But this is $110 cash where we will pay you in one of many ways. Bitcoin, um, other methods, uh, checks. I'm not really doing that much anymore. I've made a change I should tell you guys about. This is 2017. And there's really no excuse at this point to not have a bank account or at least not to have some form of electronic payment you can receive. So you need to either be able to receive some kind of electronic payment, be a member of some sort of service that you can send money back and forth, have Bitcoin, or even just have a bank account because I can transfer electronically to any bank in the U.S. But what's so annoying to me is that a number of people who listen to this show and play the free roll don't have that. I don't know how you function without it, to be honest. I mean, how do you function without a bank account? I, I can't even imagine. I'm not trying to be mean to my audience here. And I, most of you have a bank account, but some of you who win the free roll don't have a bank account. I keep saying, well, I, I want to check. And I don't know, maybe some of you just pretend you don't, so I don't get your bank account number. But believe me, I'm not going to, I don't take that stuff down. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to defraud your bank account. Even in the worst case, if I did, you'd get the money back. I was just a victim of fraud against my bank account in July, and I got the money back. It was a pain in the ass, but I got the money back. But believe me, I'm not going to look at your bank account information or save it. I'm just going to use it to send you the money, and that's it. But if you don't like that, then get Bitcoin or get something else where you, you don't have to give that to me. But the checks, I'm stopping because it's a pain in my ass. That's, that's why I'm stopping. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of sending out checks for $8 when someone wins uh, fourth place in the free roll. So my new policy about checks is if you want to check, you have to wait until you have accumulated at least $100 worth of winnings here, and then I'll send you a check for 100 or more. But otherwise, you have to wait. And I'm not doing this to keep your money or anything, and I, I encourage everybody to get some form of electronic payment means so I can pay you or just get a bank account. So... I don't even want to send out the cash in envelope. Now, if you want to wait till the World Series, and if you're at the World Series and you want to come up and see me and collect the money, you can. I don't know if I'll have exact change. I don't know if I'll have $8 to pay you at the World Series. But if you want to come up and I owe you $8 at the World Series, I'll be happy to give it to you. But anyway, that's one change I've made recently. So I realize we have somewhat of an older audience most of the listeners to this show are between 35 and 55. We have some older, some younger, but that's where most of the listeners land in the age range. So maybe some of the older listeners, they, they don't have these things. But look, a you know, bank account, that's not a new concept. And you know, I think of my parents who are in their 70s, and they don't know how to use Bitcoin. They uh, they don't have PayPal or any kind of those electronic money transfer services, but they do have plenty of bank accounts, and they have had bank accounts since before I was born, well before I was born. So no excuse not to at least have that. 
if you want to get the free money from the free roll. Anyway, with that out of the way, I, I should tell you about how the money in the free roll is being distributed to the winners. First place will get $55. It's a nice price for first place this week. Second place, $27. Third place, $15. Fourth place, $8. And fifth place gets paid this week, $5. So it's 55 27 15 8 and 5 And this came from three people. Gordman gave 55 I Am Greek gave 19 And Dr. Peters gave $36. By the way, I Am Greek also donated some certificates that you could use to stay at, I think it's Planet Hollywood, one of the Caesars properties, maybe it's Paris, one of the, I think either, either Paris or Planet Hollywood, during Sunday through Thursday for most dates until like September 30th. So it's a pretty cool certificate. The only thing you may have to pay is uh, resort fees if you're not a diamond or higher at, Caesar, at Caesars properties. Anyway, we're going to give those away. I have two of them, but this week I didn't form a contest. We're going to do a contest. It'll be very soon, probably next week. We'll give at least one of them away, and thank you to I Am Greek for that as well. So thank you guys for donating the money to this free roll. Almost all the money for the free roll comes from listeners to the show, not even from me. I'm I'm too much of a cheap Jew. I say, hey, I, I put out all the effort and the expense to put up this, this site and do this show, and I, I take a loss at the whole thing, so I'm, I'm not giving you guys any more money. That's my attitude. But but the listeners to this show say, we're going to step up and we're going to donate. So thank you. Though to my credit, when people offer to either donate to the free roll or just directly to me for the site expenses, I say, well, if I have to choose between the two, do the free roll. Though if someone insists I take money for the site expenses, I'll take it. You know, because uh, I, I, pre- I don't need it. The site's going to stay up. Whether I get any donations or not, I, I rarely get, get donations to the site expenses, and that's fine. I'm not hurting for money. But uh, the site does lose a little bit of money every year. A little bit. And that's because I don't seek advertising. Though I was thinking today I may start to seek some advertising. Nothing that would be harmful or scammy, but maybe I'll seek some sponsors. Because I, I see some of these shows that have sponsors... And these are awful fail shows. These are terrible shows that probably almost nobody listens to. Shows that are very short, infrequent, probably have almost no audience. I mean, this show has been going over five years. And we have a, a dedicated audience that follows this show. So this is actually a, a pretty decent show to sponsor if you want to get uh, the word out about your product or service. We don't have a massive audience, but we have a, a, a four-figure audience and an audience that's very loyal, an audience that really loves this show. In fact, we have some people that love the show that hate me, which is really weird. But we do. <laughs> so anyway, uh, big audience last week. Last week, we got probably record numbers listening live. I haven't checked the archives yet, but uh, live, we had record numbers. And that was because we had two high-profile interviews last week, Brandon Cantu and Solomon Ponte, the Hashtag King. And I enjoyed both interviews. Most people liked the Cantu interview better because it was more orderly. Uh, hashtag King is all over the place. He's uh, you, you got to constantly get him uh, on, on one train of thought. So that some people didn't like that. Others really liked the Hashtag King interview. I, I thought it was good because I was warned about Hashtag King. Oh, he's never going to let you talk. He's just going to ramble and ramble and you can't interrupt him. So I was all ready to mute him and everything. I never had to. Every time I interrupted him, he stopped talking. 
every single time. I mean, he was actually more courteous with letting me interrupt than uh, most other people I've interviewed on here. So I'll give him that. He did ramble a lot, and he was sometimes hard to understand because he, he was talking on the speakerphone for whatever reason, and he's just kind of not always that easy to understand anyway. So yeah, the Cantu interview was easier to follow, and it was more orderly. And I knew that going in. I knew that's what it would be. But uh, we actually had some people who liked the Hashtag King interview and didn't like the Cantu interview. But I liked them both. And I, regardless of what you think of these two guys... And I understand if you don't like these two guys because they've both done a lot of things that are objectionable. But regardless of what you think of them, I appreciate them coming on the show. I appreciate them opening themselves up to the questioning and the phone calls and all that. You know, it it does take some balls to do that. A lot of people would just hide out and say, hey, uh, a lot of people hate me. A lot of people criticize me. I'm just not going to do any interviews and I'm especially, especially not going to take listener calls because we, we had a lot of trolls calling in and that was fine. I thought that was uh, entertaining. I actually had some people complaining about the trolls. Some people loved the trolls calling in. Some people hated them. But I liked that. I thought it was funny. And you know, I, I usually will not let trolls call in to our interviews because uh, usually we're interviewing people that are not all that controversial. Trader Risky, hello. What's happening, Jeff? Good. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, Cal Watts a little bit late, in case you guys are wondering. He's uh, he's busy tonight with, a, I think, a conference call. But he'll be on as soon as he can. So thank you for joining us here. Uh, I, are you in the car? I'm hearing some background noise. I am in the car, about to hit uh, state line, heading to Vegas. Oh, really? Heading to Vegas. Okay. How, how long are you going to be there? I'll be there till Sunday night. As of now. Okay, very good. You never know what happens. Never know. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I I enjoyed both interviews. I enjoyed doing both interviews. I, I think that uh, from both interviews, we learned some new things. Yeah, they wouldn't, especially Cantu, wouldn't answer every single question I wanted to ask. But look, I made sure it was not a softball interview. I made sure I asked the tough questions. I made sure if they said something which didn't make sense or seemed to be evasive that I would call it out. And yet I, I did it respectfully, though. I didn't uh, insult them or, or attack them. I, I tried to be as neutral as possible, not come to them as like a, a friendly softballer and not come to them as someone who hates them or dislikes them. Because, again, I, I disagree with, with the number of things that each of them has done, but I'm not, uh, I don't hate either of them by any means. So I, I thought I was even a good choice for this interview because I, I could approach it from a respectful distance. So, anyway, if you haven't heard that, you can go back and listen last week. And, we, as I said, we got record numbers. In fact, to show you that Poker Fraud Alert Radio is not dying, our three highest-rated live shows ever were all in 2017. One of them was the uh, Brandy Blackley episode, even though she wasn't on when we talked about her. In, that was in January. Uh, one of them was the Mark Klang inter- uh, interview, which was also in January. And then we had this... Uh, Cantu and Hashtag King episode last week, which was the highest rated of all time. So I'd like to see that because when we pick up extra listeners from things like that, then a certain percentage of them stick around and come back the following weeks. Now, I'm going to warn everybody who just found this show last week, we're not going to have tons of interviews like that in the future. We just do that occasionally. They happen to both land in one week last week, but usually we have no interviews on this show. This show is kind of a variety show. Some of it is serious coverage of, of poker and gambling news topics. Some of it is comedy. Some of it is uh, semi-comedy, like we'll make a prank call, but also attempt to find out real relevant information with a prank call. 
for example, we once uh, prank called a casino in Wisconsin that had screwed some people, and actually the prank call helped those affected to get their money back. So sometimes we can mix uh, comedy with uh, utility, and that, that's the best. So this show does all kinds of things. And one thing we don't really do, though, is a lot of interviews. We don't have a lot of guests on here. This isn't like the Chicago Joey podcast, which is pretty much like all interviews. This is not mainly an interview show. So if you got used to last week, then get unused to it. I I want to discuss one other thing, too. Uh, There's been comments about the length of the show. Some people love the super long shows that we have. And almost all of our shows are very long. They, they range usually between four hours and seven hours, the, the typical time frame that we uh, take in each show. Occasionally we go over seven, and occasionally we go under four, but usually it's between four and seven, which is a pretty damn long show. Some people love that. Some people absolutely love that. In fact, some people say that's the biggest reason they listen. Others... Uh, they say they would like the show if it were like two hours, but they just find like a six-hour show overwhelming, and when they download it and see it's six hours, they just delete it because they don't want to listen to it. They don't want to try to find the good stuff in six hours. And I can understand that because there's some... Like, for example, there's some YouTube shows I watch that if I see it's like a 10-minute clip from the show, then I'll watch it every single time, and if I see it's like a whole 90-minute episode or something, then I, I sometimes will watch, sometimes I won't. Just it seems overwhelming. So I can understand. I can understand, but this that's just the format of this show. This is just a long show. It's kind of a free-form show. We just go until we run out of stuff to talk about, or I'm tired of doing it. And that's the way the show will always be. But there's an agenda posted every week, so what you could do, we, we generally do things in order on the agenda. Sometimes we go off on tangents, but in general we do things in order. So you can just skip around if you're not listening live and jump past whatever you don't want to hear or whatever you feel is taking too long. Or uh, also at the end of the show, a lot of times we just kind of talk amongst ourselves. So that's kind of when the fluff of the show is at the very end. So if you don't want to hear that stuff, you can turn that off too. The good thing with a show that you can download afterwards is that uh, you're not required to listen to all of it. You can jump around, you can listen to what you want and not listen to what does not interest you. Anyway, the phone numbers to call into the show, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That's our main phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. I have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting in a cabin on Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It's uh, in the 70s there during the summer when it's 110 in Las Vegas. It's about 45 minutes away by car. It gets snow in the winter. It's a separate phone number, and it's a separate phone line into the show. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. 702-430-1808. We have a feature called the Call to Listen line, which you can use to listen to the show from any phone in the world. It does not require a smartphone. It doesn't require the internet or a data plan. No. It doesn't require an app. No, no, no. Even the old 70s rotary telephone could listen on the Call to Listen line. It's just a phone number you call and you hear the show. It's that simple. You you can't talk to us. It's not interactive, but you can listen on it. And it's very useful. Like if you're driving around in the hills where the reception's poor and you can just barely get a signal and it's hard to stream a show or download a show, you can just listen on that because it does not require a very good connection on a cell phone to make a voice call, whereas it requires a fairly good connection to uh, 
listen to something that's streaming. So that number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. When we're not on live, if you call that number, you will hear one of our over 220 shows. Trader Ruski's back, I see. So our 220 uh, shows that we, we have more than 220 shows that we just play randomly one after the other until we go back live. So it's just a constant stream of shows it picks randomly that are played in their entirety from our more than five years on the air on Poker Fraud Alert. So you can also catch those streaming reruns, by the way, just by going to the radio page of Poker Fraud Alert. If you want to listen in the archives of this show, you can. You don't have to listen live. In fact, most of our listenership does not listen live. You can catch it in iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in, which is an app which can be used both to listen to the archives and listen live. Uh, Google Play is now supported. You can also just download the MP3 directly from PokerFraudAlert.com. Just click on the little uh, MP3 button. This is all you can be found on the radio page. Just off, click the radio tab on the top of PokerFraudAlert.com. So lots of listening options here. I always want to make it easy to listen. I despise when there's a podcast I want to listen to and it's so hard such a pain in the ass to listen to it. I hate that. I I don't want you to have that experience. But basically, with this show, what I strive to do is to not do things that I hate when I listen to other shows. Anything I find that I hate about other shows, I try not to repeat over here. So, free roll starts in two minutes. You still have 25 minutes after that till 9.05 Pacific time to get into the free roll. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. If you want to text during the show, before the show, after the show, whenever, I have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week text line, which you can send me a text, and I will read it on the air, maybe, unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text. It's the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355, 775-372-8355. Just, just text me at any time, and I'll answer you. Uh... If you forget any of these phone numbers, don't worry about it. Just go to the radio page on Poker Fraud Alert, and it's right there. All the phone numbers you need to know are right there on the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com, which is now a secure site using the uh, HTTPS protocol. It's got SSL encryption. Finally did it. Finally put the effort in. I even had another... Since last week, there was another problem I found with it I fixed, but I think I think it's working perfectly now. Last week, like just minutes before the radio, I noticed that I'd broken the radio again. But this week, it's fine. Okay. Here is the agenda tonight, and then we'll get going. I'm going to give you an update on the World Series of Poker pieces I'm selling. Major update on that. Hashtag King is getting mainstream coverage now. Finally, the non-poker world is starting to discover him. And I'll play you some clips of what I'm talking about. So he might actually be blowing up. Matt Glantz, a listener of this show. We've talked about him a lot recently because of his uh, heavy involvement with Poker Night in America. Listens to every episode of this show, which I appreciate. He tried to uh, do something nice for Calwatt. And and also, I guess he was uh, 
trying to sell pieces of himself if anyone was interested. Basically, Matt Glantz, he didn't need to sell pieces, kind of like me. He doesn't need to sell pieces, but figured, hey, you know, I'll do it if people want to buy it or rate I'm willing to sell, then I'll sell it. So he listed pieces of himself for the World Series on Tasty Steaks for 1.25 markup. And he even said that he's mainly doing this because he enjoys Poker Fraud Alert Radio and he appreciates Cal Watt's contributions to the show, which I do as well. And that uh, in order to do something nice for Calwatt, he decided to list it on Tasty Steaks just uh, to kind of uh, bring attention to Tasty Steaks. Well, bring attention he did <laughs> because a long Twitter argument broke out as a result of that very innocuous thing that Matt Glantz did. You may say, how could there ever be like a, a Twitter argument, a big Twitter fight over something like this? But there was. And what was interesting is this wasn't like a back and forth between two people. A lot of well-known names in poker got involved in this Twitter argument. I was involved too. Not heavily, but I was involved too. So I'll tell you who was involved in this argument, what it was about, and a side effect it had on both Tasty Steaks and me. Doug Polk, we've talked about him a lot this year. That's because he's been inserting himself in everything he can in an attempt to promote his upswing poker site, which I guess I just inadvertently did. But um, he has now attracted some haters, which is understandable. When, whenever you do that, you're going to attract haters. Yeah, I have haters too. So Doug Polk has uh, a new hater in Luke Schwartz. And in an interview with Poker News, bashed him pretty hard. I will play that interview and uh, comment on it. I don't know how long you guys have been playing poker. I started playing poker, my first hand of poker... Well, I, I shouldn't say my first. I did play like in, I think, 1999 or something. I played in Vegas, like stud, like at really low limits, but I don't even count that. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a mega fish. And I think I played like once or twice. But my, my first real attempt to play poker and, uh, you know, with knowing what I was doing, at least somewhat, was when I first sat down to limit Hold'em 3-6 at the Hustler Casino in Gardena, California in January of 2001. That was my real start to poker and my real start to Texas Hold'em. So it's been over 16 years, getting close to 16 and a half years I've been playing. Let's think about the way things were in January 2001. Um, did people have cell phones? Yes. But did people have smartphones? No. No such thing existed. Were you typically on your cell phone when at the table? No, there was nothing really to do. If uh, I, You could talk on it, but you know, you're not going to have long conversations sitting at the table. And furthermore, even in 2001, people didn't have that many minutes. That was back in the days when you had like 300 minutes to use for the month, so you would uh, budget them pretty wisely, unless you wanted to waste a lot of money. So what what about uh, listening to music? Could people do that? Well, yeah, you could do that pretty much going back to the 1980s. Remember the Walkman, but uh, still, that that wasn't really big back then. I I don't even believe, yeah, there were no iPods out back then in 2001. So, yeah, there are ways to listen to music, but it, until the iPod came out, it wasn't really a big thing either. And again, yeah, people did listen to music at the table, but still, I can tell you from experience, from playing in 2001, um, when you were at the table, it was just everybody at the table paying attention to each other. And it's not like that anymore. Now, everybody is in their own little world at the table, mainly thanks to smartphones. So... What if we were to turn back time and go back to those days? 
Well, that was attempted at Commerce. They had what they call a social experiment. We'll talk about how that worked out and all the details with that. By the way, if you want to call in, uh, wait till I'm ready. So someone just tried to call in now, and I'm not taking any calls. Portland has a poker scene that I, I didn't even know much about it until I read about it today. Portland has kind of like a quasi-legal poker scene where there's card rooms there, mostly in the Portland uh, metro area. This is throughout Oregon. There's a number of them, but most of them are in the Portland area. And they're kind of like half legal, half illegal, and I'll get into the whole thing when we do the segment. But that may be coming to an end soon. And I want to tell you about a suicide which occurred related to all that. One of the owners, in fact, the owner of the biggest Portland card room, killed himself because of the crackdowns that were coming down upon these Portland poker rooms. That's pretty amazing to think about it, that the owner of the biggest poker room in Portland killed himself over legal issues there. Speaking of legal issues, Scott Tom, former owner, CEO of Absolute Poker, the owner of the Grey Cat account that directly cheated me by looking at my whole cards in 2007, the guy who stole everybody's money that was sitting on the site, when Black Friday came down, actually he'd already stolen it. Black Friday just uh, exposed it. As you know, probably he is currently in custody in the U.S. He recently surrendered, but his trial has been delayed. So we'll give you an update on what's going on there. Finally, and thank you, Scott from the East Coast, for correcting this. I, I was going to say that MGM is going to launch internet poker in New Jersey, but that's not true. They already have an internet poker room in New Jersey in Borgata, but they're going to launch an an MGM-branded version of internet poker in New Jersey. Another poker room is coming up online, a legalized poker room in New Jersey. I'll discuss that, and I will also discuss a, a mention I got from Ari Engel on his Twitter and Facebook saying that he disagrees with me regarding my assessment of New Jersey online poker. He has played it recently. He feels that I'm too hard on it. So I will tell you guys what he said, and I will give my rebuttal. And I like Ari a lot, by the way. He, he's, it's fine if he disagrees with me. We're not, we don't have to agree on everything, but I like Ari a lot. So that is our agenda tonight. You never know what else will come up. Calwatt will probably pop up when he's done with what he's doing. And in the meantime, we've lost Trader Ruski. Just me at the moment. Trader Ruski can call back whenever he is ready. And I will get going. Well, first of all, I want to give you an update about my World Series of Poker. I had pieces of myself for sale. I decided that for every event I was playing except the main event, I was selling 40% of myself. And I split the events into two packages. One, just the 10K limit hold'em, and one, all the rest of the events, which are all much smaller. So I was selling up to 40% of myself each at 1.2 markup. I've been promoting this in the last few shows. And to show you what a brilliant math guy I am, the current totals that have been bought of me are 40.5% on package number one and 41.5% 
on package number two. <laughs> so I oversold. The way I oversold, this is what happened. There was someone who was sending me a check that was buying the maximum of 4% of both packages. And I forgot about that. So I, I knew he was sending it. It was someone who's very reliable. But uh, he sent it. It took a while to get here for whatever reason. I got the check recently. But while it was on the way here, I forgot to mark that he was sending it. So all that time I thought that 4% was available. And it was not. <laughs> because the check came. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I immediately had to shut down anyone buying pieces of me. That's it. I'm sold out. I mean, I'm more than sold out, which is fine. You know, I, I just picked 40% arbitrarily, which I've been doing the last few years. Some of you might remember when I finished fifth in the 5K limit Hold'em, which is now the 10K limit Hold'em, but in 2013, I finished fifth. And you guys, the listeners, actually got more of it than I did because I sold 55% of myself on that event that year. Accidentally. That was, again, through like a miscalculation by the time I closed down the availability to buy pieces, I had accidentally sold 55% instead of the 40 I meant to sell. <laughs> so, that, so then I finished fifth, so I only got 45% of the win. But I said, hey, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, uh, I was happy to see some people make some money here. And, you know, that's... Uh, you guys get the good and the bad. If I have a good year, then you make money. If I have a bad year, then you lose money. And uh, I actually feel bad, as I've said many times before, when I lose. When I win and you guys get a piece of it, I don't feel bad. I really don't feel bad. I'm not just saying that to sound good. But I'll be honest, and that's why I don't sell the main event. I, I don't want you guys getting like a massive piece of my main event if I hit something huge there. Like I, I don't want to win uh, $10 million at the main event and have to give away $4 million of it. I, I, it would be crappy. As much as I love the listeners, I don't love you guys that much. So uh, that's that's why I don't sell pieces of it, because the potential, even if it's a very small potential, the potential to win huge money would make me really sorry that I sold pieces of it. Whereas everything else I play, it's it's mo- we're mostly dealing with a six-figure first place. So that I'm, uh, that I'm happy to share for the, those that have faith in me and buy pieces, including the man on the line, Trader Ruski. And also Calwatt, he bought a big piece. So thank you to you guys. And uh, same, it's all sold out. That's it. Yeah, I think you know, I think with with karma, you know, Jeff. I mean, you might want to, you know, put in a little ten percent, ten percent off the top. I, you know, I, I you know, uh, Trader Risky, I, I can't hear you. It's, it's everybody uh, rooting for you. The good karma. Comes. Yeah, tra- Trader Risky, I can't hear you. It's a very, very bad connection. So. Uh, Maybe call back in a little bit. Yeah, it's terrible right now. Okay, I'll I'll call you back in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So he needs to call the listen line right now. That's what he needs. Anyway, um, it's all sold out. It's done. If you want a piece of me, you can buy it in 2018 when I sell it next year. So I thank everybody who had faith in me. And you can go to the Tasty Steak site, which we're going to talk about a lot tonight with uh, the whole controversy that happened with Matt Glantz's pieces sold there. But that's where you can find the full list of each piece that's been bought there. 
and you can see what's owed to you. Especially as I as I go on and play each event, you'll see uh, the full record on everything. And if you want to see the ongoing updates with each event I play, starting June twelfth on the first event, go to twitter.com slash dandruffpoker twitter.com slash dandruffpoker I only update that with chip updates during the World Series so that account will not be used until June 12th but uh, starting from when I'm playing the events you will see very frequent updates there so much that you'll feel like you're sitting there with me probably more than anyone else who sells pieces I, I give very very detailed updates and the reason I can is because live action is very slow so there's a lot of time to do it so, that's done. Let's talk about Hashtag King and the mainstream coverage that he is getting. So, we had him on the show. His name's Solomon Ponte. He's trying very, very hard to be offensive, to be controversial. I think it's half an act and half really in his personality. I mean, the guy's obviously not completely normal. The guy obviously has some problems, but uh, I do think he's also exaggerating it. I think he wants to be a celebrity. I think he wants attention. In fact, I know he wants attention. He's even said that his the whole point of him doing all this is that he wants to be the number one poker player in the world. And people thought what he meant by that was that he wants to be the best player. No, what he means by the number one poker player is the player who's looked up the most often on the Hendon mob. And guess what? He accomplished that. He was... The player looked up most often last week on the Hendon Mob. He was so proud of that that he passed Negranu for that week, not overall. But for that week, more people looked him up than any other poker player in the world on the Hendon Mob database. So he was thrilled about that. But he's also getting banned from just casino after casino after casino. And it also appears to me that he's broke or close to it. He denies that, but I, I think anybody who is paying attention will believe that he's broke or close to it. So it's hard to continue playing poker when you just have no money and don't have a history to where a lot of people are going to loan you. But despite that, Hashtag King is not going quietly into that good night. No. He is starting to catch on in the mainstream. Sometimes all it takes is certain sites or certain influential people on the internet to take notice of you and you can go viral. That's all it takes sometimes. Sometimes people fly under the radar for a long time just because their story or uh, whatever else doesn't make it into the mainstream. But um, hashtag king, uh, it looks like it's starting to make it over there. It's not just poker anymore. So um, there is a, a Reddit thread about him, but more importantly, I think, well, I guess both are about equally important, but worldstarhiphop.com is a site that carries a lot of uh, viral right videos. Now, I just clicked on it. That's why you just heard that. And uh, 151,844 people have viewed this today. <laughs> this was uploaded today, and it has 151,000 views. So, this is uh, a video on World Star Hip Hop. It says, man and owner exchange words after he allegedly tries to skip out on his bill. He can't pay the bill because he's a cheap son of a bitch. These are not my words. This is the way it's described the video. 
You play the video, it sounds like this. Am I going to leave or what? You cannot leave until the cops show up. I actually can leave, right? I'm not going to leave. I want to fucking get some air, buddy. This is him walking out. So this this is that whole thing at this place called uh, Pot Liquor. Where, and we talked about this last week. Where he went with uh, an MMA star. And... Uh, that's not MMA star, but Jordan Lane. Or just, Justin Lane or Jordan? I forget the guy's name now. Is it Justin Lane? Or is it Jordan? I see, I'm forgetting. I'm, I'm sounding like a fool now. Um, no, I don't think it's either of those names. Someone in the chat room tell me the guy's name. I'm forgetting it. Julian Lane. I, I knew a J something Lane. Thank you, J Stat. <laughs> Thank you, Julian Lane. Jordan and Justin. No, Julian Lane. That sounds like something Brandon would do. Brandon likes to modify those names on purpose and act like it's a mistake. But um, Julian Lane, he went with him. They're supposed to supposedly get comped meals there. And then somehow this, what he claimed was an offer of a comp meal at this place called Pot Liquor. Turned into a 25% discount where they still owed 75%, which came to $80. And neither of them could pay, which is laughable. Neither the uh, MMA star nor the supposed uh, baller poker player could come up with $80. And we talked about this last week. We ta- I, I asked them all about it last week. And uh, all, all of his credit cards weren't working. He let Julian Lane try like nine different credit cards he was carrying. Uh, he gave kind of an inconsistent story how he didn't have his wallet with him, but then he was asked, if you didn't have your wallet, why do you have nine credit cards with you? You know, were you carrying nine loose credit cards around? Anyway, what Hashtag King does is every time he gets in a mess like this, he records it. And I think he does this for attention. He He does this so people can get entertainment from it. So this is on World Star Hip Hop now. Which is a very, very well-visited site. As I said, 151,000 people have viewed it today only. I wish I had those numbers for this show. This shit place, what's it called? Pot Liquor? They're fucking scumbags, bro. Belt, bro. Shut up, you bitch. <laughs> Don't ever fucking come here, bro. Yeah, shut the fuck up, you dumb whore. This fucking place is a piece of shit. It's a piece of fucking shit. You're a fucking piece of shit, you stupid fucking whore. I told you I'm going to pay the bill, you stupid fucking cunt. Yeah, because... So, yeah, this is this, that's the way it goes on here. So you, you can understand how this caught the attention of the Internet. Like, you don't see this very often. This I've never seen anything like this in person in my life. I've never seen this type of confrontation uh, happening at, at a restaurant. You're fucking, look at you. You're fucking disgusting, you fat fucking piece of shit. Uh, look who's talking, motherfucker. Ass motherfucker. Yo, put your fucking mouth, you stupid whore. What are you going to do? Fuck you. Fuck you. Thank you. Fuck you, you bitch. You're a bitch. You're a bitch. You're a fucking spick. Shut the fuck up. You're a fucking shithole. Listen, hit me. Come on, I'm waiting. What's this fucking shithole called? Pot liquor? Look at the fucking owner. This fucking little faggot is talking shit. I want to pay my bill and he's telling me to get the fuck out. Huh? How about that, bro? You think, you think I fucking give a shit about a fucking $80 bill? You stupid fucks, bro. Come at me, buddy. Come fucking at me. Pretty amazing. Like, nobody has come at him yet. But yeah, he's a pretty large guy. But 
it's not like he's he's so threatening that uh, no one would ever touch him. I guess he's good at game selecting with these type of things. I guess he's good at figuring out who actually is going to punch him and who wouldn't. Because uh, you'd think that uh, it's going to happen one of these times. He's, I mean, he's really, really offensive and aggressive here. So this is I'm playing this from World Star Hip Hop, and it currently has let's see how many comments here. Thirty three hundred fifty eight comments in one day. In one day. This is the same hashtag king who was on the show last week. Fucking whore. This is Julian Lane here. Bro, take the fucking phone off. Give me off the fucking camera. I'm going to drop your ass. <laughs> okay, the calls are coming, but we're going to settle this that way. See, look at that. This, is, this shows you hashtag king's game selection because he went up to Julian Lane, who's embarrassed about this whole thing, but is still sticking around because he can't really leave because he can't pay the bill either. So... Julian Lane, who's a you know an MMA fighter, and you can tell a very muscular guy, someone you yeah you don't want to fight Julian Lane, okay? So so he, he puts the camera on him and he goes, get the fucking camera on me, or I'm going to drop your ass. And then he just turns around. He doesn't he doesn't talk back to him. He doesn't say, oh, come on, try it, bro. He doesn't. He just turns around because he he knows like he he he's not too afraid of the of the short fifty uh, something year old owner of the place or or, some, or the waitress, but he Julian Lane he doesn't want to challenge you a fight. Which is smart. I wouldn't want to challenge Julian Lane to a fight either, even if he died, I don't know his name. This fucking little man that owns Pot's Barbecue. This fucking Paul Licker. Of course I'm going to talk shit, bro, because that's what I do. I fucking talk shit until 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 someone hits me. And once someone hits me, I fucking drop them, bro. Bro, you're a little bitch. You can't do shit. You're a little bitch, bro. You're a little bitch. You're a little bitch. You're a little bitch. bro. It's his fucking bill, you retard. Am I? Why would I come here, you fucking idiot? Why the fuck would I come here? Why would I come here, buddy? Why the fuck would I come here, bro? That's the owner argument with him. Um. So, so hashtag king, the point he's trying to raise there was that, uh, why would I come here? Why, why would I come here? That's his bill, referring to Julian Lane. Um, honestly, they, they legally they would both be responsible if, if two people come to eat at a restaurant and then neither can pay the bill, regardless of who invited the other, uh, they're both responsible. We, we once had the situation here on this show with Ken Scaler. If you remember the story. Ken Scaler met some uh, fat black girl at a BBW club. That is a big, beautiful woman club. It's it's a club where only really fat women go. It's for really fat women and the guys who love them. And I'm not talking about women who are curvy or kind of a little bit overweight or you know, whatever. I'm talking about the ones that are huge, like 300 pounds or more. And that's who goes there. So it's it's like extreme chubby chasers going there and also really desperate guys who can't get laid and figure that this is their best shot. So Ken took one of those girls to a meal, and then uh, whether she was involved or not, it was unclear. We called her on the show. But um, two gay guys that this girl knew from high school showed up at their table, sat down, started eating dessert, started you know ordering expensive drink after expensive drink, ran up a $600 tab. They both, quote, went to the bathroom and disappeared, and then Ken was stuck paying for it. And uh, now I, I told Ken made a mistake. He just, you know, he kind of just accepted responsibility. I would have just told them I got scammed. I was, I don't know these people. This girl brought them over here. This was a scam. Call the police. That's, that's what I would have said. But uh, anyway, um, 
the truth is, though, everybody who eats at a restaurant is responsible. You know, every adult eating at a restaurant as part of a, any kind of party is each of them is responsible. You, there, there can't just be one designated person who's responsible unless they tell the restaurant they are. Like if I walk in and say this group of five people there with me, I'm paying for them and then I don't pay the bill at the end, then it's on me. But if I don't say that, then it's on all six of us to come up with the money. And it's, it's all six of our responsibility. So in this case, it really was hashtag king and Julian Lane's responsibility, but uh, neither had the money and this whole thing uh, happened. Someone who would have the money, because I, I know that because he, he invested in my World Series package and he even paid uh, Brandon $300 to go get a slushie. Uh, Calwatt is on Hello. Yeah, I decided I was a little cold. I'd light some money on fire. <laughs> okay. Let's slap our other co-host on here, uh, Trader Ruski. I knew the fucking lock. I'm back. You know what I, you know what, I what is that in the background? No, I'm just on my friend. Uh, okay. Talking about uh, San Antonio spanking Houston. Hmm. It's a close game. Anyway, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of went back and forth on that guy. You know, it's just like he's not bringing any cash. I mean... If you are getting comped, which is fine, you're not bringing cash to, like, tip? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was weird. I, 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 in this situation, and all these other situations where he gets kicked out, obviously most of them or all of them are his fault. You know, you don't get kicked out of, like, 20 places in two weeks if it's not your fault. But this one is kind of marginal because uh, he was with a second person. And that guy didn't have the money either, and, and, and the other, you know, Julian Lane didn't seem to be claiming that Hashtag King was promising to pay his bill. So I, it, it is possible that he really showed up there believing what Julian Lane told him, that he'd be getting the meal for free. And then when he found out he wasn't, he's like, oh, like he sh- he did, it's possible he was broke, he didn't have any money, he showed up with no money. Or it's possible he didn't bring any thinking that it was going to be completely covered, tip and all, and then uh, it wasn't. Yeah, but see, the tip's not covered. See, I'm... I mean, I- you know, you should you should show up with some cash. If Julian said, "Oh, I've got a deal. We're going to get comp for dinner," I'm going to tip the waitress and the staff for taking care of us if we have a nice experience. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I Traderuski, I am have not gone back and forth on this guy. It, this hashtag guy just annoys the fuck out of me. Like he really, <laughs> really does. And. You know how there was that that big move to uh, Sportify Poker, yeah, not too long ago, yeah. Uh, and there, you know, I mean, I guess they're still trying to do it. It seems to me that a lot of these guys, whether it's him or uh, Polk, with uh, and and everyone challenging everyone else and their brother to a fucking fight and all this kind of stuff, it really seems to me that they're skipping over the whole Sportifying Poker. <laughs> And they're just going right to turning to WWEifying poker. Yeah, they you know kind I mean? of are. Yeah, like you're they're right. just turning it into a fucking fake bullshit, you know, whatever. And they're 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 WWEifying poker. Yeah, they're, you know, I I guarantee yeah. you that at some point in the future, at a, at some live stream, someone's going to break a fucking chair over some poker player's Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm mean? like it's going to happen. You know, maybe maybe you're giving Mac Lance an idea. Maybe Mac Lance is going to you know get one of these movie studio chairs that just breaks when you slam it over someone's back and doesn't really hurt them, and they'll they'll arrange that uh, one guy slams it over the other guy's head. And uh, now now I know that you know Howard Stern used to say that there was that famous line from his book and his movie that. You know, the average person who says they love Howard Stern listens for 40 minutes, and the average person who says they hate Howard Stern listens for you know, two hours or something crazy like that. Not the case with me and this hashtag guy. Like, I just, like, 
he just annoys the shit out of me. Like I just don't want to yeah, deal with and, this. Yeah, and there there is there is a a large group of people that feel that way. I I don't quite feel that way. I I actually understand the the fascination, which is why I, I even had him on this show. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm not one of the people obsessed with hashtag King. Oh, I've got to see everything he does, but. I, I can be amused by this, even if I don't agree with all his antics. I can be amused, like in the because it, at least it's not staged. He may be kind of forcing well, his some personality of the is staged. Well, somewhat. It looks. <laughs> well, I think. Didn't, he claim, didn't he claim it was staged? Like this is his act, and he's playing this character. But he went back and I... forth with that. He, he he said that he is, and sometimes he said he isn't. I I think it's half and half. I think there really is some personality disorder he has, and yeah, I think it's he, like Helmuth. Yeah, you know right. I mean? it is a good, he says it's an act, but he's still kind of like that. Yeah, it's a good example. That's a good <laughs> yeah, example. But I, yeah, but I agree. I mean, it's just off the charts, and, and just the way he talks to people, just not being respectful. Of other no, people. no, he's not respectful at all. That's and that. It's like what a, he was saying to those owners of the restaurant. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, no, it's now, terrible. Trump, I will, I will say though that that said, I mean, that's my personal feelings. Like, I just don't jive with that kind of stuff. But if this works. In terms of getting the average person interested in poker, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm well, 100% for it. But at least he – but I'll say this. If, if his goal is to start becoming some kind of uh, internet reality star here, he, he's on his way here with this uh, world star hip-hop putting this up and getting 151,000 views in one yeah. day. He's that's, like a fat a fat Jewish snooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could be. Right. So that's – if that's his goal, then he's – you have to – have some kind of edge, some kind of unusual aspect about you that makes people pay attention to you. So he has to do it with negative attention and with uh, negative behavior. But right. I mean, he doesn't. He he can't get naked. No, he doesn't have he doesn't have tits. So he's got to <laughs> do it this way. No, he may have tits actually. But, uh, well, I don't. Okay, he doesn't have tits. I want to think about. Yeah. So you know? <laughs> so so there's that, and the, so there's this world star hip hop video, and then and this is the first time I've seen the full version. The, the version I played last week was like a. A uh, half version of that, where I only saw starting in the middle, and then there's a Reddit thread that was also started out called uh, in a public freakout section of Reddit. Broke ass poker player tries to skip out on his bill in Vegas, <laughs> so that's that's getting uh, a lot of views as well. So between these two things, if if he continues this way and starts to get mainstream attention then who knows what could happen. Maybe he can become some sort of uh, internet celebrity. I mean, look, if you want to see an internet celebrity who uh, became that way simply from acting in an outrageous and offensive and, and negative fashion, uh, look at that uh, Cash Me Outside girl from Dr. Phil, a 13-year-old girl who was uh, uh, a 13-year-old white girl who was trying to talk like she was, uh, she was black from the streets says Dr. Yeah. Phil, and then threatening the the entire audience to catch her outside. People thought this is hilarious, and it got, uh, I mean, everyone knows about her now. And Well, and there's no end to people that have succeeded in this. Like, look at fucking Honey Boo Boo. Yeah. Remember that fucking kid? Yeah. yeah. So so maybe that's what he's going for here. And Did, did you see her after she got the surgery? No. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. unbelievable. I mean, she'll be she'll be six hundred pounds in six months. Yeah. but Truff. it's kind of a trip. Yeah, that's it. I got it. I what, got it. What is it? We got to call him Hashi Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. 
All right. From now, on, maybe he's going to threaten to kick my ass, but I'm going to call him Hashi, hashi Boo Boo. He's going to destroy you. <laughs> yeah, he's going to destroy me. Yada yada yada. Whatever. Uh, so, anyway, that's uh, the same hashtag King we had. Uh, we had him on the show last week, and uh, a lot of different reactions to that segment. But uh, it will see. Maybe if he does become a huge internet thing, you can say, "Hey, I heard him on Poker Fraud Alert Radio." Way before all that happened. Uh, he got his Twitter account, his second Twitter account killed. Uh, what happened is he got his first one banned. Then he quickly made uh, another one, which he had last week, which was uh, hashtag King CA. And now that's gone too. So I don't even know if uh, has it has uh, it. So let's, uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, I, so I want to talk about uh, perfect timing for you to be here, Cal. What I want to talk about the controversy that occurred with Matt Glantz and your site, Tasty Steaks. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> this was crazy. And I mean, my phone was going crazy with, with notifications about, uh, you know, this response, that response. I couldn't believe all the different people who were getting involved in this whole argument. It also might be the first time I ever remember that David Baker and I were on the same side in an argument. See, that's what Tasty Sticks is all about, bringing people together. <laughs> we really were. I, mean, I was involved in the argument, David D- Baker was too, and, but we were actually on the same side. We weren't really talking to each other, but we were on the same side. So here, here's what happened. There, there's been an ongoing thing for the last, I don't know, two years or so with this whole thing about markup at the World Series. It comes up every year now, and it's, it's mainly thanks to one guy who's very vocal about it named Andrew Barber. And this is the story that isn't that basically he's Kate Hall post op. He is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Andrew Barber, who's like a big time social justice warrior on on uh, on Twitter, for some reason one of his big causes, which isn't even like a social justice warrior, it's kind of a weird thing that he's obsessed with the, the markup situation. And that is, most people who sell pieces of, of themselves at the World Series, myself included, sell at some kind of markup where you're paying more for each percent you buy of the person than what it would be if you just take that straight percentage of the event. For example, um, take a $1,500 World Series, World Series event. If there was no markup, you'd pay $15 and get 1% of the person because that's 1% of 1500 But if they charge markup, you've got to pay a bit more. So if, like I'm charging 1.2 markup, meaning 20%. So I would be charging $18 for that 1% piece of a $1,500 event. Why? Well, there's a few reasons for this. First of all, the person offering it may feel that they are good enough compared to the rest of the field that they actually have an edge that even once you take the rake out, that they have enough of an edge to where it's worth it. It's it's still a positive expectation uh, purchase for you at the markup, so they feel they're worth more than just the straight-up piece. Uh, Second is that they're the ones who are actually playing. They're putting the effort out into playing. They're the ones who have to spend money to play, you know, to travel there. To, they have to spend money on food. They have to spend money on hotels, maybe. Uh, so they say, look, we're, we have to put all this uh, expense in there. And if you just buy a piece of me directly, then you get the profit without any of the expense if I sell it to you at the direct price with no markup. So that's another reason people charge markup. And others just charge markup because... Uh, they feel like it, and they want to extract more money out of people. Whatever the reason, people charge markup, and like anything in the free market, uh, it is up to 
the buyer if they think this is a good purchase, if they think that it's something they want to do. And people also buy pieces of others for different reasons. Some people buy a piece because they think it's a great investment and they think that it's a positive expectation bet for them to do. Others will buy it just for entertainment because they, they like the person who's playing. They enjoy follow, enjoy following them. They enjoy having a piece of their action. It makes watching the World Series results more interesting. That's, I believe, the reason that most people buy pieces of me here. And a secondary reason is that if they are going to invest in someone, they know that I'm probably the least likely player to screw them in any way. So they know at least uh, there's not going to be any shenanigans. I'm not going to pretend to play the event and just pocket the money. Uh, I'm not going to lose the money in a degen fashion and then run off without playing. I'm not going to win and then not pay them. Uh, I'm not going to get you know, wasted on drugs the night before and uh, show up and not know which way is up and bust really fast. You know, they, People have an expectation about uh, what they'll get with buying pieces of me that's very consistent and that uh, they'd be shocked if it didn't come as, as they were expecting. Now, of course, results, uh, that, that's a different story. It, it depends on a lot of factors, including luck. But uh, as far as uh, the way it's all approached and the honesty, the, you know, the way it's handled, uh, that's very predictable with me, whereas with other people who have uh, poor track records with handling of other people's money, uh, not so much. And then there's a lot in between. So there's a lot of different reasons people buy pieces of others. And uh, so the question is, if you charge markup, which is substantially more than you really deserve to charge as far as your skill level. And for each person, there's that point. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you, for each person, there's a point where the markup becomes ridiculous and, and way too high. No matter how good you are. So, and for each person, of course, the, that, that point would be different depending on their skill level. So if someone who is delusional about their markup, let's take someone who charges 1.4 markup, 40%, which I think is way too high. Way, way too high. I don't think anyone should be charging that. But let's say someone does. What do you say about them? Do you, do you call them names? Do you say that they're, they're bad people? They're, they're, they're borderline scammers? Are they trying to trick people? Or, uh, you know... Or are they just delusional that they're, you know, they think they're way better than they are? Are they just greedy? Or is this just someone who's offering a service at a certain high price that isn't very good? And if they can find buyers, more power to them. What, what is the way to see this? Well, the way Andrew Barber sees this is that he kind of sees it like it's a scam. He sees it like uh, professional poker players who are either broke or just greedy are charging markup way too high, promoting it as if it's a good investment, and then tricking innocent people who don't realize they're getting a terrible deal into buying pieces of them. And so now I'm I'm shocked, Druff, that Andrew Barber found time in his busy schedule to do this. <laughs> and the reason I'm shocked about that is the amount of time that he spends policing eBay to make sure that no one is charging above MSRP for, <laughs> you know, Beanie Babies or whatever the fuck it is. I mean, he, he must spend his entire life 
policing eBay to make sure that no one is charging a fraction over wh- what they could find if they went to their local Walmart. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I, that, I don't know how he found the time out of his schedule, out of his eBay policing schedule, to be able to do this. Yeah. So he's been. He, but he did. <laughs> so he's been. He's been making this a big deal for quite some time, and so he, he wasn't that loud about it this year until, for whatever reason, Mac Lance set him off. I don't know why it was Mac Lance. He, he's triggered. There, it was, he was totally triggered. I don't understand why it was Mac Lance of all people that made him freak out. Mac Lance wasn't even charging that bad of a markup. That's well, the other funny you know, thing. You know what it is. I mean, Matt Matt Glance is this strapping masculine man's man, and that just that triggers the social justice warrior man, in him. You know, if he was if he was brown or if he was a woman, he probably would have been okay with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. He's a white male, and yeah, that's uh, and it often expresses you know, conservative uh, viewpoints. That probably did make him a, a big target for Andrew Barber. Who, sure, strangely, strangely sure enough, that had something to do with it. Strangely enough, Andrew Barber claims that he is a, a former conservative, which is really hard to believe. I, I guess maybe it's possible, but I mean, talk about a one eighty. Anyway, uh, he what happened was Mac Lance made a, a very harmless tweet that he was selling World Series pieces. Uh, here it is. In fact, I see this is uh, he retweeted a tweet from Tasty Steaks, which is, of course is the site that is was built and is completely owned by Calwat. And that's a site where you post your packages, mainly for the World Series, and it's a free site to use. And it's it's a great... the only the only person that cannot post their package there is Joe Seabuck. <laughs> we don't want him putting his package up there. His package has gotten enough exposure. <laughs> That's true. So you you put it up there, and you uh, it, it keeps records of every event that you play and how much each person is owed at the moment. It, it's a very good tool, very good resource, and it doesn't collect any of the money. The the money is all handled directly between. The, the player and those that are buying pieces of them. So, Mac Lance used Tasty Steaks, presumably because he heard about it on this show. He listens every week. So he used it, and he retweeted something that automatically is posted by T- Tasty Steaks, which is when you create a package, it says, uh, new package listed by Matthew Glance, Mac Glance WSOP Mixed Game Package. And so it... it uh, it automatically posted, and then Matt Lance retweeted. Basically, he was he was retweeting it so everybody who uh, is following him sees this and may want to buy a piece of him. So he uh, he's actually it's actually a pretty large package. It's uh, one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to laugh at that. I knew you were going to laugh at that. There it is. It's on record. Ruff said that. Matt Lance has got a pretty large package. He might. I mean, I don't know. Possible. <laughs> $125,000 with a minimum piece of 625000 And this is uh, because he's playing some big buy-in events here. I understand why he's putting it up here. It's a, uh, the 10K uh, Omaha Eight or Better Championship, uh, which is on June 4th. The uh, 10K Dealer's Choice Six-Handed on June 8th. The 10K Horse Championship on June 15th. The 10K seven-card stud, uh, high-low eight or better, on June 24th. The 50K Poker Players Championship on July 2nd. And the 10K seven-card stud championship on July 7th. So this is uh, basically a mixed-game package. So this obviously adds up to a lot of money here. 
And well, Drew, if I, I don't know, you know, I, I obviously don't know his finances, um, but I, I think that he would be buying into these events anyway. And I, and, you know, well, okay, I do know a little bit about his finances because he absolutely just completely crushed my soul at, uh, I think it was, it was like 100, 200 ho. One of the only times I ever played with him, he just absolutely annihilated me. It was horrible. So I know he's at least got like ten grand in the bank somewhere. Um, I think he's got the money to list it, or, or sorry, to buy into all these events, and I think he was going to do all these events anyway. I honestly think it's what you said. He listened to the show. He's entertained. He said, oh, what the hell? You know, I'll, I'll throw him a bone and put it up there. It'll be fun. And, and also, to be fair here, he listed – from 2008 to the present, yep. all the uh, 10K or more buy-ins that he played right. and what his results were. And, and uh, a lot of them were, were uh, either big winners or moderate winners. The, the only uh, two bad years he had were in 2012 and, uh, and in, in 2015. But, uh, like, for example, in 2008, he bought him for 70000 of those and cashed almost 700000 in right. 2009, he finished a tiny bit over even on 100K buy-in. In 2010, he had 110K buy-in. He finished 135K, so he won a little bit. 120K bought in 2011 and finished 450K. So very nice. 2012, 70K worth and uh, bricked everything. Uh, 2013, uh, actually, I think he bricked that one too for 50. He just played the 50K uh, Poker Players Championship, didn't cash. 2014, uh, 90K buy-in, 121,000 cashes. So, again, he made money. 2015, 100,000, and uh, cashed, uh, so I, you know, yeah, cashed 18K or almost 19K, so that was uh, not that good of a year. But then 16, he came back and won, buying 120,000 worth and cashing uh, 175K. So uh, obviously, this is someone who, uh, if you look at from 2008 through 16, which is nine years, uh, number one is, is up a good deal of money overall. And, and number two, even in each individual year, it looks like there were only three of those nine years where he didn't win, which is pretty damn good. That's the, the whole record is honestly remarkably good. Yeah, in fact, in fact, <laughs> he, he, he totaled it that if you if yeah. you take a look at those nine years, he bought in eight hundred thirty thousand and cashed one point seven million. And and again, it wasn't just from one lucky score at some point along the way. He actually was uh, six of the nine years in these tough events. Finished, yeah, and uh, that's the, yeah, exactly. Those are tough events. These yes. are all like 10k, 50k events where people presumably know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, so uh-huh. th- that's uh, so th- this is very good. I didn't even know he was doing that well. So uh, anyway, he he's uh, posting this up here at a 1.25 markup, and that that's where we started to have the, the the problem. That's where we started to have the problem is that uh, he's selling 100k worth of events. Uh, he's selling half of himself. Uh, at 1.25 markup, so I, I guess that's uh, he's selling 62,500, of which about half has been bought already. And he retweeted this. So to me, this is very just standard. Standard, just a, a poker player, a successful one, who recognizes there's a lot of variance with this and uh, fi- figures you know he's done well enough to where he thinks he can. For him, it's worth selling for uh, an additional 25%. Otherwise, screw it. He, he said his attitude is basically, right. for 25% markup, I'll sell pieces. For less than that, screw it. I'll just keep myself. That, that well, it's not, it's not 25% markup, right? 1.25. That's what I mean. It's a 
That's what it is. Okay. So, so uh, just like minus 20%. It's similar, but a little bit less. Anyway, the, for some reason, I think this extra 5%, I think that between the, the fact that he's doing it at 1.25 instead of 1.2, 1.2 seems like the most common thing. That's why I chose it. I, just, I, I picked the 1.2 out of my ass, but I, I picked it out of my ass because... God, I picked what it a out. mental image. <laughs> because that's what I just see uh. most. I see most people doing that. I see now. Why do people charge less markup than that? Because sometimes they have to. If if some people will will charge sometimes no markup because they just want to get in the event. They just they they'd rather sell at no markup than not play. Which which makes sense if you if you can't afford it and if, especially if you're not a known name or you, or you just you you've run out of people to to buy pieces of you. You have to make it attractive enough for people to buy pieces of you because you know if you don't sell it, you don't play. I also have yeah, to say, and there are other ulterior motives too. Like the Hanson kid sold his huge package. <laughs> You're welcome, Bart. Uh, at, at no markup at all, but he did that uh, for subscribers to Crush Light Poker. If they wanted to get a piece of him, they could get it at no markup, and he's, you know, based on his. Tournament records, he's reasonably someone that could charge for markup. Yeah. You know, so there are lots of motivations as to why people are going to get on there or charge whatever they're going to charge. Right, right. You know? but, but it's like, it's a free market thing. It's, it's a thing. And I don't think there's that many people out there. I, don't, I haven't done a scientific study on this or anything, but this is just from my observation of the poker world for the last several years. I don't think there's that many people out there buying these pieces that are fooled into believing that a high markup is a great deal or that a high markup isn't actually that high. So if you see someone charging 1.4, you know, 40% uh, markup. Uh, I don't think there's that many people buying it going, oh, that sounds reasonable. That's not higher than most. I, I think most people realize that there are probably some that don't. There's probably some that just see a player that they like or that approaches them, say, you want to buy a piece, a 40% markup. They, you know, don't worry, I'm so good. That's, uh, I can easily beat that. And Oh, okay. And then they, they pay the 40% markup. And don't realize that that's way higher than just about everybody charges. So I, that happens sometimes, but I don't think that's the typical case. I think people who buy these, they, they do so for a lot of reasons. Sometimes they personally like the person selling it. Uh, sometimes you know, for entertainment. Sometimes for both. Sometimes uh, they, they just feel it's a good deal. Whatever it is. The thing is, it's just like anything else in life where there are good deals. There's bad deals. Sometimes for the exact same thing. And in this case, there isn't the exact same thing. That's the other thing, is that each player is different. And, you, for example, one player, you may... some. Let's say there's a really good player, but uh, number one, you're not 100% sure you can trust him. And number two, uh, he's not going to give you any updates other than, like, at the end of the day, he'll say, you know, I finished with this many chips, and that's all you're going to get from him. Well, on one hand, you may say that's a great investment because this guy is good and has, has an excellent record. On, on the other hand, you may say... You know, this is kind of boring. I don't get any updates during it, and I have to kind of worry a little bit the whole time that I'm not going to get the money. So that's is that a good investment? I I would probably say no. There's a, there's others that would say yes, but then there's others who may uh, give you a lot of updates and may be very trustworthy, but may be terrible players. And then is that a good investment? Well, as far as making money, no, for sure. But for entertainment, this may be a better investment than the. Uh, in fact, I'm sure it's the better investment than the guy who's doing well, because. Uh, it's, it's, if you're doing this for entertainment, it's not very interesting to buy a piece of someone and just get a, an update at the end of the day. Oh, uh, yeah, I bought in. You know, I got 30k chips to start. I, I finished the day with 68k chips. And then the next day, okay, I finished the day with uh, 
with 313 K-chips. Well, okay, but the whole day passes, you don't know what the hell's going on. So it's not that interesting. So there's many well, different... Andruff, you, you make a really good point, and that gets kind of back to what I was saying about you know the Beanie Babies or whatever the fuck it is that's being sold on, on eBay. The, the scarcity of a commodity a lot of times is what determines the price. And someone like uh, Glance, unless you know the guy, you may never be able to buy a piece of that. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. only one of him, and there aren't that many people that are really good at the types of games that he plays. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There aren't that many uh, people who are buying into this many high buy-in mixed game events that yeah. are selling pieces of themselves to just anyone who wants to buy them. Yeah. So, like if it, like if you just like walked up to Glance, and you're just some random dude that he doesn't know, and he already has the money to buy into these tournaments, and you say, "Hey, Glance, you know, I want ten percent." And I'll pay twenty five percent markup or one point two five or whatever. He'll be like, I mean, I would assume he'd probably be like, "No, I'm not selling or not." You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a seller's market from his perspective. Yeah. Because he yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> understand. I understand. I understand. I really think that. And and here's the thing about. Uh, well, you're going to get to Andrew Barber, so I'll I'll wait to make a comment when you when you get to talking about him. So go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So, so this, this kicked off a, uh, a big controversy where Andrew Barber got involved and then some other people got involved too. For, for example, some guy named loopy. I don't know who he is. Uh, hard man. Ryan is his name on, on Twitter. We could make, I guess you can make a joke about that one too. Hard man. Ryan too easy. The hard man. Ryan wrote back to him. This is when he tweeted the, uh, his package. Uh, why why anyone take this when they can assuredly find a better price at poker shares? Well, let me explain what poker shares is so you guys can understand because that will also play into this. Poker shares is a site that is run by Mike McDonald. Not the singer Mike McDonald, but uh, Mike McDonald, also known as Timex. And uh, poker shares, is, it's a site where this is interesting. I just tried to look at it. It says the country you're trying to access the website from is blocked. Yeah, that's you know one of the one of the things you said. Why would anyone? Well, that's one of the fucking reasons why <laughs> it's blocked in the USA. <laughs> but anyway, to to tell you what Poker Shares is, I, it wasn't like that before. I didn't even know they blocked it. But I'm sure he got a call from you know some agency. Yeah, probably. I, I didn't even know this is illegal. It's interesting. But uh, anyway, he's a bookie. I mean, what he's doing is he's being a bookie. Oh, that's right. We we talked about that. That's, that's right. exactly what he's that's doing right. up we, there. I forgot the whole discussion we had. When yeah. you when you have something that's a line and you buy on one side, sell on the other, you're a fucking bookie. That's right. We already discussed this. That's right. Yeah, I, I forgot. We, I forgot we had this discussion. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, poker shares. Yeah, they basically set like as you said, like a line on each player, where where you can buy on, on them winning, you can buy on them losing. So so. He, what people started saying is, well, this this uh, this really establishes the markup for each person. This really establishes what their market rate really is, right? Because uh, you're not buying it directly from them. You're actually it, it, you're kind of betting on whether they're going to cash or not, or how much they're going to cash, right? And and that's what uh, and so if if a line is set that uh, the the proper markup for this person say is is twelve percent. And then they're selling for twenty five percent. 
Well, why would you ever buy it from that person directly when you could buy it from PokerShare as a 12% markup? So that's, that's what someone's trying to say here, this loopy person, Hardman Ryan, trying to – I don't know what Mac Lance's markup is on uh, PokerShare. And also, not everybody's listed there. Like, I don't think I'm yeah. listed there. And you, you understand that this is something that you and I discussed um, a while ago with regard to Tasty Steaks. That one of the things that, that we had uh, prototyped out doing was exactly this, where once you buy a piece of someone – um, then you have a marketplace where you can sell that piece at whatever you want, yeah. right? So you're yeah. basically creating a micro market. Yes. My concern in doing that is that you really are creating a trader's market, and I think that's something the FTC would yeah, get involved yeah, yeah. in. That's true. And that's, that's the reason we didn't do it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that you makes know? sense. So, so yeah, the sites, I'm surprised you can't even look at it in the U.S. I'm surprised they just completely blocked it, but... But they have. And yeah, but well, that, that loopy guy was just like, why wouldn't anyone just use this? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I tweeted back a screenshot. I'm like, this might be why, because it's blocked. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, anyway, that, that's, that's what poker shares is. And, and so there's the question of, yeah, let's say you can use poker shares. Let's say you're out of the U.S. And let's say you can use poker shares. And again, first of all, not everybody's listed up there. But, right. but let's say it's the person is listed, and they're listed at a lower markup than their that the player himself is selling, uh, why would you not do it on poker shares? Well, it, it, that's a good question. And in some cases, if, if you really, if the whole point is just, I want to buy this per, from this person at the lowest rate possible, I want to buy this person's action at the lowest rate possible, then yeah, use poker shares. Uh, if, but but in some cases, you're buying it from this person also also because you like this person because you you know that they're doing this for a reason because maybe they can't afford to play maybe they they can only semi afford to play maybe they they can afford it but they want to control the variance because uh, you know this is a lot of big buy-ins compared to what they normally uh, would do throughout the year Wh- whatever it is when you when you buy it from poker shares though you're not buying a piece of the action from Matt Glantz. You're buying right. it from PokerShare. Right. So that's what I'm saying here. That may- Maybe you want to do this to support the person that's playing ra- rather than just uh, getting the best price on them from a third party. So that's- or maybe you don't want a third party involved. Yeah, and maybe there are complications that you're concerned about. Yeah, there's that, there's that too. There's that too. I, in fact, I, I'm not saying that Mike McDonald isn't trustworthy, but uh, I, there's people that just don't know him. They don't know if you know what posi- financial position he's in or... or can, is this really someone they can trust? Uh, I know a lot of people who bought pieces of me who are listening to the show right now. If I said, who would you feel better buying a piece of me from? From me directly or from poker shares, uh, Mike McDonald? They, well, so, I, I'm not even talking about Mike McDonald's veracity because I don't think there's an issue with that uh, from everything. I don't know him personally, but from everything I've known about him, I don't think there's an issue with that. Um, I mean more from I mean there could even be governmental interference. You don't know. You could buy twenty thousand dollars worth of, of shares from him and then the US doesn't let you repatriate the money. I mean who knows? Yeah, there could be yeah. that too. But I'm saying even if even again, I like I don't I haven't heard of any problems with Michael McDonald either, but I, I'm saying not, that not again, not him. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I'm saying that even if even taking away that whole thing with the government's interference uh, there's some people who say, look, even if I haven't heard of any problems with him, I just don't really know him. I haven't paid much attention to him. I just feel better buying it from the people, for the person I'm familiar with that, that I like or that I trust, and, and I don't want to deal with a third party who I have to now research and decide whether I trust him holding my money. So so there's that too. So there's a, the thing, everybody has their own motivation and reasons for buying pieces, 
and everybody has their own motivation for setting the rate for their own pieces. And look, I'll I'll fully say that there are some people who either through delusion or greed are charging way too much for for what they're selling. I mean, you know, for people who have terrible records in the World Series that don't. Uh, that, that All right, but Ruff, let's say someone is charging too much. Like, let's say someone listed it at one point four, and in your view, that's just that's just too much, right? If they sell at one point four, then it wasn't too much. Like by definition, you know what I mean. In other words, the market determined that for whatever reason, maybe you know it's a. A known pro, like if Ivy listed a package up there, would people buy it at one point four? Yeah, I'll, sure bet, you, I'll bet you a bunch I'll, of, of course people they would. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, if they listed at one point four, like, don't get your pennies in a bunch because it's very likely not going to sell. And if it does, then they listed it for the right price. <laughs> you know, I, 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 my wife and I are considering moving to Hawaii. Drew, really? Right? I didn't know this. And I want to hear more about this. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're looking at selling our house, but I'm worried that if I list the house for more than I bought it for and for more than you know our, what our neighbors are charging for their houses, that Andrew Barber is going to fucking show up at my door <laughs> and berate me for trying to get that kind of price on my house. I'm, I, I think it actually might happen. <laughs> you know? I, I don't want to go into too much of a tangent, but uh, now is the reason for moving to Hawaii, is it uh, because you're just tired of the Rochester weather? Uh, I mean, that's that's a whole other story. Uh, but we we actually are thinking, we're kind of having a midlife crisis and neither one of us wants a car. So, But can you really, in, in Hawaii, can you really get along without a car? I've been there, Ivan. <laughs> no, I mean, instead of buying like a fancy convertible, we're thinking about moving. Oh, okay. I thought you meant moving to a no, place no, no, with no, no, no car. No, no, I mean, no, it's it's something we're we're considering, and the it, part of the reason is it's halfway between uh, where her family is and where we are. Oh, I, I forgot about the Asian factor. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Okay, and, well, and she's also, she's not Japanese, but she thinks she is, so the fact that there are lots of Japanese there is probably uh, <laughs> probably a good thing for her, too. But but anyway, no, but I mean the real point in talking about that was like, you know, when you when you list your house to sell it, you know, if someone snap buys it, then you charged too little. And if no one buys it, then what you do is you lower the price until somebody does. But you you don't have people running around going, "Oh my fucking god, I can't believe they're charging $800,000 for that house. The one down the road is only $700,000." You know? Yeah, no, I, mean? I no, I understand. Fuck? In fact, like I for the Dodgers opening day, I couldn't make it that day, but I I won some kind of stupid lottery, the online lottery they had where I had the rights to buy opening day Dodgers tickets. It wasn't that wonderful that I won, like a lot of people wanted, but I said, "Okay, I'll take a look." And if I see tickets that I think are could go for enough above that on StubHub where even after their awful fees that I'll still make money, maybe I'll buy the tickets. And I I found a group of four tickets that I thought were uh, a good enough buy that I'd make money reselling them on StubHub, and that's exactly what I did. So I bought those tickets and then immediately put them up on StubHub and resold them. And actually, it didn't do as well as I thought it did. I, I, I made a little bit of money, but had I known how much I would have made, I wouldn't have bothered, but at least I didn't lose. Uh, anyway, the, the point is here, though, I did this specifically to scalp tickets, which is legal. I didn't do anything illegal here, but I'm saying that uh, you know maybe Andrew Barber would have a problem with that too. Oh, why are you selling these tickets for above face value? Why do you, why do you buy them just to resell them for above face value? Well, 
because that's uh, that's a way you can make money. I I had access to buy something that I knew would sell for higher. So why not? Why why wouldn't anyone do that? That's people buy all the time. That's why people buy stocks. They buy stocks that believing it'll be worth more later on. I, I know it's a different story with stocks because they're actually assigned you know, a value this way. It's it's a different story the way the value is a uh, determined for stocks versus just someone just setting a price they feel like setting. But you know, I mean, Drew, the amazing thing to me is people that consider themselves so incredibly open minded. Why are they so eager to get in someone's business about something like this? Like what they want to charge? Like, yeah, well, leave well, them alone. Well, so I'll tell you, I, I, I see what point <laughs> he's trying to make here. And there's, there's only one point of his that I think has any kind of validity, but I think it only covers a, a very small percentage of people who do this. If you are setting your price really high and then purposely misleading people into right. believing that's the standard – uh, let's say someone set up the price really outrageous, 1.8, you know, 80% markup. And then you went to the most clueless followers of poker you knew and said, hey, I'm playing the World Series of Poker. You know what? I'm a great player, and I'm, I'm so good compared to the fish in this field. 80% is a freaking bargain for you. And they, oh, really? Well, let me buy a piece of you then. It's like, so, so they go to people and completely misrepresent it. And then... Uh, People buy pieces of them at these way inflated rates, believing they're getting a great deal when they're really not. I think that's a scummy thing to do. And that's that's what Andrew Barber's trying sure. to say. But unfortunately, Andrew Barber is portraying this that pretty much everybody's doing. Anybody who sells markup at above what they're worth, you know, positive expectation-wise, uh, is somehow being unethical or, or, or scamming or, or being sleazy. So, and so that's Andrew not true. Barber... Is essentially the Ralph Nader of poker. Well, <laughs> he's coming out with a book that's called "Unsafe at Any Markup," right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's what he's doing, and that's a, see that's that's what's so stupid here is that he, of all people to do this to Mac Lance, who's who's not even charging a ridiculous markup, who has a a great record in these mixed games over the last nine years. We're not talking about a small sample space. We got nine years where he's won six of the nine, where he's cashed about double that he's bought in for in in that nine year period. At these tough events. So this is a successful player over nine years who's charging a markup that's slightly above average. And uh, why why attack here? It's so weird. But but so this whole debate happened. And then well, I, I felt bad about this whole thing because I, um, I I got a message from a buddy of mine in poker that that knows Glance that said, yeah, you know, Glance said that he. Listens to your show all the time, and he, he he likes it and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to buy a piece, uh, you know, just for the fun of it and to help promote the site, right? And I thought that was really nice of him, and I believe that that's why he was doing it. Like I believe he was doing it not because he wasn't going to buy into all these tournaments anyway. Because if you look at his history, he is buying into all these tournaments, right? I think he honestly did it because you know he just kind of felt like doing it. Uh, to help uh, well, that, you know, that's raise what he awareness said. of the site, and then and then I wake up the next morning and I've got like just notifications up the ass from all these tweets, and I looked at it and I was I felt bad. I'm like, oh man, this guy like was trying to do something nice, and look at the shit. Like you can't do anything these days without someone getting up in your business. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And and this uh, and so so there was various angles. Of this whole stupid discussion, there was the Andrew Barber just you know you 
you're charging too much markup. This is too high. Blah. blah. Then there's the, then there's the whole poker shares thing, which which Mike McDonald himself got involved in in the discussion. And, and then there was all the people on on Mac Lance's side saying, and I know David Tuckman was very much involved in the discussion on Mac Lance's side, and uh, a lot of others. Uh, and now I. My only chiming in I really did on this one, I didn't get involved too heavily, but but my main contribution to this discussion was just saying that uh, I I think people can charge what they want, but that I I personally put a disclaimer on mine saying that it's really that I'm not, this is what I'm just choosing to sell it at. I don't know if it's positive expectation or not. This is for entertainment purposes only. Right. And uh, you know, if if you want to buy it, great. If not, not. But and I don't even know if this is a good deal or not. So, now I don't even think everybody re- should be required or expected to put this out there. And in fact, there may be people who don't even feel that way. There may be people who are putting out a package they really do think it's positive expectation. And uh, there, there's no magic formula to determine what it really is. But uh, I, I, the only way I think it's it's sleazy is if someone really seems to be going out of their way to trick people that something that's clearly too high of a markup. Yeah, and this is within reason. Yeah, I mean that's totally within reason. It's not crazy. Yeah, it's totally within. (laughs) It's totally within reason. And so, so it was so strange that there there was so much uh, controversy over this. But we we had a lot of people getting involved in this in this whole thing on on both sides. More people on were on Glantz's side of this than against him. But a lot of people got involved in this, and you can you can look at the. Twitter's you want to read this. There's uh, Mac Lance was just at Mac Lance. Uh, so, Drove, I've experienced this type of thing in many different venues. So, whether it's uh, high-end cigars or whether it's high-end liquor or that type of thing, you know, uh, I see it all the time where, you know, someone will be selling, you know, let's say it's a 20-year-old box of Cuban cigars or it's a rare vintage of a particular wine or whatever. And they'll go to sell it, and they'll be selling it for, you know, a lot more than they originally paid for it. And people will, well, there'll be a certain segment of people that will just whine and complain and, you know, whatever. But then it always ultimately shakes down to, look, if you don't want to buy it, then don't buy it. You know, this is not something that is that someone is coming to your house and they're robbing you and they're making you pay this. And... In Glance's case, the markup that he's charging, as he said, you know, he would rather just take 100% of himself if no one wants to buy it at that price. And he doesn't really care if anyone does or doesn't, you know. I mean, just if you, if you think it's too much, then don't buy it. Yeah. And by the way, here, here's his answer as to why he even posted this in the first place, why he put it on Tasty's Tasty. He says, yeah. friends with, with, uh, with, with Tuckman and Bart Hansen. And, and, and the site designer Kilowatt, he says instead of Calwatt, which is a common mistake people make. Which, and the coincidence, Brandon, man, well, and the, and that's the, all Brandon. Well, you know what the coincidence is here is that <laughs> the coincidence is I was posting as Kilowatt on uh, on two plus two a while ago before I even knew you. So yeah. that's the funny uh, coincidence with that. But but he says, uh, and the site designer Kilowatt, referring to the site designer of Crush Life <laughs> Poker, uh, uh, does the Poker Fraud Alert podcast every week for free that I enjoy. So he's basically saying that he's he's doing this uh, to help promote Tasty Steaks and that he, as a thank you for your your contributions to the show every week, which you do for for nothing. So, um, so that that's where it all started. Then uh, Andrew Barber then chimes in and an attempt to hook a fish. 
referring to trying to hook fools in to buy his package at too high a markup. And then Barbara says, here we go again. Is a person just being a good poker player when extracting maximum value in all transactions at the detriment of others? So you see where this is all going. And then there's uh, there's so many things back and forth uh, between so many different people. And this really got a lot of exposure. This uh, a lot of people saw it. And one, before I even get into who else was was involved in this, there was one other point that was raised, which I want to refute, and that was Mike McDonald's bringing up to Matt Glantz. I don't understand this. If you're only willing to sell at one point twenty five or more, why would you not buy your, back yourself at less than one point twenty five? So why why wouldn't you buy yourself, for example, at one point two? If you're if you're if you think selling yourself at one point two five is a good deal, why if someone's offering you to, to buy back yourself at one point two, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you even buy back yourself at, at slightly more than one markup? You know, one point oh one, one point oh two. Why why wouldn't you do that? He's asking. He says it's absurd. How can you say you're selling yourself at one point twenty five if you want buy back yourself at one point oh two? So so here's I I don't remember Glantz's answer to that was, but here's an answer I gave. That is, you have to think about why the person is selling the action in the first place. If they're selling the action in order to lower variance, then they don't want to buy pieces back of themselves, even at a good deal. The, the whole point, a lot of times, of the people selling this is either because they can't afford to play, which I don't think is Matt's case, or they, they, they're hoping to lower their variance some. So that's why they, they, don't want to, they don't want to sell it and then buy back at a lower rate, even if that's positive expectation for them. They don't want to do it because uh, they're doing this whole thing in the first place to lower variance. That would defeat the purpose. So, and that's what I'm doing it partially for is the lower variance. And that's why if someone said, okay, you know, how about you buy, you know, I'll sell you pieces of yourself back for uh, 1.05. You're selling at 1.2, I'll sell it back to you for 1.05. I would say no, because I, why? Because I'm actually doing this to reduce variance. I'd be bringing the variance right back if I did this. And life would be really fucking boring if everything was reduced to a math equation. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it really would. It would be a horrible, horrible place to live. Yeah, and and uh, uh, Danielle Anderson, uh, the Moon Girl, she she brought up a good point. She said, "There's many times in life, every day, that I do things that are negative expectation, but that I'm doing for a, a, a reason that I think is good for uh, yeah, for like enjoyment. when I get on fucking PFA radio. Right, <laughs> my, my ROI here is like negative five thousand yeah. percent. So, so it's true, and that's that's the problem is that it's the opposite actually. What what Barbara's trying to say is that greedy poker players like Matt Lance are just oh, come looking. Come on! No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I agree with this. Is what he's saying here. Did he really say that? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. He didn't oh. say this, but he's saying, he's basically saying greedy poker players like Matt Lance are Matt Lance are trying to extract maximum value in every little thing they do. And, I and, hope his post op penis falls off. And, uh, and, and <laughs> but but I disagree with that statement. I disagree with that sentiment. I, I I think it's the reverse that you you can't look at things like this and think that this is this is necessarily about greed. That this is necessarily about uh, trying to extract every penny at the detriment of others. He Mac right. just decided. And by the way, there, there's there's a hassle factor to this whole thing. And, and believe me, I, I go through That's this. That's why I felt bad, man. I know he's not doing it for that reason. And uh, oh, it, uh, look, there's a. I've been trying to cut down the hassle factor more and more every year that I've been selling. Like each year, I think maybe I don't want to sell pieces at all, and I'll tell you the reasons. I've said it before. Number one, feeling bad when I bust, like uh, yeah, I just let people down. Number two, 
the, the bookkeeping stuff, uh, having to keep track, even if Tasty Steaks helps with that, but but uh, but having to send out uh, the money to different people, make sure to know who I paid and who I didn't pay, who I received the right. money, who I didn't receive the money from, always calculating, okay, how much do I have left to sell now? Okay, now I just bought, you know, someone just bought 2%. What's left now? Like, it's such a pain in the ass. And, and then... Drug, the, you got you to gotta be honest with me. It felt good to sell out, didn't it? It did, but it, but I, I've been doing it every year, so I'm not even like... I expected to. Like, if I didn't, I'd actually be surprised. And and I have an advantage. I'll say that. I have an advantage over the... Oh, now you're the girl that just expects to get hit on when she goes to the bar. <laughs> well, okay. in this case, yeah. I have an All advantage. Right. I'll tell you why I have an advantage, though. I have an advantage because of this show. That's right. that's why. Because there's be, uh, most people don't have a, a poker show with, with a decent-sized audience that... Uh, so it, it's harder for them to get the exposure... And even if they have the exposure, even the interest of people that want to buy pieces of them, where with me, it's it's uh, more likely I'm going to find those people. In fact, many oh just... Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Do you, do you remember the, the poker mentor from your interactions with, with Lyman? Uh, yeah, on, yeah. On yeah, Twitter, the yeah. poker mentor yes. told you he's, like, trolling all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Fucker. I don't believe it. He set up a troll package on Tasty Sticks. <laughs> What? The, the 111,101 one-drop action for poker ballers. <laughs> he says, attention, if you aren't a poker baller, stop reading right now, as the steak is not for you. No birds allowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my what, what markup is he selling it at? Um, well, he's selling it at 1.11 markup. Uh, well, maybe, maybe it's not even a troll thing. Maybe he's hoping people really buy it. No, he's. I mean, he's. Uh, I, I know the guy. It's a hundred percent a troll. Okay. <laughs> it would be funny if people bought it. Yeah, out. that's what I'm saying. The, the markup's <laughs> not even that high. Maybe maybe they'll be surprised it'll sell out. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like look, we have a a president of the United States right now who I think originally said he's going to run just kind of as a troll, and then, right. <laughs> and, then and then he's like, oh wow, people actually want me to be president. All right then, let me uh, let me do this seriously then. So, uh, so. I I think this is ridiculous to object to. I, I don't think Glance did anything wrong, and I think if you're whatever you're charging, as long as you are not trying to trick people into believing that your rate is is standard when it's way above standard, as long as you're not trying to mislead people, you don't have to hold everybody's hand that buys pieces of you. Like I I I'd, I'd overdo it. Just because I, I just absolutely never want these accusations. I, I This is what I don't want. What's, what's happening to Matt Glantz, and I feel bad for him too, because I know he was doing this uh, mainly to be nice to you. And I, I, I so didn't want this to happen to me that I put in all these disclaimers on Poker Fraud Alerts. This way, if anyone like Andrew Barber confronts me about this, and I can just link them saying, look, this, this, look what I put here. Look what I put. And then try to say that I was trying to mislead anybody. So... I tried to overdo it to where there's no way anyone can question it. But people are not expected to do that. You don't have to tell everyone all the reasons why they shouldn't be buying a piece of you or all the reasons why they may not be getting the best deal in the world. And if you think about anybody who sells anything, you, you don't go to the store where it says, uh, you know, the, the price of this is uh, $16.99. But you, you might want to check down the street. They might be selling it for cheaper. It doesn't say that. Just the price is $16.99. It's up to you to know if that's a good price or a bad price for what you're buying. So that's that really should be the way that uh, these markup situations work too, where you you just see it, 
You decide if it's a good deal. If you want to get yourself informed on what is a good deal and what isn't, then you can put the effort. If you don't want to put in the effort to get informed, then uh, then maybe you'll make a a bad value purchase. Maybe maybe you don't care about making a bad value purchase. Maybe it's just for entertainment. You don't care. Uh, but it's uh, as long as there's no nothing shady that's being done, then I I'm fine know, with rough. it. Unsafe at any markup, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's 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 ridiculous, and it's it's such a weird cause that uh, I mean, of all the things to complain about in poker, that's shady. There's a lot of shady things in poker. That's why we on this show every week we have new things to talk about that are shady in poker. But the, of all things that are shady, he picks something that just really isn't shady and makes a huge deal out of it. And I mean, on the other side of the equation, I can just tell you from uh, an analytics side of things, he was doing a fantastic dr- job driving people to the website. Well, so that's that's the next thing I wanted to get to. So, so thank you, Andrew Barber, right. for that. So, so there was this funny side effects from this, and that was because of all the different name poker players that were getting involved in this discussion. This really had a lot of reach because it wasn't just like Mac Lance's followers. There were, there were so many different poker players that are known or semi-known that got involved in this whole thing Yeah, that people who follow them go, oh, what's this about? And they go take a look. They go, hmm, what's this Tasty Steaks? So all these people flooded into Tasty Steaks go, well, I haven't heard of this before. You, you couldn't have gotten better advertising. <laughs> so so all these people came in and go, wow, this site's pretty cool and started browsing through it and go, oh, I didn't know this guy's selling. So, so sure enough, uh, new signups came into Tasty Steaks and I personally made some uh, yeah, I got some people investing. That's why I sold out so quickly. All of a sudden, I was getting. Are you going to thank Andrew Barber? You should. That, well, okay, I guess I should thank him. <laughs> he, I mean, uh, uh, maybe I wouldn't have sold out this year. I, I sold out earlier than I thought I would, and faster than I thought I would, because all of a sudden, right after this happened, I got a bunch of people that I didn't even know or didn't know that well, saying they wanted to buy pieces of me, including I'm not going to say who they are because I don't know if they want their names known out there but uh right. because I, I don't like saying this because then maybe people can har- hassle them to buy pieces of them and i don't want to create awkward situations but like a um a, a pretty well-known poker player who i had never knew too well you know i know who he is he knows who i am we played before but i don't know him all that well pretty well-known name though and uh he bought a piece of me uh, for the 10k limit he said he wants four uh, percent the maximum he said he'll buy the maximum <laughs> okay it's four percent okay give me four percent he sends me the money so i said how did you hear about this i thought is it possible he's a listener to the show no he, he uh he found it on tasty steaks right after this whole thing happened so all these people went to tasty steaks and go, oh wow look at all these people selling packages up there and then some of them found players that they probably want to buy pieces of so this particular guy had played limit holding with me before uh, probably was familiar with my success in Limit Hold'em. Probably even saw, which I put accurately, that I'm the 11th highest uh, cashing Limit Hold'em player of all time at the World Hold Series. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me see if I can guess who it is. Is he in a wheelchair? No. Did he want is it? It's not the guy that wanted to fight you? It's not that guy? No, no. He didn't want to fight me. Right. No. I guess I don't know who it is. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, the so this this helped me and and it helped Calwatt's site get I mean it's not the site's not making any money but he got a lot more attention to the site and how much how much traffic how much did the traffic spike from this oh it was ridiculous it was like tenfold yeah <laughs> that's yeah. that's amazing and so also as a result a person who's appeared on this show a number of times as well as some other radio shows we've I've done in the past 
also now has a package on Tasty Steaks. Karina Jett, uh, right. she, she she messaged me. And she says, what's this Tasty Steaks thing about? I want to talk to you. you know, so she had me call her, and, and I explained Tasty Steaks to her. And she's like, can, can I trust this Calwatt guy? And I said, well, yes, you can trust the Calwatt guy. But the good thing is you don't even have to trust him because right. it's just like a record-keeping site. And I explained the whole yeah. thing to her. And so, so she said, okay, well, I'm going to set up a package there. So, okay. so she set up a package. So if anybody wants to buy a piece of Karina Jet, it's, it's, she put hers up there. And it's at she found it through this whole argument, and she she felt the same way about Andrew Barber. By the way, she goes, "This, this guy Barber, what the hell is he doing?" Like she, pe- some people just shook their heads at, at all the points he was trying to make. They you know, just, you know what it is. I think I can. I think I. I think I know what it is. Right. So you know how you've got these days. It's not male and female. You could be like bi tran identifying as lesbian or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. I think Andrew Barber is identifying as a post-op lesbian turned into a man social justice warrior. <laughs> so that, I think he's, he's identifying as a post-op. Well, here, here's one other I mean? funny thing about him. Uh, this has nothing to do with this situation, but last year during the whole Jacqueline Moscow thing, which, uh, by the way, has almost been a year since that happened. It was towards the end of May. Wow. But last year as that was happening, he got so involved in that situation, too. And he actually tweeted at one point, like, uh, you know, almost, a tear, almost in tears at the poker table as I'm reading the, the, uh, the misogynistic responses to Jacqueline Moscow. <laughs> and so when I read that, I think, oh, my God, almost in tears? How can a guy be writing this? But, but I, I thought at least... It's this, the hormone therapy, Druff. But I thought at least maybe this is like his, his friend. But when I talked to Jacqueline later on... A few months later, I talked to her, and uh, and we, we got along you know, fairly well. And I said, I, I was asking her, I said, you know what, uh, now that I've talked to you some more, uh, I actually think a lot better that, of you than I, I thought originally. Like, uh, like I'm still, I still wasn't on anybody's side, but I said, you know, per, like personally, I, I think a lot better of you than I did before. Uh, but I have to tell you, I, I really don't like your friends very much. You know, Chris Baud and, and Jennifer Newell and Andrew Barber. Like, I, I don't like these people. They, 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 your friends here, they, they really, uh, they're really nuts. And she says, these aren't my friends. And I said, well, right. wait a minute. They, they were taking up for you like, like you were their best buddy. Like, like they, they're, they're defending someone. It, it seems so important to all of them. They put so much effort into defending you. I said, how are you not friends with them? She said, I don't even know these people. They just came out of nowhere, and I became like their victim of the week, and, the, and they just took my side, and I wasn't going to tell them, no, don't take my side. But, but I don't know who these people are, and in fact, I don't even agree with, with most of the things they post. She yeah, says, it's, it's like you know when someone goes to a third world country, and the cameras turn on, and they, they pick up the baby. You know, and they're, they're, oh, this one. And then as soon as the cameras turn off, as soon as it's no longer suits their cause, they just toss the baby aside and walk away. Yeah. You know? So, so, so right. So, so like these, like Andrew Barber, he was in tears on her behalf. She didn't, he didn't even know her. He got so involved in the, in the situation. It was so, so much on her side and it was so emotionally attached to this and he didn't even know her. Uh, call her, you're on the air. Caller, you're not on the air. I guess I hung up. I love that. I, I took a call and interrupted our conversation, and I just hang up. Mm. So someone from 702, I go, you know, if Vegas is calling me, I've got to an answer. And uh, when Vegas speaks, I have to listen. But anyway, uh, that's what was going on. Here, we, I see texts are furiously coming in. Uh, Uh-oh. Let's see. Um, this is someone said... Uh, 
<laughs> Andrew Barber once told me that if he doesn't win tournaments, the people die. Psycho. He claims he di- donates his money to left- less privileged people. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's take this call. It's coming back in. It's me. Oh, it's Karina. Okay, it's me. Karina, hi. Yes. Okay. So what's going on, Karina? I got to talk about this because I'm the one that he was in tears about. <laughs> oh, it's about you. Oh, you. Okay, so what happened with that? Well, he, I, we were talking about it, and I wasn't necessarily on her side, and he was almost in tears crying about it because I was not on her side. <laughs> okay, that's uh-huh. what it was. I, I remember the tweet of it almost in tears, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, is this, is this guy serious? Is he for real here? But, uh, yes, he was for real. It was me that he was almost in tears about. <laughs> another another woman, by the way, like like another woman that wasn't sympathetic about the the plight of women in poker. Karina, if you no, were, not necessarily. If you were a white male, were he very... wouldn't have been in tears. <laughs> no, it was bizarre. It was this. I didn't know who he was. I was just playing in a tournament, okay, and the, it was the hot topic of the World Series last year, and. You know, I had different views than him. So, of course, you know, I was wrong. And he just started, like, freaking out. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is super crazy. Not only that, he told me, like, don't you understand that if when I play poker and I don't win, people die? And I was like, what the hell? And I'm like, okay, that was the end of the conversation. Like, after he said that, like it was over. <laughs> That's so funny. He like he's like, well, I donate to these charities, so I've got to win this, otherwise people are going to die. Everybody just fold to me. So 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 the yeah, the, the starving kids, said. the starving like, kids I in was Africa. Like, oh my god! Like I have to get away from this guy, and I couldn't because I was in the tournament. So it was like he's like really out of his mind, you know, like. <laughs> I'm sure he means well and everything, but the way he goes about it is a little bit extreme. Very extreme, and that's uh, I think there's there's just this social justice warrior wing of poker that just they they're they're just not attached to reality. They they think they are, but they're not, and and they always they always have to find some kind of cause that they're championing that they're championing, and there's always some victim involved or a group of victims, and it. This isn't necessarily true. Like they, they're just looking for victims constantly. They're looking for people that, are, people or groups of people that are that are either uh, perpetrating something terrible upon some other group. And when I talk about stuff like that on this show, I talk about tangible things that are happening, actual scams that are happening that people should know about. And that that's great to draw attention to. But this this whole thing of, of searching for victims in, in every way, shape, and form is it's crazy. And that's, it's unfortunately, it's bleeding. No, into I mean, you guys have a valid point. Like, if you don't, if you don't like the VIG or whatever, the extra, you know, don't buy it. Or like, you don't have to like police the whole poker society. I mean, you know, isn't that Todd Wattellis' job? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying is, um, I just think it's really absurd that he is, you know, calling people out when, you know, yeah. it's, it's not even in other people's business. Thing. It's it's their, it's their, it's their business to do, you know, if they want to sell pieces of themselves to anybody, you know, and then if, if people want to buy it, that's, that's on them too. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, okay. Well, th- Thank you, Karina. By the way, as I mentioned before, Karina has a uh, package up on Tasty Steak, so if anybody's interested in, in buying her, especially since it's not competing with mine anymore because I'm, I'm done. So 
Uh, yeah, it, maybe I could take your leftovers. Yeah, you, you can. You can get my sloppy seconds. But uh, yeah, so you can check her package. It just got posted what today, yesterday, something like that. And uh, yesterday. And yeah, at least Tasty Steaks got some publicity. At least Aunt, Andrew didn't mean to do this, but uh, maybe he's done some good here uh, inadvertently, indirectly. But, yeah, I mean, the well, thing isn't is, that his goal in life is to do good, right? All right, maybe. Uh, the, the funny thing is, the, the ironic thing is with this whole situation is, by him starting this whole thing up with Matt Glance, he may have actually increased the number of pieces that are bought of Matt and others. Oh, he definitely did. <laughs> so, oh, he definitely did. Well, he, he, and Matt is such a good guy. Like he's such a good guy to like attack him is so ridiculous. It was. It was. It was crazy. It was insane. The whole thing. So, you know, I, I think we need to move on from this topic because I want to yeah. say that as, as as high as our ratings were last week, the highest ever, right now, unfortunately, we have among the lowest ratings we've had in a long time. So that, yeah. that makes me sad that we actually have uh, low ratings at the moment. The people have tuned out. I think they're tired of this topic. So we will move on. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Karina, for uh, your thank little you guys. Uh, anecdote there. Thank, thank you. And. Again, uh, Karina's package is up on Tasty Steaks, and I'm sure Tasty Steaks probably has a lot of new packages because of uh, all the attention it got. So, yeah. great job, Andrew. Yeah. All right. So, let's, uh, let's see the next topic here. I had this fantasy that I was going to see like just monster live numbers just ever since last week that it's going to carry over every week. This is no, such a let. This is such a letdown. And, well, of course. I mean, look at the guests that you had on last week, and look at the timing of it. I know. You know what I mean? I know. I'm not surprised. So, uh, Doug Polk is back involved in controversy. Uh, Luke Schwartz, who's a uh, a UK player, I believe, is uh, deciding to get his 15 minutes. He he is uh, bashing Doug Polk in an interview on Poker News. And I'm going to play this to you guys, and we'll discuss what we think of this whole thing. This this really does look like uh, what is this unavailable? You can't this video can't be. I see. I hate when this crap. What is going on here? See, this is. Let me tell you what just happened here. Why this took me by surprise? I'm gonna have to find it somewhere else. Uh, this was posted on Poker News's Facebook. Oh oh, Druff. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say. No pressure for you for your World Series performance. Okay, but I'm gonna donate half. Of any winnings from my piece to free rolls. Oh, wow. Okay? Wow. Half of any of your, you know, my, whatever my net profit is, if there is a net profit, it's going to the free rolls for PFA Radio. You're going to be sorry if I hit, like, the, the, that, that $888 event at the end? That probably hey, has, probably has look, like, a, man, a guaranteed $888 If you, if you $888 make $100,000, I swear I will donate fifty k wow. to the free rolls. Now, you can... Dole that out, you know, however you deem appropriate. But I mean, you could do one fifty k free roll. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. That, that show will have good rate. <laughs> that will be a good rating show. I, I'm sure that will oh beat God. all the other ratings there. So anyway, the, the, Poker News posted this on their Facebook, and I I made the ability on uh, on Poker Fraud Alert to where Facebook videos could be embedded into posts here. So I yep. embedded it. And then I just went over to play it right now, and it says, unavailable, the video can't be embedded. Watch on Facebook. I go, okay. Right. So, so I click on it. As I was like, oh, maybe they may change something. I, cl- I click on it. Uh, 
No, it just it just can't play. So I think they took it down, which I, I have no idea why. So let me try to find. Hopefully, they didn't take it off YouTube too, because it was. Uh, I know it was also on YouTube shortly after that. So I'm look now, sometimes that happens for content that's licensed only to be displayed on YouTube. But you're saying it's gone even when you visit it. It was on Facebook. It wasn't a YouTube. Uh, oh, okay. it was a Facebook video, which seems to be gone now. But let me look for it on. Uh, this is so, so annoying. Okay, I, I found it. It's on YouTube now for whatever reason. So, Hello, you're watching Poker News. Welcome back to our coverage here of the Poker Stars Championship in Monte Carlo. I'm joined by Luke Schwartz. Now, what I really want to talk to you about is Mr. Doug Polk, because there's been quite a lot of back and forth between you two. Tell us uh, where it all started. Uh, it's a bit of a minor thing, really. <coughs> I've kind of lost my voice anyway, because, like... I was shouting so much. Yeah, well, anyway, I was shouting so much for the Anthony Joshua fight that like this is the first day I've got my voice back after three days. So, props to him. Um, yeah, there weren't much, uh, not much really to say about that Doug Polk guy. I mean, he's he's a, he's a there was, but like I've already been there and done that. Like he's a bit, he's a big pigeon really in life. You know, what I mean, he's sitting in his little bedroom making these little videos, can't be online no more, trying to sell his little scam to everyone else. Once. Mm. So, so he's already after him for these videos and, of course, selling his little scam, which he's referring to Upswing Poker, Doug Polk's uh, training site, where Doug's been pushing it very hard over the last uh, several months. So he's, a, he's already going after him, saying he's selling his little scam. I wasn't happy about you. Uh, listen, about I don't give a, a scam. Listen, it is a scam. You didn't care about you saying he's a bad player or whatever. whatever. Listen, this guy, yeah. He wants to frame a chart of my PokerStars graph, yeah? Yeah, so in his, watched it. yeah I watched it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reasonably funny, to be fair, but, yeah, actually give props to him for that. But why don't he f- frame a chart of his own PokerStars chart of the last two years? Because you know what that looks like? That looks like down about 600k, and the geezer can't win online no more, innit? Just like a lot of us can't win online anymore. He can't win online, but yet he's still trying to sell his shit. So, so okay. I don't know if this is true. I haven't been following this, but so what he's talking about here is that uh, Doug Polk was uh, when they were going there back and forth said uh, mocked Luke Schwartz for, for losing recently. Said he wants to frame his chart in the background that is Luke's chart uh, of, of his winnings and losses, and uh, you know showing that it's uh, that Luke Schwartz is a losing player. And so he's saying, Doug, I could do the same thing to you. In the last two years in Poker Stars. You've lost six hundred thousand dollars, and that's why now you're you're just trying to sell strategy because you can't win online anymore. That, that's what he's saying. Now, can anybody in the chat room tell me if this is true? Because th- this is Luke Schwartz's claim. But I I I had just thought that Doug Polk is just winning. I thought he's just winning everywhere, and this is just this uh, upswing poker is a side venture he's doing, which would make sense. Uh, is it really true that in the past two years he's down six hundred thousand? And is it perhaps something that's misleading like is it that he's winning consistently but then played really high and then you know, lost really badly to one or two people and that puts him overall down so can the chat room tell me who might know this better than i do what is the story with doug polk is he is he really down 600k in the last uh two years or so uh, I think it depends. I mean, where is this graph on, on, on poker stars? Look I, I don't know where he found this graph, but uh, so yeah, I, because I mean, I, I I looked them up on High Stakes DB. Yeah, um, and so he peaked 
at up one million in October 2013, and he's down to being up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like from his peak, he's down about uh, six hundred five six hundred k. Okay, so that's probably but that's what you're since to. that's since 2013 though. That's okay. not just the last couple of years. So, but, but, it, but again, this is high stakes DB. Like this doesn't show everything, and there are certain. Like mid stakes, I think are not even tracked here. How's he even playing though? He doesn't live. He lives in the U.S. So how's he? Uh, at least I think he. Li- I, I don't know for sure where he lives, but I thought he. Well, lives I think in the US. he's. I think he's one of those guys that has traveled up to Vancouver. Okay, that kind of thing. So all right. Uh, so anyway, that's. Let me go on here. That's what he's trying to say here. That t- so, I mean, if you if you looked at just this, then you know, okay, he's got the the time span wrong, but yes, it's an accurate claim. But I just want to, you know, any when you look at any statistic, you have to know what it's measuring. And the the high stakes DB graph is not every hand that he has played on Poker Stars. I think they only track like twenty five fifty and up. I think. Okay. Unless, you know. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go on with this. It's bullshit. All he does really is try and sell his shit and talk about people we don't know about, know anything about, just to get attention these days. Have you days. Ever met him in real life? No, I haven't met him. I don't want to meet him. If I meet him and he even looks at me bad, that's that's a bad look for him. What's going to happen? So. Oh, I, I like that kind of threat. I think you're right about the WWE version of poker we're getting now. He's like, and he, if he looks at me the wrong way, it's going to bad look for him. It's that's even, exactly what this is. I mean, this is a, just yet another one, I mean, and everyone challenging everyone else to a fight and, and just yeah. all of the BS. I mean, it really is WWE, man. That's such there's a bad... There's going to be chairs broken on people's backs. There are going to be girls holding... Well, wait a minute. There already are the Royal Flush girls, so... This is such a stupid threat, too, because it's like a non-threat. If he even looks at me, it's going to be a bad look for him. So the, this way, if, if Doug Polk does look at him a bad way, well, that doesn't mean he's going to punch him. It could just be a bad look. It could just mean I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk trash to you, or I'm going to, I'm going to stare back at you in a meaner way. Like uh, I, that could mean a lot of things. But it's trying to imply if he even looks at me the wrong way, I, I'm going to knock him out. That's that's what it's saying without saying it. But this way, he doesn't have to stick to it because he's not making that direct statement. It, it's so stupid. It's it, it, these guys aren't going to fight each other. There's no way. I don't care what way Doug Polk looks at him. I don't think Doug Polk's like a tough guy or someone to be afraid of, but I, there's no way these two are going to have a, a, a physical fight. Fuck that guy anyway. And are you going to play a heads-up competition with him? Listen, I'd play him heads-up. He knows that he he, wouldn't, he can't beat poker anymore. He's playing some fishy game, poker night on America with a few fish and you know, walk around with his rucksack and with his goofy voice and all things like that. Let's hear the goofy voice. <laughs> Hey guys, Doug Polk here. Whilst I will say I'm really good at poker, I cannot beat it anymore. And whilst my voice goes high, sometimes it goes low at other times. And my name's Doug Polk. I'm, oh, I've been with my girlfriend for two years, but I'm pretty sure we've never had sex with the lights on because I'm such a sad loser. <laughs> I like it. Even the, the interviewer was laughing at this here. Okay, it was, an, yeah, it was a funny a impression. One. So are we going to set up this heads-up match? Listen, I'll play a minute in Vegas. It's no big deal. Okay, you know? here you go. You've had it first. I'll play you, dog. Gonna, it's not a big deal. I play eight-game V anyone. I play people better than me, so I'm, of course, going to play someone worse than me. Yeah, He doesn't know any of the games. Unless he's got his little pal, Jay Lama, sitting behind his back, he's there, no chance in it. So if he wants to come Vegas and play, that's fine. Okay, well, I'm going back a bit, so... I actually got into poker because of you. Like, I'm a bit of a fangirl, yeah. I used, to, I used to love Premier League, and I used to love those little hissy fits. And here I am now working poker because you were my idol. Um, those hissy fits, 
Seems like they haven't stopped. I was going to say, have you grown up a little bit in those? So it's it's funny because she. I don't, I don't know if people are familiar with this uh, girl. I forgot her name. Something Cornelius at the beginning. But uh, she's like this pretty, uh, what, is she Australian or something? Her name is Cornelius? Her last name is Cornelius. Oh, okay. So, I was going to say, that's a that's a pretty odd name for a no, girl. But she's this pretty girl. She, she's, uh, so she's saying she's, she was a big fan of his, and she got into poker because of him. And then, so he's probably feeling all good that the, you know, the pretty girl there, she got interested in poker because she was his fan. And then she says, oh, have, have you grown up a bit since then? <laughs> He's like, that's not what you want to hear at that point. Right. That's not what you want to hear. You want to, you want to hear that uh, about how great they still think you are. Not like I got into it. Yeah. I was a fan of yours, but uh, I thought you were a baby. Have you grown up now? So here, here's, so it seems like you haven't. She's basically saying, Years. I've grown up loads and I'm about like, eight years older since that last interview I did over there with Gloria Baldin and like obviously I was a bit, a bit controversial then and but it was kind of uncalled for then but now this guy Doug Polk he's a prick you know what I mean he's just fucking saying uh, scam saying this guy scammed he has like a video say Jason Mercier cheating allegations when Jason Mercier is accusing someone of cheating but he's, his, the title of his thing is Jason Mercier's cheating allegations just so people see that oh he might be cheating you know what I mean it's just like does anything to get more attention for his little stupid site well actually you gotta blame Seriously Serious for that one he's the one who puts that stuff together I'm not saying he's right but uh, Doug Polk he went from doing these pathetic-looking uh, videos in front of horizontal blinds to having Seriously Serious take over the production, who is, is much more experienced with, with putting these things together and, and, and putting up catchy titles and getting views. And I have to say, if, if, you're, if you're going for views on YouTube, you, you do have to have the catchy titles and the catchy uh, graphic graphic card on the front and everything you need all that because that's that's how you get views on youtube because people just see the little uh still shot uh on the side of the screen and then they see the description it has to be something that catches their eye and if it doesn't they go on and just look at something else so that's uh something seriously serious has a lot of experience with and he's really helped doug polk a lot both in production value and in ability to get views i i don't I don't think that they were trying to trick people into thinking that Jason Mercier is a cheater. Now, maybe it was written with that as kind of like uh, an ambiguous title to get people to watch, but uh, I don't think there's that let much. Me, let me ask you a question, Drew. Let's say that you and I are going to make a wager. Let's say that Doug Polk and Luke Schwartz are going to fight. And let's say you and I are going to wager on it. Which side would you like to have? I, I think I'd have to go with Lou Schwartz still. But I, but I, at the same time, I don't think that Lou Schwartz is going to go fight anybody. No, no, no. But I mean, let's say that they, they were going to fight. Would, no, I, I would and think, they're locked in a cage. I think Luke Schwartz would probably win. I don't think it's even close. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I think Luke Schwartz would, would demolish the That's guy. what it looks like from what I can see of him. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think he's going to really fight anybody. I don't think that's... Uh, no, oh, I don't think so either. It's, it's just, smack, just smack talk. Yeah, and especially, especially because if you have the impression of somebody that's going to be... That's never going to want to fight you, that's, ne- that's never going to say, okay, let's throw down, then you can act a lot tougher. Then you right. can... Act like, oh yeah, yeah. If this guy does this, I'm gonna because you don't have to. You don't have to back it up. You just this way you can say it, and you know there's there's not going to be any actual fight involved, and you can you come off looking like the tough guy. So uh, I'm just saying that you know my impression of these guys 
is that if Luke had to, he'd fight. And I don't, I don't think Polk would risk, you know, messing up his hair. No, no, right. <laughs> <You> know, right. <laughs> I, I kind of think that too. Yeah. So now, in Polk's defense, he's he's never threatening to fight anybody. He's I've never exactly. heard that. I've never heard that out of his mouth. That's not part of his. Which uh, I think routine. is dumb. Like you know, I mean, whatever. I think it's retarded. I I think so too. So anyway, uh, let's, let's go on here. So fuck him, because he's all bullshit. The guy's a fucking phony. He beat on. Listen, everyone has their time online, isn't it? Everyone can have six months or a year where they're playing good online and everything's going well, and you're making all the right decisions. And then your game gets found out. People come better than you. And listen, what he's back for scoop, big deal. Let's see if he plays anything above his fucking little bankroll challenge, one dollar up to a hundred dollars in scoop. Let's see if he goes and plays fifty hundred, and let's see if his content is still good enough to sell to all these aspiring poker players. He is very popular, though. Yeah, he's popular because he sold them a dream, but he can't do that dream anymore. And suddenly, there's no point in following and, and paying for his stuff because you know how hard poker is to beat right now. Like- See, I, I have to take issue with that. I've seen this this complaint before, and I, I've discussed this before about other people that have been criticized. Uh, why are they selling poker training because they can't beat such and such game anymore? And if if you're selling videos on how to beat the very toughest games in the world and you can't beat the very toughest games in the world, then, yeah, that's a problem. But if you're mainly marketing this stuff to beginner through kind of average players in poker and the games that you're expecting them to use this stuff in will be uh, much lower than you ever play and much easier than you ever play, then that's fine even if you're losing overall in poker. If you're playing tough games and tough opponents and losing... Uh, but coaching players who are playing in the easy games that you could easily beat if you wanted to, if you were to play those and drop down in stakes, then that's fine. You're still giving these players good knowledge. It doesn't matter what your, uh, uh, you know. I, I would much rather get uh, coaching from someone who's losing in high stakes, but has the ability to beat uh, middle stakes. Uh, in fact, the ability to crush middle stakes. And has crushed middle stakes, but just uh, doesn't want to play them anymore. Plays high stakes and loses against people better than him. I'd rather have that person coaching me than uh, than like a middle stakes grinder who, who who manages to kind of slightly beat the game, even if the the middle stakes grinder is the one who's profitable and the one who's playing the high stakes is not profitable. That's just because he's doing poor game selection. Yeah, and Druff, let's be honest. I mean, the Micon system is still the benchmark in the industry anyway. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> so. That would be funny if they, Luke Schwartz like, oh, you know, why is he even doing this? Brian Moicon already did it. He already, <laughs> he already, he already covered everything. I mean, it was pretty much over at that point. Oh, no point God. to have coaching anymore if you watch the Moicon system. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, you know what's funny is about the Moicon system? And I, I laughed about this at the time, too. This, this shows you how, how many suckers there were in poker back then and how easy it was to sell this type of stuff. Mikeon didn't even want to be bothered to stop playing party poker in the background while he was recording these audio files. It was just audio. It wasn't even video. It was just audio of him talking about how to beat poker. Right. So he's like, so anyway, uh, if you've got ace-queen offsuit and somebody raises an early position in the tournament and it gets to you, you may be tempted to re Hold on. Oh, hold. 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 I've got pocket kings right now. I've got pocket kings all in against the ace-queen. Hold. Yes. Okay, hold. Okay, I just doubled up. Okay, anyway, so he's actually like playing, he's playing like unrelated tournaments in the background while he's doing it. 
I can't even like edit that stuff out. It's like it was like so part you, of you the needed movie. seriously serious is production value, right? <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I listened to this stuff. But uh, anyway, let's 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 play the end of this. This a minute more. I, I'm, listen, I'm one of the best poker players in the world. It's hard to. I can tell you, it's hard to beat. But what about that graph? Okay, so I don't win on PokerStars cash games, yeah? Because that's the toughest place to play, yeah? But I win elsewhere. Don't worry about it. But that. you haven't had a cash live since 2013, Hand I don't play. <laughs> this is so funny. Wow. She's she's, just, I know. She's, she's just hammering in the She's just coming in up so hard. It's so funny. But she goes, she starts off about, I'm such a big fan. And, you know, I got into poker because of you. Blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, but um, what about PokerStars? You're losing in PokerStars. Um, oh well, um, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's the hottest place to play. Yeah, but you haven't had a live cash since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've heard from the girls you've got a small penis. <laughs> like, like really, she's just like hammering the poor dude. And I, I've, I've heard when you've had, you've tried to have sex with uh, with girls in poker, you couldn't get it up. Um, can you tell us about that? <laughs> can you get an erection anymore? Have you have you bought Viagra? Oh man. <laughs> play live tournaments that's why it's my first this is probably one of my first live tournaments i've just cashed it yeah so you don't need to worry about whether i still win because as negrani says i beast everything yeah so don't worry about if negrani said it negrani knows it you know what i mean (laughs) right any pigeons in this tournament listen the whole field is pretty soft like i got tough table i got dan smith on my left i've got this chris here pigeon no, he's not really a pigeon. He's got a bit of a pigeon voice, but I've got this Christoph guy on my on my right. He's a big online beast. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, I'm just keeping it tight for now. But you're in the money, so all's good. Yeah. And you get a little flag. With all that losses on stars, isn't it? And I can't win anywhere, as you said, so I need that 5K extra. Well, we wish you all the best of luck. I saw you win a pot then, so it uh, seems to be going good. That graph's going to be going up sometime soon. Hopefully, hopefully. All right, thanks so much for chatting with us. Luke Schwartz, I'm Laura Cornelius. You are watching PokerNews.com. He probably walked away going, that fucking bitch, she shut me up. <laughs> I like how she was, yeah, she just waited till the end to just spring this stuff on him. I, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Poor best. That's that's the last part of this whole video. Like everyone's like, oh, he's talking about Doug Paul. Well, the end part is the best part, where she just uh, yeah. hammers him with the, the inconsistencies and and the uh, the just questions about in. about whether he's a winning player at all. Digging in, and he's oh, I, I haven't played a live tournament since two thousand. This, this happens to be my first one. It's been been four years. I'm just happened to be this one, and I cash. So um, one for one, one for one, hundred percent cashing since two thousand thirteen. Look at it that way. So, um, but this this really does, you know, speak to what I'm talking about in terms of the the WWEifying of of poker in some ways. Like it, it just skipped over the whole becoming a sport thing, whereas you know wrestling was a, a sport at one time, and then jumped over into the outlandish bullshit. And a, a lot of what people are doing to get attention, whether it's you know hashtag or whether it's this guy challenging that guy to a fight or heads up for roles or whatever it is. You know, it's just it's getting I, silly. I think it's easier now than it used to be because of social media before. And this is the reason forums are starting to die. Uh, they, they have people posting on Poker Fraud Alert sometimes. Why is Poker Fraud Alert uh, not as active as it was such and such? First of all, that's not even true. It's not even – if it's died in activity, it's only a little bit. It's not – It's it, it really isn't that much different than any other time in its history. Right. But uh, even if you want to say it is, uh, forums everywhere – Two plus two, especially, but I mean, the forums everywhere of every kind have pretty much 
gone into decline because yep. they're just not what people are using anymore. They're now using – if they want to use a, a bulletin board sort of uh, ma- manner of discussion, then they go over to Reddit. And otherwise, it's all social media. And this has replaced forums. People just don't have the desire to post on forums anymore. Uh, people who never posted on them before really have no interest in it. And people who did before, well, sometimes they do, but a lot of times they, they kind of feel like they're past it. They kind of feel like they're they're antiquated, that the new thing is social media. And It's weird the way these communication mediums change. Like th- these days, like honestly, I'm, I'm like a, you know – teenager or something i i text more than anything else and in fact when i get a phone call it's actually kind of weird to me <laughs> you know what i mean just because I'm, I'm used to communicating so much over um either text on my phone or slack when, when i'm working with people in business or, or what have you yeah well yeah i i feel the same way I, with the texting at first i was i shouldn't say resistant to it but i i wasn't sending that many texts and uh, originally when the texts were all 10 cents each, that was especially why I wasn't into texting. <laughs> well, we know that you're just never sending them that. No, I, you know what was painful? Uh, back in the world, when I had a cell phone, but like this is before smart, I had a smartphone, like I had uh, like an 08, 07, whatever. I was getting text messages from people during the World Series, and they were well-meaning messages like, all right, man, I see you ran it up. You know, Poker News just reported you're up to this. And I'm like, fuck, that's 10 more cents out of my pocket. Like, I, was, I could know, see you actually turning your phone off. I was No, but then they, they still come in. They have, and when I turn the phone back on. still get charged? Yeah, yeah. They'll come that's in when I turn brutal. the phone back on. Yeah, so I had no choice. And I, I just kept getting hit with 10-cent message after 10-cent message that was well-meaning. And then they're like, like uh, hey, I haven't seen an update in a while. How are you doing? And then I feel like I have to respond to it because they're interested in how I'm doing. It's not even like a person – I wasn't even selling pieces back then. So it was just someone interested in how I'm doing at the World Series. I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. They're thinking of me. They're wondering right. how I'm doing. So I don't want to be a jerk and not respond. But I think, oh, this is 10 more cents out of my pocket. Why are they doing this? Why can't they wait till afterwards? <laughs> Why can't they send me an email? Uh, of course, I couldn't respond to the email until I got home because it wasn't a smartphone. But uh, the point is that uh, that was – partially was keeping me from getting into texting but even when i had unlimited texts which i've had for many years now uh i still it took a little time to get used to it but like you now it does seem like the easiest and best way to communicate because you can just get across the point where you're trying to say and and it's, it's very easy and i think what i like best about it is that it doesn't require the privacy of a phone call like you a phone call you have that you're either disturbing people around you or people are listening in. Here you can just do it anywhere. You you can do it uh, in, in a large crowd of people or in places right. where everyone needs it to be quiet, and, and it doesn't matter. Well, I like the I like the fact that you respond on your own time. Yeah, that too. You know, you get a text, and if you're not ready to deal with it, then you don't have to. And oh, it's I- more it's more lightweight. Like uh, you know, actually having a phone conversation feels more like you know. Being in a relationship in some ways. You it's know funny, what I mean? It's, it's funny you mentioned the thing about on your own time. In the 80s, people used to ask me, especially because I, I, I love telephones and everything associated with telephones back then. So uh, people asked me, why don't you have a pager? And I said, I don't want to have a pager because I hate the idea that people can page me and then have the expectation that I have to call them back now. That they, right. they, they, they can demand when I call them and then get pissed. And I, I, I felt the same way when I paged people. Those that I, I knew that had pagers, I would page them. 
And I'd sit there going, okay, why aren't they calling? Why aren't they calling? I paid them 10 minutes ago, still no call. Why are they being right. so rude to me? Like, and, the, and people didn't have cell phones back then for the most part. So like, they'd have to go to a pay phone or, or, you know, or go to use someone else's phone to call me back. So a lot of times I'd be expecting a call back. And in reality, it was very inconvenient or in some cases impossible for them to call me when I page them. But I just feel like when I enter my number to their pager, they're kind of obligated to call me. And that's what I did not want for others to be able to do to me. So – uh, so with texting, it's it, you, know, you respond on your own time, and it, it is uh, yeah, people can still feel the same way, like oh, I need an answer right now. But people have kind of gotten to understand that people aren't always receiving texts, or they're not necessarily you know their phone could be off. There's a lot of be a lot of reasons. Whereas with a pager, it was kind of expected to just always on. So yeah, it, responding in your own time, be able to respond when you otherwise wouldn't be able to make a phone call. The fact that you could make it. A quick communication. So I would say this, though. If I were single now, and I... Hey, what does this tournament pay? $55 for first. Oh. I got 109000 The other guy's got 1000 You're about to win the tournament? I guess. Well, I don't I, know. I mean, if you don't, it'd be a major choke job, 109000 to 1000 That would be pretty rough. That would be one of the worst choke jobs I've ever seen. But Yep. All right, I won. Anyway, go ahead. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. You've, I, not only do you play these things, you, went, you do pretty well in them. You won one uh, not too long ago. Yeah, not really. I'm sure my <laughs> ROI, like I'm sure Andrew Barber would get on here and tell me that there's no way I could sell a piece with my ROI in these free rolls. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if I were single now and I was uh, you know, getting to know girls I met online, I actually would still want to talk on the phone to them. That That's one case where I wouldn't. I'd, I'd text also, but I, I'd want to still have the long phone conversation. That's like different. That's a relationship. That, right. That's different. Right. That's different. Right. Exactly. But like with yeah. just non-relationship things or, or, or even with, with someone you've been in a relationship with for a long time, uh, then the yeah, texting is a lot better and Let's see. I, I prefer it a lot of the time because I'm do, I'm like doing other stuff and yeah. If I get if I get a phone call, I, I have to literally like stop what I'm doing and I you know I realize this is horrible because you know we should be paying attention to the people and everything. But I, I you know if I'm getting a phone call, like nothing else happens. My attention is a hundred percent there for the most part. Yeah. Well, I, I've had this before where people text me and they they're talking about something that's happening, but it's not all that important. But just. To them, they just want to talk about it now. They go, yeah. can you call me? And I say, no. I, I, can't, I can't do it right now. And they, <laughs> yeah. well, well, you're texting me with them right now. You're, you're responding to my text. Why can't you call? And I have to go explain, like, well, I'm in this place. Or, you know, I have to explain what's going on at the moment, that why, why I can't make the call right now. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Let's, let's see what we got here. Uh, what's the next topic? And plus, you can't, I mean, you could, but it'd be kind of weird. I mean, you, you can't talk to someone when you're taking a shit. <laughs> Whereas you, that's a perfect, that's like prime texting time. That's true. I, yeah. I, I don't, I try not to think about it, but I bet there's a lot of, uh, a lot of texts sent to me on the toilet. Of course. You're sitting there, you're just waiting for stuff to happen, you know? Yeah. Okay. So let's see here. I, from the chat room, I'm reading Larry Laffer saying, I work for a messenger company that used cell phones. I had to quit radios for the, he's he still using radios on, these days. That's crazy. Uh, he says, uh, FTPGs, now they have the new HIPAA-compliant paging apps for cell phones, which are cool, but a pain in the ass. Uh, let's see. Um, 
that or I don't feel like deciphering the rest of the conversations in there. So <laughs> if you guys want to call in 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, this would be a good time to call rather than interrupting other segments because I'm going to get to the next segment if you guys uh, don't call. Otherwise, I'll, you know, I'll take a little break and uh, talk to now one what of about, you. What about uh, this Andrew Barber guy? Let me just ask you, like, what else do you know about this guy? I, I mean, other than what I've seen him get into fights with people on Twitter, I don't know anything else about this guy. I don't know like, much about him either. He, if you look at his Twitter, which is at abarber1, that's A-B-A-R-B-E-R-1. He claims he's from Santa Cruz, California. Uh, he lists himself as poker player, econ- economist, uh, I don't even know this word, if, if Fianur or Flanur, no, F-F-L-A-N-E-U-R, I don't know what that is. Stoic, effective altruist, former engineer and former conservative, current banana slug. I don't know what a banana slug is either. It's a man who saunters around observing society. Oh, is that okay? I don't know all these new terms. I just looked it up. Okay. So uh, he's been on Twitter for a while, since uh, 2008. And I'm sure that's a word he uses in everyday conversation. He didn't put it up there to make himself look impressive. This, despite his very active tweeting, he doesn't have a whole lot of followers. He only has 1,247, which is even fewer than I have. Uh, but I wonder if he's in tears about that. <laughs> it probably is. But that's, that's who he is, and uh, he, he does play poker. I don't know if he wins or loses that much. I don't know. But Well, kids die. I know that. That's right? true. Kid, kids die if he doesn't win. That's true. So uh, hopefully he is winning. Otherwise, there's death and destruction everywhere. Okay. Uh, I guess we're not getting any calls. This is one of these nights when people are just kind of quiet. I have these other nights where I just get hammered with calls. I'm not, I'm not talking about last week when everyone wanted to call and troll hashtag King and Cantu. I understand that. I understood all those calls. But uh, By the way, there was a rumor that Prahlad Friedman had called up the show last week and used a phony name to talk to Hashtag King or Cantu, one of the two. Uh, I didn't remember that or notice that, but a listener of the show asked Prolod today if he called into the show last week, and he said no. No, he may not be telling the truth, but I, I think I believe him. So uh, Let's see here. Let's talk about the... Where did my agenda go? Oh, wait, we have a call. Let's take the call. Caller, you're on the air. Is this the fraud show? It is. Hello, Larry. Hello, Drop. So what What did you want to talk about, Larry? You just asked if people should call? Well, I'm not just looking for junk phone calls. I wanted uh, if people had something to say. Like if they got a topic they well, want to discuss. Well, I mean, discuss. you know, how long are we going to talk about this, this dog poke guy? No, we're, we're, pa- we're we past that. It, it's done. I'm going to move on to a new topic. <laughs> I know, I'm just giving you shit. Okay. Well, I thank you for the call. You're actually well, you're not the first call tonight. Karina Jet called in too. But this this hasn't been a heavy Karina call. Jet, that's a that's an old school call, huh? Yeah. Hasn't called in a while. Yeah. Well we uh You've been having all the all the old people calling. Yeah. Well, if only our ratings are better yeah. tonight though. Just I'm a little depressed the ratings have gone down, but you know, I actually had a dream well, about this radio show. I had a dream. It wasn't even a good dream about the radio show. I had a dream about the radio show, I think it was yesterday, that I left the stream, the rerun stream going, and then I started doing the show and didn't realize the rerun stream was still going. 
and that people were believing the rerun stream was the current show. And some, for some reason, that really upset me. Like, I was insulted that that I, that my show was so generic that I could be talking about something, like, from years ago, and everybody listening would believe it's a current show. Like, I was really upset by it, and then I woke up. That, that was my poker... I think it was one of my few poker fraud alert radio dreams. I haven't had many about the show. But that was uh, do you ever have a dream about starting the show on time? <laughs> no, that, w- that wouldn't be a realistic dream. <laughs> well, that's a dream we all have. See, if I, if I had that dream, I'd know immediately it was a dream and wake up. Well, for you, it might be a nightmare. I can, have you ever had a dream where you knew you were in a dream? I uh, can't say I have. At one time, I had sleep paralysis. you ever had that? I think very briefly once, but not long enough to really freak out about it. I, that, I would hate it if I had that. But what, I, what freaked me out about it was I only had it in one apartment. I've ever lived in just one apartment and I never had it for one for six months. Mm-hmm. Well, I, scary. I, I had always thought that if I could tell that I was in a dream, that it would be fun that I would just, that then I could just have any fantasy life. I wanted in the dream. Like anything I've wanted to do, I could do in this dream and, and there'd be no consequence and I could have fun. But, that's not what's happened. The few times I've recognized I'm in a dream and don't wake up immediately. Usually I just wake up automatically from it. But it, the few times I have where I don't wake up, I get very, very unhappy and want to get out. I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like uh, I, I'm in a phony reality. I don't like it and I want to get out. I feel like I, I'm trapped here and I can't enjoy it. And I try and try and try. Like I, I kind of like strain to get out. And I can kind of like feel my body straining and then I wake up, or I start to like half wake up, and then I fully force myself out of it. And at first I'm all relieved, and I'm like, well, why did I do that? I, you know, I should, I should have enjoyed it. And then I go back and think, no, 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 that's actually kind of unpleasant to be stuck in a dream world that isn't real. But it, it just seems very <laughs> unnerving to me. I, I should be able to enjoy it, but it's just too unnerving to be there where it's not real, and I feel like I'm kind of trapped there. Though I think... I, I, I always... You know, I have a common dream where uh, you're running away from something, but you can't run. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that. Many Very times. common. Well, but I'm talking about, like, knowing where you're in a dream. And I, I think if I, could, if I could know that I could wake myself up at any time, then I could enjoy it. If I knew that at any time I could so just... what you're talking about is the plot to Freddy Krueger. They kind of like that, yeah. but uh, Very much like that. That's right, kind of like an Inception, too. I think the Inception thing kind of freaks me out also because of this whole thing about the time seeming in the dream that passes a lot more than, than it really does. So you could be stuck there forever. That's the other thing. Like if I knew in the dream that I, that I don't – there's no way I could be stuck in there too long because it's only for as long as you're sleeping. Then again, I could probably have fun with it. But I, I, I have this like fear in the dream that it will feel like so long while I'm stuck in there and I can't get out that I can't enjoy where I am and I can't just go – You know that. Oh, keep going, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just can't go enjoy it. And there'd be a lot of things I would do in the in these dreams that uh, if if I could enjoy it and just relax, but I can't. You know, that, that dream, it might seem like it's lasting all night, but in reality, it's really like the last like 10 to 15 minutes of your sleep. Well, it's, uh, yes and no. So th- that's what you remember of it, but they really can go on a long time. They, they can go on a long time, you just won't remember except the, the, the last portions of it. 
So that's uh, I, I have had some that are legitimately very long and feel like they're very long. And uh, and then I wake up and indeed I've been sleeping a very long time. But uh, and then I've had other. In fact, sometimes I can just wake up and I can tell. I can just tell I've not only did the dream feel long. I, I know I've been sleeping a long time, and not even based on how tired I still am. It's just like I can just tell a long time has passed, and I'm right about it. I got a, I got a question for Larry. What uh, I think everyone really wants to know. <laughs> um, Larry, was it were you top or bottom with that dude? <laughs> <laughs> With a, with a guy last, last week. Were you, were you pitching or catching? We're talking about the last the person last pretty, week. That you're oh, gonna I know what we're talking about. Yeah, pretty good. Well, so, so, what, well, yeah, so what happened he, with, with he the person? Pretty good, I went out with a girl last week. Okay, so what happened? What well, well, I got to tell you? Uh, is this the water right, cooler? That, that's what I was hoping. Is this the what? No, we went out, we had some drinks, played a little bit of pool. You know, all the fun. That's it. You just you just were, were straight cats strangely attracted to your fingers. Well, wait a minute. 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 You want me to like get into like what happened after I came home from the bar? Well, did you go? Was she with you? Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, she good. Spent the night. Oh, all right. Good. You want to know what we did? Sure. We we just went on PSA. I hope that's and, not true. Uh, cruised around. I hope that's not show true. The website. Yeah, no, totally. She had a kick out of the Trump train with you know, the whole thing. But how can you do, how can you bring a girl no. back home and then go, and then go? I'm kidding okay. around. Are you insane? No, I thought it's possible. No, knowing you, it's possible. That's the sad thing. <laughs> oh but man, you're right. Knowing, wow. No, I, I can see. I'm not it. like other people on this site who have their significant other, and I'm not going to get into this. No, I'm just you're on PFA a lot. I actually could have seen it where you're like, "Oh, look at the site I always post on," and then you just like sit here, go, "Oh, look at this Trump site." That they, like, Come on, Larry's got more game. I don't want that. people knowing I post on this site. Okay. <laughs> no, I was afraid maybe. No, it's you true. know, we did, we did, we did the thing. You know, your fingers, your fingers get do. a little stinky. I don't know if I want to know that much. Well, I don't want to tell that much, but let's just say right, she did, passed did the you, test. Did you check the oil? Well, yeah, she passed the test, so of course I was able to check the alarm. Was she awake? <laughs> <laughs> was she able to wake up? Wow. <laughs> now, was this? It's a, it's a legit question. Was this another older woman? Question, I, I know that the last the, the last girlfriend you had was uh, substantially older. Was this one older or around your age? I told you, it was a high school friend. Oh, I was a high school friend, that's right. I'm okay. dating my teacher. Okay. No, I, I, yeah, I, I met up with an old teacher. It could have been. I mean, you just dated the, someone older. That's not a, unusual. The crossing thing. guard? <laughs> <laughs> the crossing guard? I don't think so. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, Larry. I can't help it. Okay. Well, Larry, thank, thank you for calling you. We're going to move on to the next topic here, but thank you for the update. Well, thanks for having my phone call. Thank you. All right. So... The sad thing is I wasn't even like, when he talked about how they're on PFA all night, I'm like, is he joking? I, I, I could believe it was true. That's the sad thing. You know, there's, I mean, there's all these, like, kids hooking up with teachers and stuff like that. Can you imagine someone hooked up with a crossing guard? <laughs> <laughs> a crossing guard's always like some 90-year-old woman. Yeah, well, actually, that, that's, <laughs> at Benjamin School, yeah, that's exactly who it is. It's some old woman. There, there, I've never in my life have I seen a hot crossing guard. She could have been hot like in 1950. I mean, in 
present day in okay. her role. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like looking for a model at the DMV. Like, it just doesn't exist. All right. So, Commerce had an interesting tournament recently, which they called the Social Experiment. This was the brainchild of... Why uh, uh, is his name flipping, slipping my mind now? Oh, Matt Savage. Matt Savage, uh, who is a tournament director over there at Commerce. A long-time tournament director, Matt Savage. He uh, had this uh, idea that poker has gotten away from being a social game, that especially at tournaments, all people do is uh, they get on their phone the whole time and text or, or read stories or listen to music, whatever it is. They, they just immerse themselves in their own world and don't talk to one another. And that's pretty true. So he thought, okay, what if we have a special tournament at Commerce where it's actually built into the rules that you are not allowed to wear headphones, wear a hoodie, uh, wear sunglasses even, or use your smartphone. You can't do any of these things. No hoodies, no sunglasses, no headphones, and no smartphones. Or any other electronic device. And not only can't you use them at the table, you can't use them in the tournament area. They have to remain in your pocket or just not there at all. You can't even step away from the table and use one. So why are they requiring this? Well, it was to see if people will enjoy more a tournament where everyone is forced to talk to one another because there's nothing else to do. It's kind of like if you take... uh, Think of like taking your family to a cabin out, uh, you know, it's a remote cabin out somewhere in the woods or whatever, and uh, tell them, yeah, and you take away all their electronic devices. And then all of a sudden, everybody has to find things to do. They have to talk to each other. They have to go go outdoors, go hiking, uh, whatever. You have to find activities that people did in the old days that... A lot of people don't feel as much of a need to do anymore if they've just got their phone and can use that to entertain themselves. So with with sunglasses, hoodies, headphones, and smartphones out of the picture to where you get a penalty if you're caught with any of them, was this tournament a success? This already took place. And is this a tournament that uh, you, the listener would be interested in playing. Would you, do you like this concept? Or do you think it's a good thing that we have our smartphones and can ignore each other at the table? <laughs> so, And I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic here. It, it's, uh, this may or may not be an improvement depending upon the way you see things. So this tournament was to see what would happen if we kind of step back in time to the days when none of this stuff went on, when at the table people really did just talk to one another and do nothing else. Because they just so, didn't have these options. But before I even like, I, I don't know anything about this story, so I don't know, you know, how it went or whatever. But have, have you ever heard of uh, the idea of the noble savage? Mm-mm. So the noble savage is kind of this uh, canard that a, a lot of you know Western people have, where 
they look at, you know, some tribe or some person living in a mud hut in the middle of the Amazon or wherever it ends up being, and they kind of glorify that. Oh, yeah, you know, they, they look at our life and they say, oh, it's consumer this and consumer that and, you know, it's it's horrible and all this and the other thing. And they, they kind of put the – and that's why it's called the noble savage. Now, they would, kind would of you, put that up on a pedestal. Would, would you say the tournament director of commerce there, uh, Matt, is a noble savage? From what – yeah, very good. Very good. I would say that he, from everything I know of him, he seems like a, a noble savage for sure. Okay. But what I mean is there's this kind of like nostalgia or this strange uh, glorification. And, and the noble savage canard is, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous because, you know, the average, uh, I mean, it's, the lifestyle is not even comparable. Like if you took someone and you actually like threw them in a mud hut, I mean, it'd be miserable and they'd live until they're 30. You know, I mean, it's the reality. Um and it's it's kind of that way with this stuff too. Like you know, people look back and oh, our lives were so much better without all this technology and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it, some things actually really kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I thought about this too. And in fact, uh, even a, a lesser version of the Noble Savage, uh, something that Hollywood likes to do when when producing uh, movies and television shows is uh, they like to place scenes in small towns. With uh, the same sort of thing, where where people in, in simple, yeah. small town environments, where everything is simpler and and uh, much easier, and everybody is is much more honest and much more wholesome, like the Amish that you visited. Yes, so they a lot of times they'll place that where somebody is like a fish out of water in that environment, yeah. and and usually these environments are portrayed in a positive fashion, even if uh, there's some comic effect to how backward some of the people are still overall these are these are good people that haven't been corrupted by modern society that's that's a common uh, theme that you see in uh, movies and television shows now uh so yeah this this is kind of like that here where it is with a belief that these elements have made poker worse if you take them away will it be better so in the first four hours of the tournament, only two penalties were issued for violating this. And a- after the whole tournament was over, a total of eight penalties had been issued. All eight of them were for using smartphones. Right. Uh, some of them were from people who just decided they're going to do it and don't care. We're just like, why enter that tournament if you're going to go sneak yeah. smartphone use? It's this is a pretty easy thing to avoid if you don't like this rule. Uh, just don't enter. Uh, and then some other people just didn't think about it, and they're like, "I can just picture that you got a smartphone in your pocket. You're kind of bored while someone's, you know, two other people are in a long hand. You're like, oh, I wonder how the Dodgers are doing today. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would honestly, I would have to just not take it with me. Yeah, because I'm, I'm positive I would get a penalty. Right. I, I was kind of thinking that too. Like I just like pull it out, just not thinking, and then they'd say, or I'd have to turn it off. Yeah. So I would actually have to like consciously turn it on. Yeah. So the the, the event had a guarantee. I don't know how much it was, but uh, I know that they had to get uh, 334 entrants to this event. And it was only the second event in this series of commerce. So that that also may have hurt the numbers. But they, 334 was the point where they wouldn't have an overlay. And there was some fear that people were going to hate this idea so much that there would be hardly any people signing up and it would have a big overlay and Matt Savage would look like a fool. 
Well, Matt Savage proved them wrong because they got 511 entries to easily break the 334 barrier, and there's no overlay by a wide margin. Uh, nice. nice. Matt Savage said, 511 entries was outstanding. My goal was to just to cover the guarantee, which we did very easily. Uh, so he claims that they are going to... Uh, no, sorry, 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 going on. He says, uh, it was great to hear people talking in that laughter of the players. Uh, and uh, he said, we're definitely going to run another one, maybe in November, but likely during the L.A. Poker Classic, which is now going to be a while. It's going to be in February 2018. Uh, our tournament coordinator, uh, Justin Hammer, wants me to play in it because he doesn't think I can do it. So, so he's saying that uh, even though he came up with this idea that... Uh, the tournament coordinator thinks that uh, it'd be hard for him to play in his own tournament this way, that he's so addicted to Internet and social media himself, Matt Savage, that he would have a hard time without getting a, his own penalty. Now, what do you, you've got a scientific mind. So what did this, what did this prove? Um, nothing. Because, okay, so the, this was a gimmick. This was something that people thought, oh, I wonder if I could pull this off. So I bet a lot of the interest in this was like, if it was a gimmick, it was something that kind of like returned to the, the past uh, kind of like, oh, I wonder what a poker tournament would be this way. It, it, you know, in 2017, could, could it feel like the old days when we didn't have this stuff? Let's see what that would feel like. Would, would I prefer it oh, and not over not liking it? But I could even see the appeal in just wanting to do this for the novelty or just to see how it turns out. But let's say after this happened, we, let's say they thought, okay, this is a success. We're going to make this the rule for all tournaments. I, I would hate coming to tournament after tournament with this being the rule. I would hate it. Well, what does every experiment have to have for it to be, for you to show any kind of validity? A, a, a control. A control. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no control. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if he, and, you know, if, if this ends up working, then great. You know, I, I think that's fantastic. Anything that... Uh, that can be done to make it more enjoyable for everyone. Fantastic. But realistically, I mean, if he just put on a regular tournament with none of this stuff, would they have gotten the same guarantee? I don't know. Not only that, but, but as I was saying, how many people played this just because it was the first of its kind, but, but would hate it if it was a regular thing. There's, there's that potential too, but you know, it's the kind of thing that, and, and maybe they do, like maybe they've had these tournaments and, they know about what they can expect for this type of thing. And maybe it did exceed the, those expectations. I don't know. But whenever you're measuring something, I mean, you need to have some kind of a control. So you can have some idea of what thing affected the turnout. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's the other thing. So 334 entrance was the break-even point, but what does that even mean? I mean, <laughs> that happens to be where the, where the overlay is not no longer taking place, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, who, who knows what interest there was. Maybe uh, if it wasn't like this, they would have gotten 700 entrants. Who knows? Yeah, and, that, and that's why you got to do, like, you know, and, and it's, it's tough to have a true control because, you know, let, let's say you did two tournaments and everything was the same and one was no cell phone and the other you could do whatever the hell you want. Even the order in which you do them could affect the turnout. Yeah, or the day of the week or anything like or the, that. Or the day of the week or, as you said, the publicity around this being a new thing. Now, I mean, 
as much as I like technology, I definitely agree that the most important things in life are, are people, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that the people, the random people that I meet at the poker table are going to be that important to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I and, and I can tell you, because I, I have the perspective, you know, playing poker since 2001, since early 2001, I have the perspective of both before all the smartphones came in right. and after. And I can tell you that before they were in, I, I remember being so bored oh, in between yeah. hands. I, I remember at Commerce looking up at, at the TV and seeing the same baseball game being played over and over, and I was still watching it because I'm like, <laughs> well, I have nothing else to do. All I can do is, is you know, watch the Dodgers lose 8-3 to three again, and that's uh, at least at least I have something to see. That that's uh. that's I remember those periods of time where I just kept getting dealt trash hands over and over, Fold, 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 fold. Wait for the next hand to finish. Nope, another trash hand. Throw it away. And I, I'm I'm watching old '80s movies up there with no sound, and that's what I'm doing for hours there. And I and I, I sometimes sit there thinking, why do I even look forward to this? <laughs> this is this is brutal here. So it, it is nice to have something that can allow you to fill the the time of boredom. In fact, that's what some people use this show for. Some people play you know, grind live. And listen to this show in the background, and are glad it's a really long show because they they're playing a long session, and it, and it takes up the time. So I, I can't ever see this becoming a regular thing. I can see this being a gimmick where maybe you know maybe if Matt Savage believes that there's some kind of market for this, that there's some people who really enjoy having these things banned, that maybe they will have one designated tournament each series that have has this. I could. I could see that possibly happening, but sure. there's there's no way this could be the norm. It's uh, well, uh, and it's not even like even in even in my daily life, you know, if I'm just sitting there waiting for something, I mean, I honestly find it more enjoyable to have a to have a phone that I could do stuff like text people, you know, like you taking a dump, like you said, it's when I text you most of the time, you know. Yeah, and and it's if you think about sometimes if you take a vacation somewhere and you're you're actually living in a in a, in a very you're visiting a very backward place and you're actually living among the natives there, it can be very interesting to do that for a short period of time. Right. But but would you want to actually live in that place full time? Never. You'd be miserable there. So it, I think it could be the same factor here that it yeah, could be a gimmick sure. that people could enjoy, uh, even if you're taking a step backwards. But it, this isn't a permanent step you'd want to take backwards. And right. yeah, so, like the reason I use my phone at the table, it's it's not to make myself miserable. It's not to make everything worse. It's not to do things to make it inferior to the old days of poker. It's because I think it's something that I think makes poker better for me personally. So I don't have to watch uh, the same rerun of the baseball game up on the screen with no sound over and over because there's nothing else to do between hands. So, uh, yeah. All of this said, I mean, honestly, I would try that tournament just because I'd be curious too. Um, but I don't know. I mean, for the most part, I find, I realize that you're supposed to be paying attention to the table and, you know, looking for every edge that you can possibly find. But I, I really find that a lot of live poker is just really boring. It is. Like, and, and, and I, <laughs> I really think that it actually, I think that as much as being completely distracted is bad, um, I think being in a good frame of mind because you're not just absolutely bored to death is also a good thing. Right, too. it is. And and then uh, 
The only exception to this is like if if I'm playing like a shorthanded poker game live, that moves fast enough, and I'm involved in enough there to where right. uh, there I can really just be part of the game because there's not much waiting. Then there's it's, right. it's constant action. Where uh, but these games, these full ring games, especially no limit, which I don't play much live, but especially no limit full ring. I mean, you could be sitting there for a freaking eternity between each hand. Right. So, uh, I I think having something like smartphones is very helpful for that. Okay, so moving along here. Uh, I want to talk a bit about the Portland poker crackdown. This is a weird story that I of something I, I really had no idea was going on, and I, because I don't really think much about other cities, but I think about poker in cities I'm familiar with that have a poker scene: uh, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Uh, Atlantic City. Uh, I even think about some that aren't too far away, like the, the Bay Area. But I, I don't think much about places like Portland and what poker scene they have. I mean, if someone had a gun to my head before I read this article, I couldn't have told you anything about the Portland poker scene. I've never played poker in Portland. I would no, have no idea how to find it unless I looked up on the Internet how to do it. So I was just up kind of in that area. That's true. So... I had no idea, but this is actually an interesting story, what was going on in Portland. So, uh, poke, in Portland, they have what's known as a private club a private club poker scene, but it's not what you're thinking. It's not like in Rounders, where they have these underground poker rooms that are illegal and that uh, you, you have to get in without the authorities knowing you're there. It's not like quite like that. Um, what they have there is they actually have legal poker but not fully and that's where these private clubs come in because they allow what they call social games and as long as a license is granted uh, to these clubs then they they can have social gaming events such as poker but the provisions to these events are that the events are non-profit and for low stakes so uh, in in poker in Portland, if you you actually could run a card room if you're not taking any rake, or at least you you're, you're not uh, whatever you're taking you're not making any profit out of the whole thing. At the very best, you're breaking even. And if uh, if, if it's very very low stakes, and I, when I say low stakes, I mean that uh, I think it can't even be be like more than a dollar. People are betting per hand, so it's crazy. It's got to be like almost like micro stakes. That's that's the technical law in Portland regarding uh, running games like poker. So, of course, like any law such as this, the problem with passing these limited laws that allow limited gaming of some sort is that uh, people always try to find ways to stretch them and abuse them. And that leaves a bad situation where you have these kind of quasi-legal operations, which aren't completely black market and underground, but at the same time aren't completely legal and then are, are poorly regulated, and then the whole thing's a mess. So that's why these localities really shouldn't have things like that. They really just should make it either legal explicitly or illegal explicitly, and then people, at least everyone knows where it stands. But uh, what uh, what was going on in Portland was that it started to get noticed that there was really no enforcement of these laws. So companies would get these social gaming licenses, and then it's kind of 
do what they wanted as long as they didn't stray too far from uh, from the spirit of it. And I'll, and I'll get to what I mean by that. And then they figured that they were close enough to the law that no one's going to clamp down on it. And for a long time, no one did. In, uh, in 2010, a poker club opened up called Encore. It had nothing to do with uh, Encore. That's the hotel next to the Wynn. That's, that's kind of part of the Wynn in Vegas. But it was called Encore. It was started by a guy named uh, Evgeny Ogai. I think that's how you pronounce his name. O-G-A-I. And he called himself Mexi- John. Mexican immigrant. He calls himself uh, John. So it was John Ogai. And he actually got the Encore to be pretty successful. He started this again in 2010. And it kept growing and growing. And they noticed, Ogai noticed that they really weren't doing anything about it. So they started to offer tournaments. And at one point, they actually had prize pools that were six figures. Mm. (laughs) Even though technically you're supposed to keep wagers under a dollar. Um. The problem was, you know, prior to the Encore, these were all pretty small operations, so nobody gave a crap. It, it was kind of seen like it's not hurting anyone, it's not hurting any other businesses, it's just, uh, even if it's higher stakes than it's supposed to be, uh, no one cared. But this started to ruffle feathers when Encore was becoming too successful. And Does Andrew Barber live up in Portland? <laughs> yeah, so, well, he's in, he's in Santa Cruz, it's not that far to drive. So, uh, what what happened was uh, in Washington State, which isn't that far from from Portland. In fact, it's right across the Columbia River. They they had some legal poker rooms over there that felt that this encore was taking away their business. But before they had people driving over the border to go play in these uh, Washington poker rooms, and uh, now they weren't. Because they, they had this Encore place to play. So these card rooms in Washington sued Encore and lost. I don't mm. know the full detail, but they lost. So they said, well, okay, we have some other weapons we can use. So they complained to the IRS. They unleashed Andrew Barber. <laughs> they complained to the IRS. I'm not sure what the exact complaint was. They, they complained to the IRS. And... At the same time, some dealers at the Encore were unhappy, and they also made a complaint. Why were the dealers unhappy? Well, um, they couldn't technically employ dealers is the problem. The, the dealers couldn't actually work, uh, according to the laws in, in Oregon about this, they, they couldn't actually work for these places. All they could do is volunteer. So you're allowed to go deal for one of these clubs if you just want to do it out of the goodness of your heart and just say, I, I feel like being a dealer. And uh, oh, so, so the, I mean, one of the many things I just would never do out of the goodness of my heart is be a dealer, right? So, so uh, just so the shit you'd have to put up with from all the players, so, <laughs> right? So, Fuck that. So the only way these dealers were able to survive, the only way they were willing to do it, was if they got tipped. So the tips kind of skirted the law in this because the dealers just didn't get paid. They were volunteer dealers, but they were getting tips. And that's how they were. Uh, that's how they were surviving, or may, I don't know if maybe they were uh, also being paid under the table or whatever. But uh, um, some of the dealers were were unhappy with 
what was going on there, maybe because they, uh, I, th- I think they felt that they were being exploited, that they still weren't making enough, that they were being paid zero, and Encore was making a lot of money they weren't supposed to be making by operating way beyond what the law was supposed to allow. So they were kind of bitter that, look, we're, we're working here for free and only on tips. In the meantime, the Encore is just making big money. And not sharing it with us. Like they're, they're breaking the law here and they're not even sharing with the money they're making. We, we have to stay within the law and work for free, but somehow they don't. So that's, the, that's basically what the complaint was in 2015 with the Oregon Bureau of Labor. And uh, so all this, the IRS complaint, the, 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 the complaints to the Oregon Bureau of La- Labor, uh, trouble started to occur for the Encore and they were facing increasing legal problems. Well, uh, John Ogai was, he, he wasn't that old. He was only uh, 38 as of last year. You may ask, well, why don't I say what he is as of this year? Well, right now he's nothing because John Ogai is dead. He killed himself. He killed himself in August of 2016 because they were shutting down the Encore. And he was so frustrated by everything that he pretty much withdrew from uh, from family, friends, wasn't returning phone calls, and, and killed himself. He didn't leave a note specifically blaming it, but in the weeks leading up to his suicide, he, uh, you know, before disappearing on everybody and just not answering their calls and not returning calls and all that, uh, he was complaining how much you know this shutting down is depressing him, and that, uh, and then he stopped answering their calls and killed himself. So it's pretty clear what happened. It's pretty clear why he did it. So uh, in case you were, you were jealous of John Ogai and his uh, successful encore room that he ran, don't be because he's in the ground right now and you're not. So. That was in August 2016. I didn't know all this. I mean, imagine the, the, the guy who ran the most successful room in, in Portland killed himself because they, they shut down his room. Uh, but uh, It's got to be more than just that. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, there were, there were legal issues. I don't I, – let me see. I, I had another article about uh, – But, I mean, how – you know, lots of bad things happen to people, and there has to be other – you know, either other problems going on in his life or, you know, mental health issues or whatever. You don't just off yourself because of something like this. I mean, there's got to be more to it than that, you know? Well, they said that he was someone who who knew him well, who worked with him, said he was, quote, despondent and aloof when they uh, cracked down on this. And that uh, also there was a class action lawsuit against him and that uh, he thought he may have to pay a lot of money in back wages uh, to dealers, and uh, he was, quote, overwhelmed by the stress and, okay. and the prospects of the death of his company. And so, you know, a lot of times suicide is not done by people thinking rationally. True. So I think this did just kind of I, – I think the problem is at one point he felt very uh, – he was probably on top of the world that his uh, – he he had the biggest club there in uh, in Portland, and it was doing so well. He's making all this money; everything's great. And then everything comes down on him at once in 2015 and 16. And, and he knew he's getting shut down, and now there's a class action suit against him, and everything looks like it just disappear. 
and he's thinking, how did this happen? How did it go from everything's great to everything terrible? I mean, he, if he looked at it logically, he'd say, well, because I wasn't following the law, but that's... So uh, just as an example, you know, that everyone here is familiar with, I mean, you could say the same thing about Mycon. You know, he was riding high, everything came crashing down, he had the Justice Department on his trail, you know, all sorts of crazy shit. He didn't kill himself. I mean, I'm just saying that lots of bad things happen to people. And, you, you know, there are lots of people that have started companies that have failed and they've got fired from their jobs or whatever. There, there's got to be some other additional, you know, issues going on here than, than well, just this. There I might be think. some, you know, some psychological issues or mental issues. But I think yeah. that he probably put too much of himself into this to where... And then it was his identity. Then. Yeah, Is his identity your, yeah, was attached okay. to the Encore. Yeah. When he okay. was going to die, he felt yeah. like he's going to die too. And he just. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, what was said in the class action lawsuit was, uh, uh, it, it was it, it's clear that based on the the facts with Encore that our investigators showed a clear pattern that fifty nine poker dealers were workers and employees entitled to, entitled to minimum wage, and that's what we intend to prove in October. Mm. So that's that was part of so what big, was going big on. Big money. That he probably has spent a lot of. Yeah, you know. that could have happened too. So anyway, that so that happened back then, and so so what's happened since then? That was in August. Well, since then, Oregon, the Oregon House of Representatives passed House Bill twenty one ninety, which is directly targeting the future of uh, of the twenty remaining poker rooms like that. They weren't as big as the Encore, but they. Uh, um, this is trying to pretty much put an end to them. And what they're going to do is uh, uh, modify the definition of social game for the purposes of regulation of gambling. And it actually passed by a 41-14 margin, moves on to the state senate, and uh, and then it... Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. And... Uh, this will basically crack down. This what they're trying to do here is is just put an end to the gambling in, in the poker playing in Oregon. That they are they're looking to uh, clarify this law. They're, they're looking to make it very clear what is and isn't social gaming. And hey, we got Trader Ruski. We do. Where? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just Skype being weird. Let me see here. Uh, is he there, or is he, it a phantom? No, he hasn't. He hasn't been with us. No, I, just it's you and weird. I. Weird. It still says he's here, though. He's here in spirit. I mean, he's he's welcome to call back in. He just he just left at some point. Hey, Drew, did you see that? This actually really pissed me off. There are two stories recently about the police shutting down ten cent poker games at senior centers. Was this? There's, where was this? Uh, so one of them was at the the Richmond Gambling Seniors in Richmond, Virginia, I guess. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. It's in it, it's there. Okay, those are both the same story, actually. It's in Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay. And there's a senior center. So these are people that they've lived a long life. They're at the sunset of their life, <laughs> and they're playing a ten cent poker game. That's crazy. And the police went in there and fucking shut them down. I, I mean, honestly, oh, we got Trader Ruski now. Yeah, he's yeah, real Trader Ruski, not Ghost Trader. All Ruski. right. I mean, honestly, I, I think that if you're, you know, if you're in your seventies and you're you're in a home and you're you don't have that much longer to live, 
I think you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want within reason, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Yeah, to be targeting yeah. micro stakes games like that. Look, if I'm like 75 and I got a year to live, just like let me shoot up meth and heroin or do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who cares? Realistically. And why are they going in there to shut down a 10 cent poker game? Like, is that is that the the resources that the police need to be used for? No. I mean, it's just fucking I, I don't even know why. A lot of times there's like some sort of do you, do you see the stories this? that I put in the I put them in uh, the Skype chat and yeah, I put them in yeah, the PFA chat you, yeah. too. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It. You see the picture of this like just gray haired bunch of people. You know, one of them, a couple of them are in wheelchairs, and these are the people that they went to and say, no, no, in your your private senior center place, you cannot play this ten cent game. I believe I stayed in Richmond last time I was in the Vancouver area. I mean, what the fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. When they interviewed someone there, she said the games last about three hours, and it costs her on average two dollars for a wonderful afternoon of fun and friendship. It's just like you know. I remember my grandmother used to love playing like bridge and that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. And why not let them? I don't. I don't get it, man. Like why? I don't. I don't get it. Either. What else I don't get is Trader Risky keeps coming on and back off. Trying to put I'm him telling on. you, man. There's like some some phantom thing going on here. <laughs> I'm trying to put him on. It's a it's a challenge tonight. Oh, here we are. Trader Risky, hello. Is. I'm back. What's up, guys? Yeah, Trader Risky. What do you what do you think about them shutting down a 10 cent poker game at a senior center? I mean, that is so ridiculous. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's a front. Who knows? <laughs> if you saw the I people, mean, if you saw the people involved, though, you wouldn't think it's a front. And there's someone in chat asked. No, there was no rake charged. And if there was a rake, I mean, it'd be like a penny every hour or something yeah. based on the, the stakes that they're playing. And they got like 88-year-old people here that are uh, being interviewed that are they're talking about it. And, and what are they going to do now? Like find them and take their, their pensions and their Social Security for the ones that got busted? I don't even think they're going to go after the people who I – I don't know what they do in Canada. But typically in the U.S. when these busts happen, they don't go after the players. They just go after the organizers. The organizers in this case are the actual players. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> like, there's not one guy that's doing this. And, and at what point do we just <laughs> not legislate, but just no common sense is being used here at all in terms of just let these people enjoy themselves. Yeah, I, They're I, not hurting anybody. I wonder what the motivation even was of this. It's weird. Usually there's some kind of motivation behind these. I, I can't even imagine what it would have been. Because the stakes are so low, like nobody was getting hurt, I, I can't imagine what would push. Unless the police were just bored there, maybe there's not a lot of crime in Richmond. Uh, I don't know, man. But, I mean, I, I I would be so angry if I was in like a senior home, and my my social in, uh, experience was you know sitting around playing cards with these people. I'd be so mad if someone came in there and said, "No, you can't do that." Yeah, you but, know, I mean. But back to this uh, Portland issue. Few, I'm sorry. Few, I thought you were done with that. A few, I'm sorry. A few things that of interest. It was claimed, I don't know if this is true, this is someone who's on the side of preventing these rooms from getting shut down, but it's claimed that the dealers were still making about $14 an hour because the tips were so good, so they uh, that they were still doing fine and that they shouldn't be focusing on what their actual wage was because when it was all said and done, they were making $14 an hour. Uh, another thing is that uh, it was claimed that these were really good games because there were not a lot of skilled players in them, that the 
most of the players there were, were bad or mediocre, and that the few people who were good uh, did very well. And that I could believe. And I've said before that the absence of good players in your game is much more important for game quality than the presence of bad ones. And that if, if you're a good player and there's no other good players there, even if there's no one who's that bad at the table, you're going to crush it. Or you should, at least. Uh, so, a lot of times people define a good game by having one or two action players or one or two mega fish. but if, if there's one or two mega fish and there's seven good players at the table, you could easily lose in that game. If, if you're at a seven-handed game and it's you who's good and then six players who rage between, you know, moderately bad to mediocre... Pretty high chance you're going to do well there if you stay for a while. Is this where Toby Maguire made all his money? Uh, in, in Portland? No, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't think so. I, and I, I, I have a feeling the, the stakes weren't even that high. But uh, So they're, they're trying to fight this, but I, I don't think it's going to – I don't think they're going to be successful. I think that they're tired of this in Oregon, and they're just they're going to do away with it. And I think it's becoming a hassle, too. I think that before – uh, before this, I mean, they, they they were starting to make a move back in September. I'm reading an article about how they're already uh, looking to uh, put an end to this. So it looks like now it's finally happening all these months later. But it looks like they're just sick of it. And I think perhaps this encore really was the catalyst to all this. Because before, if it was just a bunch of small operations, they probably didn't care that much. But I think once uh, a room got big enough to thrive to hold major tournaments, that they said, "Uh-oh, th- now we're having like real, you know, real decent-sized poker rooms going on here. At least one of them." So they said, "We've, we've got to just put an end to all this." So I think I think Portland, the poker scene is going to be dead soon. But the the most interesting thing to me of this whole story is that suicide. To be honest, that. Uh, because I'm reading this guy, like I'm reading the story before I even know the guy killed himself, and I'm going, "Wow, this this guy probably made a lot of money. Wow, it got that big. Wow, this guy must have really uh, hit it big. This, this guy must have done really well. Wow, the f- talk about you know, establishing a market where people probably didn't think there was one, or you could even have one. And then I go, "Wow, this guy. Uh, like, I, I'm not saying I was jealous of him, but I was like admiring him a little bit. And then, then I hear he killed himself, and and Everything came crashing down in 2016. I go, up, oh, never mind. But it, it is a little bit like MyCon. It, it is kind of similar. That something- all I mean is that lots of lots of bad things happen to people. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and it, and it had to be like you said that his identity was so caught up in this thing, and 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 maybe he wasn't uh, you know the most stable guy to begin with. Yeah, you know, but but lots of traumatizing things like this happen to people, and they don't just decide to off themselves. And where it had the similarity to MyCon is that in both cases, there was, it was people who were running something in a locality where, where it wasn't legal to be running what they were, and that's part of the reason they were succeeding so well is because uh, a lot of potential competition that could exist there didn't because of the law. So then you get to you get to run something with very little competition, very little strong competition. And you do very well, and you're flying high, and then one day the hammer comes down, and you go, wait a minute, how did this happen? Well, because it wasn't legal, or in this case, it wasn't completely legal, and and that's what happens sometimes. Now, other times, you get away with it, like like what happened with all these uh, poker sites. Like, look, look at Full Tilt. 
that's an example. Look how rich some people got with full tilt. And look, even when the whole thing happened where they stole all the money and, and then their Black Friday happened, even after all that, these these owners kept the money. They they had to pay somewhat of a fine, but the, you know, Chris Ferguson got so rich from it. Howard Letterer got so rich from this. They they ha- they made so much and kept so much. And now they're pretty much in the clear. The whole thing's pretty much over. So uh, I, I think even the only the only person who I think really feels some pain from what happened there is Howard Letterer because to Howard Letterer his reputation was important to him, and it's 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 upsetting to Howard Letterer. Not he deserves it, but it's upsetting to him that he went from a revered figure in poker, seen as poker the poker professor, blah blah blah, to what people mainly know him for now, the guy who stole the money from Full Tilt. So he he doesn't like that being his reputation. He doesn't like that being his legacy. You and think Ray Batar has a hard time sleeping at night? A terrible time sleeping with a hot wife, <laughs> the hot wife, and all that money, and uh, and the, and the the bullshit prison sentence because of his phony uh, heart ailment. So, yeah, I'm so, sure he feels just horrible and yeah, has so, a, a difficult time getting to sleep. Yeah, Drew. and uh, and Chris Ferguson, who apparently the funny thing is, I hear Chris Ferguson didn't care that much about money. But still uh, has has a ton of it and and didn't give up all of it by any means or anywhere close to that. So, and and unlike letter, some of these Chris, guys are just delusional. They don't think they did anything wrong. No, they still don't. And and, and Chris Ferguson though he doesn't care as much as Letterer does about his reputation. So he's not thrilled about what happened. But he, he's yeah, he's like the honey badger. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> Letterer is the only one of that whole crew that that even cares that that people right. don't like him. So. Uh, Anyway, let's see here. Let's see what else we have. Do you know that Spider-Man was supposed to be a really good poker player? You mean the character Spider-Man? Yeah, the actual character. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's funny. He's got, he's got his Spidey sense, man. Oh, that's funny. Though. He's gonna, and, and then Tobey Maguire, like the guy that, that played him in all those series, had cleaned up at the poker games. Yeah. Makes you, makes you kind of wonder. That was Toby McGuire. So I don't know if this was his end game to like just hone his skills at, at uh, Bellagio and then move on to these uh, private games, or if that's just the way it fell. Because he used to just spend all day and all night at Bellagio playing like that uh, twenty-five fifty no limit, mm-hmm. and then just one day he disappeared. And uh, then I heard he was playing in these huge private games that you have to have an invitation to, and it's mostly fish there. And that's why. Well, where would you play if you had the choice? Oh, of course, I'd play with the fish. <laughs> well, there you but, go. But I'm wondering, was you know, was he playing at Bellagio to like prepare to be able to beat the fish, or did this like just kind of fall in his lap after he's playing at Bellagio a while? Did he hear about these games and, and then figured out he could get invites because he's famous? So I, I don't know which it one could, it was. Could be a little of both. Yeah, but uh, it was great for him because he, yeah, he was he was he had enough poker skill to get good. He was able to play against tough competition and learn from them. And then and then he gets to move over and play against uh, Fish in, in these super high-stakes games, and he even has the bankroll to play these games because of uh, all the money he made from acting. So That, was, oh, uh, that actually reminds me. This is really funny. Let me see if I can find it. You, you know who Matt Berkey is, right? Uh, actually, no. So you don't know who Matt Berkey is? He's like a professional poker player and he, he's i don't know he's reasonably well known so he did a <laughs> he did a training video um where he was talking about uh 
like the the lineup at Poker Night in America, he was saying that uh, you know he and this uh, Tom Mar- Marquise or whatever were so much better than everyone else there, um, and that it was like it was like a two five game, even though I think it was like a, actually a twenty five fifty or whatever. He was saying they were playing as bad as like two five. He said there are so many levels below me and cheese. They're like Chilean miners begging for sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> A horribly insensitive thing to say. <laughs> it's like if you're gonna, uh, you know, if you're gonna use a, an analogy, don't talk about the Chilean miners that were stuck in the mine for fucking. <laughs> I don't know. Who is he even talking about in that game? It's Who was bizarre? With Just everyone else. Everyone else. Like Jennifer Tilly was in the game, and some other people, and. He was basically just saying everyone else are they're all fish, and we're so far above them. It's ridiculous. And I think. I think. That he's probably going to be called out on that one on Twitter. I'm sure Andrew Barber and God knows when did he, how many when did other he say people this? are going to come after. When was this uh, comment? It was in some training video that he did. Was it recent? Yeah, it was pretty recent. Okay, we're gonna, we're going to have to check his timeline or something. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 you know he gets some grief for it. Yeah, it's a good chance. So Scott Tom, when he uh, this is. That weird story recently where Tom actually surrendered to U.S. authorities after years on the run. I, I never thought this would happen, but uh, I don't know if he ran out of money or just got uh, homesick. But whatever it was, uh, Scott Tom decided it was worth returning to the U.S. Uh, to face these charges rather than just continue hiding out for the rest of his life in third world countries. So he did. He came in and... Uh, his lawyer said that it was going to be resolved very quickly, which led everyone to think that there was going to be some sort of deal where he gets no kind of real prison time or some slap on the wrist sentence in exchange for some sort of uh, large fine where the government gets their, their money, but, but the fine not so large to where he's left broke. Something where he pays a lot of money, which seems like it's a lot on the surface, but, but he still is left with plenty to live on, and then he gets to come to the U.S. and uh, uh, live back in the country where... He had lived all his life until starting absolute poker, and and also gets to you know spend time with his dad and whoever else he uh, still yeah. Because why else would he come back in the U.S. Yeah. So, uh, so it seemed like that was what was going to happen, and I, I was upset about this because first of all he wasn't charged with any cheating, which is too bad. There was plenty of evidence that could have been gathered for that, but they were just charging him based upon running absolute poker after the UIGEA was passed, and. Uh, so it was all, it was he was charged with conspiracy to violate unlawful internet gambling enforcement act UIGEA violation of UIGEA related to absolute poker and operation of illegal gambling business absolute poker so that's what it seemed like was going to happen but now it's a little bit strange that maybe it's a little more complicated than that because it has been announced that there's going to be a delay, and there's the next hearing is going to be on uh, May 22nd, but uh, the speedy trial that he's guaranteed under federal law was actually uh, overruled, that he's actually not going to get a speedy trial. And here's the, uh, in the continuance order, the judge said the following, the court finds 
that the ends of justice served by granting a trial continuance outweigh the best interests of the public and the defendants in a speedy trial because it will permit the parties to continue the ongoing plea discussions. Accordingly, it is further ordered that the time between April 25, 2017 and May 22 is hereby excluded under the Speedy Trial Act in the interest of justice. So basically what they're saying is under the, the Speedy Trial rule that uh, they would have had to have the trial by April 25th, but uh, that this is not going to occur. And uh, the judge said that they're going to have another hearing on May 22nd, and in that time they're going to be uh, still discussing exactly what the plea bargain is going to be. And then basically this is being done because they're still working on the plea bargain. And the judge is saying, well, look, if if both sides want some kind of plea bargain and they, can't, they haven't hammered it out yet, it's not doing anyone any good to force this to go to trial right now. Which I understand that part of it. But uh, it is interesting that his attorney originally said that this is going to quickly be resolved via plea bargain, and now it's not so quick. Now, he surrendered back in February, so you would have thought two months would have been enough time to work out something, but I I guess they're still not quite there as far as what he's willing to agree to. I'm guessing the government wants more money. In fact, I wonder if he doesn't have as much money as they thought he did. So maybe he came into... I I don't think he's flat broke, but maybe... uh, he came back to the U.S. in part because he's not just swimming in money and figures that, uh, you know, number one, the money's eventually going to run out of where he is there if he can't make any more. And, and number two, uh, you know, he just wants to be able to come back to the U.S. So maybe he comes back and they assume that he's coming back because he's loaded and is willing to pay a very large sum of money to get out of this. And then lo and behold... Uh, he doesn't want to pay anywhere near what they want him to pay and says he can't. So then they don't know what to do. Because originally they, they were going to you know, accept this plea bargain based upon some massive fine and maybe he can't pay it or claims he can't pay it. So I, I'm yeah, sure it doesn't, doesn't look as good on the uh, prosecutor's resume when they get $13 out of him. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I bet something like that is going on where it's, it's about something money and he's claiming he just can't pay what they want and, and they're trying to determine, okay, so what do we do now? So... Uh, but but he's in their custody. Like it's uh, the power is on the government side right now. If he if he can't pay very much, they do have a strong case against him. So it, it and it's not like it's not like he hasn't come in yet. I'm su- I'm surprised that he didn't do the the whole Micon thing of basically negotiate everything while he was still in Antigua. That's what Micon did, which is smart. Where he's saying, look, you know, if you guys want to get a conviction on me, fine. I'll come back. I'll face the music. But we need to have everything worked out before I come in. Otherwise, I'm not coming back. So you can either, you know, I can either just stay away and you'll never get this. Or, uh, or we can agree to something and I'll come back and you'll get your conviction. And I'll plead guilty. So they, they work something out. I'm sure Mike got a much better deal by doing it that way than had they arrested him in the U.S. And, and you know, had him in prison. And to where he, he can't uh, hold over their heads whether he comes back or not. So I think Scott Tom should have done that. But this is just my speculation here. But I believe that's probably what's delaying this. We will see. Uh, he does, at the moment, uh, face a maximum five-year sentence on each of those three felony counts. But there's no way he'll receive anywhere near that. And I'm sure, I, I, I'm pretty sure he came back 
attempting to negotiate no jail time or very little and some kind of fine. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come back. There's no way he would have come back and taken years in prison. It's got to be some... The prison part has got to be either non-existent or very short. Probably He's probably looking for some kind of no prison probation thing. Otherwise, he just wouldn't have come back. Because... Uh, there's a reason he just voluntarily walked. It's not like they, they they went to Antigua and got him. He 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 voluntarily came back. The only way I could see him coming back voluntarily, even facing prison time, would be if there was, like, let's say his dad was sick and had a year to live. And Scott said, "Okay, well, I don't want to have to." Face prison time, but uh, if I can come back and stay out of prison while this is all being decided and spend the final year with my dad, then fine. I, I don't want to hide in Antigua and, and uh, you know have my dad's final year on this earth, uh, have not see him at all. But I, I don't think that's the case. But I think that would be the only way that he would have been coming in without some kind of concrete plan as far as avoiding prison time. But th- this is definitely someone who deserves to go to prison. I, I don't want thinking here that I'm trying to say that uh, he should get out of this. This is someone who, who just outright stole from people, including me. He directly stole from me. So I, I wish he would go to prison for a long time. That's what he deserves, both for the super user scandal and for the stealing of the money that was on deposit. When Absolute Poker got busted in 2011, they, they were broke. They had nothing. And sadly, he's not going to be charged for that either. Druff, I know you're going to find this really hard to believe, <clears throat> but uh, Mike Dentale apparently is in another Twitter flame war. Oh, what a shock. Who is it with this time? Uh, this time it's with um, Kathy Liebert huh. um, and Matt Glantz, unfortunately, the poor bastard always seems to Boy. be in the middle of this shit, and uh, Ma- Matthew Salzberg. Hmm. They- yeah, and that's basically Kathy Liebert was saying that you know was criticizing uh, Poker Night in America for highlighting the most disrespectful players, and those are shouldn't be who we're promoting. And then Glance was like, "Well, there are 150 different players we have on the show. Name three, right?" So she named Solomon, you know, hashtag King. Not not a big shock. Cantu and Dentale. <laughs> <laughs> so. Of course, Tentali took exception to that, and then away we go. I know, I know it's shocking to you that he would be at the center <laughs> of one of these things. So figured I'd, yeah, I'd report I, that. I'm going to go take a look at this. Um, now, her Kathy Liebert's tweets are protected, so unless you follow her, uh, you know, I did at one, did at one point, but, but the problem is uh, she blocked me. I don't know if she ever unblocked me. Well, we, you're not going to be able to see half of the equation. Even though we get along now, but uh, at that point, she blocked me for a stupid reason a while ago. So, What about yeah, Trader Ruski? Did uh, Kathy Lieber block you? Oh. Yeah, I'm actually still blocked. Hmm. She has not blocked me, but I did not follow her to begin with. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, I see. Uh, uh, this is what Mike Dentali said to her, Kathy Liebert, uh, five hours ago. She's, uh, he's, I'm not sure what he was even replying to, but he said, uh, I never said that. Cat, what the fuck are you talking about? 
I guess the crazy cat lady disease is contagious and going around. Holy shit. <laughs> and it says, then he also says, where do you come off saying I'm disrespectful? I filmed over 10 shows and have never disrespected anyone. Care to explain or just talk shit? I want an immediate apology or you're getting blocked. Kathy, I'm very surprised. I've always been respectful to you and, and also have never disrespected anyone that didn't respect me for, disrespect me first. So, shocker, but it looks like they're she's talk, they're talking about playing heads up. Like, <laughs> hey, yeah, this, is, this is how they're going to settle it. And Kathy says, I would play you heads up, no limit for fun, no TV required. You know, actually, maybe this is a very shrewd move on her part. Like, she knew by saying something that he would, of course, respond, and it would degrade into a heads-up challenge, and she's seen how lucrative this can be. This could be like a, a sick hustle on her yeah, part. Yeah, maybe she got jealous of Kate Hall. She's like, oh, I want some of that. I want to win 30K like that. I want to win 30K that easily. That This is actually, you know, I'm going to give her credit. I think this was a really smart hustle on her part. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> right? That'd be fun. Well, maybe she but started... If you could talk him into playing you heads-up, you'd do it, right? Yeah, well, maybe she started out uh, initially complaining about this sincerely. And he's like, name three players who, who are on Poker Night in America. She's like, hmm, oh, wait a minute. I, I, I know someone I can name that's going to respond. Oh, okay. So maybe at that point she came up with the idea. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, oh, you know what? If I say something to this guy, he's going to challenge me to play heads up, and I could use a payday, you know? Yeah, well... We'll see what happens. It's funny how Mac Lance is just always in the middle of this. But who knows? Maybe Tasty Steaks will get more traffic again. Oh, God. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I do kind of feel bad for the guy because he, he seems, like, very level-headed. and But, you know, people are always, like, bitching to him. It's yeah, he, he's, a, he's a lightning rod recently. I think the problem – some of the problem is he ran afoul of the uh, – the poker social justice warrior crowd, and now that now they're just always gunning for him. They're always looking for anything to criticize, and if if they find anything, they jump on him, and and then controversy starts. And that's like you know, so he had his spat with Kate Hall about that whole tipping thing, and so so ever since then she's had it in for him, and uh, and then by extension Andrew Barber, like like I, I think that whole group doesn't like him. and and wants to start trouble. <laughs> so, and then you know, of course. Being so involved with Poker Night in America, a show which is going in the direction of uh, putting on controversial figures for for ratings purposes, the one who's making these decisions, which which is Mac Lance, uh, that's always going to put him in a position of controversy where he's going to get criticism for it. So I'm not saying he deserves it. I'm saying that that's that's the other problem right. is that he's uh, he, he's engaged. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're high profile, anything, yes. you're a target. That's I what's mean, happening. Un- unfortunately, that's just the case, right? And you know, I I, I know some people that are well known in their various professions, and it, you know, just some of that just kind of happens. But I, I also really think that there's a excuse me a certain segment of our society that is just waiting to be offended. And I swear to you, there are people that just get up in the morning, have their cup of coffee, and fire up Twitter, and are just looking for something to get offended by. Yeah. You know? I mean, I I swear to you, it happens. Well, I I agree with you. And I think that 
It is unfortunate that uh, Mac Land. It's got to be stressful to constantly <laughs> be under the attack of these people in poker that uh, just always want to start trouble and, and drag him into it. So it, it's got it's got to be getting annoying. And yeah, I, I do feel bad for him too. And on the other hand, I think Kathy Liebert is very smart to drag Dentale into the conversation. Yeah, if that's what her intention and, was. And to hopefully hook up with a nice little heads-up match with him. It's also possible there was no intention, and that just kind of went this way. And she's like, oh, okay, well, all right, yeah, let's let's play heads. <laughs> okay, the perfect opportunity fell in my lap. It's possible it just, like, fell in her lap, and now she wants to do it, and that's why she's very willing to go forward with it. Uh, it looks like she might be challenging uh, Matt Salzberg, too. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I, I want to tell right. people, unrelated to any of this, I want to tell people about something unfortunate, especially for those of you that have enjoyed the fact that we've had three poker shows, three poker fraud alert shows in th- 12 days, which we have. We've had uh, shows six days apart. We went from Friday to Thursday to Wednesday. So in 12 days, we've had three shows. Well, what is the reason, aside from going on vacation, which I'm not doing, What's the other reason I miss shows sometimes? That would be me having a cold. Well, I had a very long-lasting cold in April, and it got better. And uh, I was very thankful. Not not even that long ago, a very short time ago, I the cold went away, everything was clear, I felt good, and I thought to myself, I'm glad that's over, because I just... I just felt like it was never going to go away. I knew it would. It just kind of felt like that. I felt like it just dragged so long. Well, this morning, I started to feel that I had a sore throat. And I was in denial. Like I sometimes am when I get these. I go, no, it's just just dryness outside. No, it's just it must just be that... Uh, you know, when I slept, I my mouth got very dry, and it's, it's or it's, you know, so something scratched my throat when I which I swallow. I would come up with these excuses why I have a sore throat, and most of the time, the truth is because I'm about to get a cold. So I, the whole day, I've been in denial about this, and I even went and did the show. I, I told Benjamin's mom that uh, I have the sore throat. He's already going to cancel radio. I said, No, I'm not canceling radio. This is I've canceled radio enough recently. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it, and I have been. But this this feels like pretty much a definite sore throat, and I even muted it at one point to blow my nose again, which I haven't had to in a while. So I, unbelievably, after not having a cold in some time through 2017, I got this cold at the beginning of April, had it for most of the month, finally got rid of it. I think I have another one. I draft totally unrelated to this, but do you know if it's, uh, can you take an insurance policy out on somebody else? Or are you going to do that to me here? <laughs> I, I know. I'm just wondering. Like, if I wanted to, could I just take a, a life insurance policy out on any random person that I, I, I felt like doing? No, I don't think so. I think they have to have some. I think there has to be some relation, or they have to agree. I, I've never looked into it, but I don't. Why think would they, they have to? They wouldn't have to be related. That doesn't make sense. No, I, I think they may have to agree to it or something like that. I, I don't think you can just take out someone. Maybe you can, but I. That's a good question. I'm just asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely has nothing to do with your yeah. your, your frailty of life. I might have the AIDS this year. Just wondering. Well, it's if this is really happening... Think about it, Drup. Think about it. I could take a life insurance policy out on you, 
And then your legacy could be a lifetime of free rolls. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, so you would have to then you'd have to take over Poker Fraud Alert and run it. Uh, yeah, if I if, the truth is, if I like died tomorrow, it'd be kind of tough for Poker Fraud Alert because there wouldn't even be a mechanism to transfer it to anybody. Mm. It it just would kind of die. <laughs> it would it would stay around for a short time, and then uh, the bills wouldn't be paid, and it would turn off. You don't have backups anywhere or anything. Um, yeah, but someone would have to find them, and they'd mm. have to put it back out. They'd have to get they'd have to get access to the domain. It's it's uh, you have to put it in your will. I, I think I think I have to, but no, I, I don't. I, this is so frustrating, and it, you know it can happen. Sometimes it can just run bad like this, where you get over something, and then uh, you happen to catch another, and you, th- you 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 think you should be immune to it, but you're not. Because these are all different viruses. These are the, the cold, the common cold. It's constantly mutating. So the the one you get, the next cold you get, is different than the previous cold. So well, FTP Jesus says you get it from licking toilet seats. <laughs> is that true? I guess it's possible. Ah, okay. I, I, this is pissing me off because I'm telling you, last month it was miserable. I, I hated it. I hated last month. I, I hated going through this every day. It was just was. It wasn't getting better. It was. It, I was fatigued every day. I was congested every day. I was having a hard time sleeping. I had to cancel radio. Uh, I could not wait for it to just be over, and then it was over. And that's and I, what my ex-girlfriend said. I, I just. I I shouldn't. I, I was debating even bringing this up here and just waiting to see what really happens, but I'm, I just feel like if I have another one that lasts three weeks or so, it's, it's gonna, it's awful. Like, That's brutal, man. Do you, do you think uh, it could be coming from your son? He didn't even have it. That's what, he didn't get. He didn't get the one from me. I, usually, I catch it from him. I I got this from the Bellagio or something in Vegas. Uh, I got it. In, on, I think it was on April eighth or something like that. I got it. Uh, but I don't know where I picked it up this time, provided that's what I have. But it's it just it's just because it it just was so recent that it ended. I don't want to I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do it again. I, I I wanted to have some time without it. it. Sucks. Oh, believe me, I understand. When you're sick, <laughs> like nothing is good. You feel terrible. You don't feel like doing anything. Espe- you know? Yeah, especially this one. Like this was one of the worst ones I've had. And it, maybe this one won't be. Maybe this one now, if it is you know really cold, like I think it is, it won't be as bad as the last one. But the last one, I just if I think of a repeat of this, it just ugh, at least I wanted some time in between. See, I think the way I looked at it is, my kids every time they got me sick, it was just their first attempts to kill me. <laughs> I can't even blame this on Benjamin though; he's not even sick. Yeah. All right, so I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna finish the show though. I'm still gonna finish it. We have uh, at least one more topic here. Where's Traderuski? I have, he's killing me. I need him to. Uh, no, 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 he's here. He's here, technically. I don't know if he's. Sorry. Ah. Like, no, I'm here, but you guys are coming in and out. Yeah, you're kind of in and out too. Where? Every time he's on the phone, he's like in a car. Is he? Is he always going somewhere? Trader Risky, where are you going right now? Yeah, that's a long drive between State Line and Vegas. Yeah, it was like hours ago. No, I've been Vegas. But he's still in the car somehow. Ah, this guy is just—he's like a nomad. He's, he's on the on the move every time. I think he's really driving to like Salt Lake City and Vegas just to stop <laughs> stop along. Trader Risky, have you ever been on air that you're not like driving around somewhere? 
No, no answer. I, I don't know. What's, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. He's getting a slushy. Sorry, it's all so chaos please. going on. I'm trying to get some coffee and, and some herbal tea. Okay, that's, <laughs> let, let's let's put someone else on here. Hopefully, he's not in a car. Brandon, Holy Trader Ruski, you there, buddy? Where in the casino are you? I'm looking for you. I'm at Starbucks. Are you here? Are you I'm here? in the casino. Where are you at? I'm at Starbucks. Okay, I'll see you in a minute. What I'm is this? Fraud- You're using the joke. fraud show to communicate with Trader Ruski? What yeah, is he this? wasn't answering his phone. I figured this uh, was the best shot. Come I'll on. see you all next week. Do you think, do you think this happens on the 2 Plus 2 poker cast? you think 2 Plus 2 does this? That's great. Well, I mean, I can sit here for about 10 minutes since I am on the line, but he wasn't answering his phone. He's in Sorry, Vegas. buddy. Did I not? T- I didn't see your text. I, yeah. I, I get all excited that Brandon's coming back to the show. No, and it's just it's just, just to make using phone it call. As an intermediary to get a hold of my little. Uh, I, I can't believe this. This is like the like the the pager of 2017. It's a love connection, man. What is this? Have you talked yet about Fluffer? No, I'm not going to talk about Fluffer. Well, that's big news for the people that listen on the forums. But they can you read it. On the, they can read it on the forums. I, I freed Fluffer, but he doesn't. He he won't ever call the radio. So that's why. Listen, I'll tell you, Fluffer. I don't know what kind of. Uh, Agreement you made with him, but doesn't doesn't seem like he's holding his end of the bargain so far. Uh-oh. Um, he's been taking quite a few shots at you. No, I know, reading. I know. I I've, I I told people. I thought I, he's supposed to be a nicer, gentler fluffer. He, he is, but I, I, I look, I said that uh, I'll evaluate it, and if it's the same thing that I saw back in December 2014 when I banned him, I'll ban him again. It's a. Uh, I just I just uh, agreed to let him come back as a. Uh, on a trial basis, shake up the forum a little bit, but you know if, if it's if it's too much trouble, I'll get rid of him. That's that's yeah. the way it is. I I don't have that much tolerance. Like I have a lot of tolerance, but I also have a little tolerance. I, I have a lot of tolerance in that I let people troll me on the forum uh, to to a large degree and, and don't do anything about it. I don't ban people for that. I don't delete their messages. I, I, I let a lot go on there. A lot of negativity go on, even directed at me. And I don't do anything about it because I understand that's the nature of, of this forum. But right. if, if it's overdone, if there's someone who's just there to constantly hassle me, constantly troll me, constantly give me a hard time just for the sake of trying to piss me off, mm-hmm. then, I, then I don't want him here. It's, it's, that's, the, uh, that's the rule for pretty much everybody. But, but uh, if you think about it, like there's very few forums where you can even do this, where you can go on and bash the owner. Well, that's why that Mendelssohn gave up that other site. Yeah. (laughs) There's not that many forums that even put up with this. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of the few, and I put up with a lot. Mm -hmm. But there's there's a limit. You know, there's a limit. Especially if if I made a lot of money from it, then great. But I'm not making any money from it. So... Uh, there's, a, it's it's got to be something I enjoy. If there's going to be someone whose purpose there is to make me not enjoy it, then uh, then I will remove them. But if they if it's something that's just occasional or not uh, not too nasty, and they want to just you know drop some insults or trolls every so often, I think okay. it's mainly about your weight. He seems to think you're a portly fellow. What's funny is on that forum, I probably am uh, below average weight, but. <laughs> Yeah. But I, well, it all I, I, started because of the legendary, you know how it's like you went fishing and you caught a fish and then over all the ways it's been retold, that little four-pound fish becomes 40. That's how that story about you at the bike with the food, you know, maybe you ordered, what, an entree and, and some fruit and maybe a dessert, but it came to be five plates, ten plates. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. all that food at the bike. How yeah. many 
entrees or how many dishes did you order? How many items? I don't even remember anymore. But was it really as excessive as the legend? No, it, it wasn't. It, it, and it kind of looks big. You know how the camera adds ten pounds? Here, the camera was adding like ten plates. So, yeah. So that it also really did look bigger on camera, like 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 a big fruit plate I had. Uh, it you couldn't really tell it was fruit, so it looked like this just giant plate of food. So it was things like that, kind of illusions like that. But it's when people meet me from the forum, like when Handicap met me, Handicap me met me recently. Like he posted on the forum, he's like, you know, a, a rough, you know, I didn't think he was fat. He had a little bit of a belly, but that was it. Like he was, a, people are surprised. They're always expecting me to be some huge fat guy. From from what people like Fluffer post, and then they they meet me and they see that's not true. So uh, anyway, I, I I don't care if Fluffer wants to make some stupid comments about me being fat. It's fine. I just I don't want the incessant thing where where it's just he follows me around to every thread and, and just constantly trolls right. me. It's it's unpleasant. I, I don't I just don't want to deal with it there. And it's not it's not being tilted. It's not being having my feelings hurt. It's just annoying. It's an annoyance I don't want to have. If if that's going to be the main reason he's there, but if it's if it's right. a small part of why he's there, then fine. Just like there's there's people on the forum who who do troll me a lot, and I haven't banned any of them, and I'm not going to ban them because I I understand that's part of the whole thing, and I I want to be just like a user on the forum, like everybody else. I don't want people to be afraid to say negative things to me there just because I run it. But but at the same time, since I am running it, at least show a little respect, not to just follow me everywhere and troll me constantly. That, that's all I ask. Now, changing the subject, did you wish young uh, Kilowatt a uh, happy birthday today? I, I didn't, I was, uh, but I didn't want to give it as personal info, but now you've done it. Well, that's not really any personal info. I mean, what the hell can you do with that kind of information? Oh, a lot. You can know someone's birthday and what he would. Well, you know, only you would know that. I mean, what kind of. <laughs> you actually can. That's why I don't ever publicize my birthday. That's why I So got, if you know the name is... Kilowatt and you know his birthday, you could do something with that? Come on. I don't believe it. This is, this is a guy paranoid. that knows he can recognize that, what tone was dialed on a phone. So. Yeah, that's too paranoid, though. If you think no, you really, you really, you, you really can, you really can these days. Sometimes it's used as a form of identifying yourself when you're uh, calling up uh, a certain company or whatever. There, there are things that can be obtained with this. Even, but you still have to know something else about them. But, but, you, why would... but you, no, just Calwatt and the birthday, no, but if people uh, know his name and things, there can be things done. So mm. I'm not going to go into detail. I don't want to uh, give people lessons on this, but uh, there, there's things that can be done. That's like my birthday, I just kind of I just kind of just age. Just one day I, I'm, a, I'm a year older, but not necessarily when I turn that. In fact, sometimes I even claim I'm a year older a little earlier because I, I, I'll say that I, I'm to born. To throw them off, you're saying? Well, I, I'm born in the I'm born in the early part. <laughs> you of You have the, a fake birthday to throw off the people sort of, out there sort, in society looking for your. No, birthday. I don't have a real. I don't have a fake birthday. I just don't have a birthday that I announce, and then just one day I'm older. And so, no, but you said sometimes you celebrate it earlier. No, I don't celebrate it. Like like this year, I said I was 45 before I was 45. But is that to throw people off the trail? No, it's it's because well, sort of. See, <laughs> I I don't claim I don't pick a fake I don't fake pick a fake birthday. Like I don't pick like okay on January fifteenth I'm going to say it's my birthday and I'm forty five. No, that's not my birthday and I wouldn't claim that's my birthday. But like I'll just go from saying I'm forty four to forty five just kind of at some point near the beginning of the year because I, my birthday is near the beginning of the year. So I, I just at some point usually before I actually turn because I, I kind of feel like I'm the next age. Once the year comes, because it's at the beginning of the year where my birthday is. So unlike like someone who's born in October, when the new year starts, they don't feel like they've just aged another year because their birthday is so far away. My birthday is much closer to the beginning of the year. So 
I feel once the new year starts, I kind of feel like I'm already the, the next year older. So around then I start saying that I'm the next age. Unlike people who lie about their age and say they're younger, I actually say I'm slightly older at some points. But that's mainly because I, I don't want to publicize my birthday. I don't like it. These, these things really can be used against you. And uh, you know, you know, what was used against me. I'll tell you what was used against what? me. My wife takes this opportunity to let me know that I'm ten years older than her. It's only a certain um, uh, number of months in the year until she catches up, and the, the difference is nine years. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's that's a factor I don't have to deal with because. And uh, now you know she tell like we'll we'll be talking about a date, and I'll be like, oh, I was in high school, and she'll be like, oh, I was in third grade. Like that, oh man, I feel like a fucking pervert now. That's that's a factor I have to deal with because my my girlfriend is less than two years younger than me, so that's uh, she's close enough to where I'm not an old guy to her. So yeah, we're pretty much the same age. So slightly younger, but not very much. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Calwatt is uh, he had his birthday, and that's the only reason I didn't mention it. It's the truth because I, I just think about like if if someone knew my birthday who knew me personally in some way, and then they were part of the show, I, I would be kind of annoyed if they mentioned that on the day of, of the birthday. I, so I wouldn't just be... say you forgot, man. It's all right. <laughs> so wait, when it's your birthday, if, if I happen to call in looking for Trederuski, you're saying I shouldn't wish you a happy birthday? For me, no, don't. You, privately, yes. Publicly, no. doing you a disservice, you're saying. No, no. If anybody knows my birthday, do not ever wish me a happy birthday in public. Huh. Don't do it. But I'm not one. Of these, I'm not funny about my age. Like I'm not funny about like, oh no, I'm a year older. Like I, like I'm not one of these people who who cries on their birthday because they're getting older. Uh, so you don't you don't go into the restaurant and have the the whole restaurant gather around and sing happy birthday to you and shit, clap their hands. No, and that's fine. If, no, if, they, if they don't know me, it's fine. If they don't know me, it's fine. Then I don't care. If they know but, but someone age. might be watching, Drew. No, I don't go that far. Okay. okay, but if they know your age, whatever method they would be trying to get your birthday wouldn't they just then have to only do it 365 times to get the right one i mean you're just making it harder for them no i'm not right mouth i I don't even know what i don't know what you're even talking about (laughs) if you tell them how old you are or you know you're do you you understand what i'm saying there's no set day i just callow explain to him what i'm saying because i think it has some relevance I mean, he's basically saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're saying that if someone knows about when your birthday is, that they could figure out when it is, right? How? Or, or, right. Or even if they just know how old you are, then they'd have 365 chances and one of them would be right. Right. And, and you saying. narrowed it down earlier that, you know, it's it's somewhere in the beginning no, but, of the year. So you know, now okay, it, it we've depends. got like 105. Okay. If you're talking about if, if they're doing something with it that requires the birthday that they, they could just keep trying over and over and over till they hit it, the, the problem with that is that uh, there would usually be some sort of uh, notes on this after they got it wrong a few times. They wouldn't be able to make, uh, you know, 50 calls in a row Going, okay, uh, my birthday is January 2nd. No? Okay. Then call back. Okay, my birthday is January 3rd. And, like, eventually, there's going to be some flag on the account that, that someone's trying so to... you're talking, like, what, calling a credit card or maybe... Yeah, a- things like that. But things- don't they... I mean, I listen, I don't... And this isn't, you know, no offense. I don't deal with customer service people nearly as much as you do. But, you know, I'll have to call a credit card company every once in a while or something. But they usually... it's it, I mean, American Express, Chase, Capital One. 
it's always what's the last four of your social. It's never now. Maybe they'll use the birthday for a secondary form of ID. Okay, but I, 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 I there's no one I ever call that my identity is confirmed. Some, sometimes with it's, my it's birthday. in fact, sometimes it is a. Uh, it's the point you're bringing up. Sometimes it is a combination where you have to have two things, and if there's one thing that's easily out there, then then it becomes much easier for them. So, and also identity theft—that's a big thing. Where if it's much harder to commit identity theft if you don't have the person's birthday. Or weren't they stealing the? They were stealing the free roll checks in the mail. I heard. The, the free roll. The free roll checks. It actually wasn't free roll checks. They were stolen. It was actually World Series of Poker piece checks that uh, I sent out for what people got for my caches last year, and two of them got stolen. Yeah. But oh. I, I that wasn't identity theft. That was just bank theft. They just people stole my bank account number and then established cards with target debit cards with target under it. <laughs> but they didn't steal my identity. They just established a, a debit card at right. target to withdraw from my account. And by the way, I'm looking right now at the, uh, the fraud show agenda. Well, what, what has been covered so far? Just about well, everything. Everything. We're just getting done with the, uh, the intro. <laughs> now, can I just ask, uh, you know, I, wow, it's midnight cover. Well, it's not, you know what? I'm looking. It's a slow week, obviously. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple of points of interest. Uh, so Druff is sold out. Is there going to be an update on this every week, or we're done now? For no, it's done. I'm sold out. What's there to give? Yeah, <laughs> um, the hashtag. What kind of main? I mean, let's do like a little. Uh, no, I don't want. I don't want to do a, a micro no, show. No, but now. it could be like it could be ten words. It could be very very short, and maybe people are tuning in now. You could even say at the four hour mark, we just do a cliff note speed version of the show maybe people will like you know but you know what's going to happen then people are going to fast forward to this mark and just uh, listen to that and then forget the okay, rest of the show what kind of mainstream coverage is hashtag keen getting just like intense in 10 words he's what, on he's on world like, star hip-hop never heard of that and and, and uh, reddit okay what happened with mac lance why are they outraged about the tasty state because he posted a markup of 1.25 uh, for Tasty Steaks, and Tasty Steaks was where he posted it up, retweeted that, and then a bunch of people objected. Well, Andrew Barber objected, and, and a bunch of people fought with him. About what? About uh, charging, charging 1.25. Charging yeah, 1.25. Whatever market. the markup is, that's what the market is. If people buy it, they we, buy we, it. But I, see, that's why you should have been here at that point. We could have had our whole discussion. We, we and by the way, it. he has sold more than half of what he's offered. Yes. So Yeah, I mean, the market dictates... All right. Uh, the commerce tournament i know about that genie's actually up there now she played in this social experiment i don't know how she did but she's been up there for like five days yeah i know in fact genie genie actually posted on facebook that the way she kept awake during the drive from vegas yep. to la was listening listening to last week's show yeah yeah she uh when she goes on trips or airplanes or when we travel together she uses uh, the fraud show as as a travel companion. I mean, not only that, there's another female who uses this show to uh, listen during traveling, uh, Alaska Gal, who's a dealer. She's a poker dealer who came... Who I, originally, I've known her uh, for years. Yeah, I know you know who she is. Uh, she, she one time, uh, I think it was last summer, drove from Alaska to Vegas, a very long drive, and she listened to... Poker fraud alert radio like the whole way, like these super How long drives. How safe is that drive? I've read some things that could be a. I mean, I'm like, there's some weather phenomenon about like what makes your car literally jump above the road. I was reading about this, and and like there's certain parts of the stretch. I mean, I don't even know. I've never Googled or looked at what 
even a direct route to Alaska would be? I mean, I know obviously you have to go through Canada, but how safe a, a drive can that even be to drive from Vegas to like Anchorage or wherever? I, I in the summer, I think it should be fine. But isn't it still free? I mean, it's still what's the weather there? Typical? No, in, in the summer, summer, in the summer, it's fine. Oh, all yeah. right. It, 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 it's a short about. summer. Okay. It's a short summer there. They don't have, uh, you know, like the. It starts to get cold again in, in September, and, and and it doesn't warm up till May. Right. But but yeah, it's a short summer. But isn't that though weird to think about that you can be in L.A. or in Vegas and two days later, two and a half days later in Alaska by car? It just seems kind of strange. It is very far though. It's a long drive. Yeah, it's like I I, I think from Vegas it's like what thirty hours maybe. It's in the our high twenties. Yeah, well, it's it's a, to fly to. To fly to Anchorage, it was like as long as flying from LA. It was like as long as flying to New York. That's a wow. long. It's long flights. Alaska is very big. What's what is the time zone over there? It's time zone wise, it's only one hour behind LA. You know, I ended up going to Alaska twice by accident. Accident. Yeah, I had to I had to go up there on uh, on business one time to give a, a presentation at a users group, right? And I was like, oh, cool, you know, I'll go up to Alaska. I've always kind of wanted to go visit and all that stuff. And I'll do the the cruise thing. I'm not big on cruises, but Alaska, I've heard, was one place that he actually would want to do it because you get to see all of the The glaciers, the icebergs and the glaciers and all that kind of good stuff. So I booked uh, booked the uh, actual, uh, what do you call it, The, uh, the cruise to do it, and... Then I, I couldn't, like, something was not quite right with it. I couldn't figure out what it was, and I'd already paid for it and everything. And I, I found out, like, a m- couple of weeks before I was scheduled to go, I checked on it, and it was for next year. Oh, yeah. that You know, I've seen that. I've almost yeah. made that mistake a few times, too, where I'm looking, and I go, oh, this is cool, and I'm about to book it, and I go, wait a minute, this is 2018. Like, it, yeah, it, it's not very, not very prominent. In, I actually booked it and paid for it, right? <laughs> Well, you can cancel, and then I was you like, can well, fuck, I still have to go give this users group presentation thing, oh. right? And and here's the thing. like, uh, <laughs> So we, we went up there, and my wife was, uh, was pregnant at the time, right? So we ended up flying up there. I did the users group presentation. I did all that kind of stuff, came back, and then we had our kid. And then you understand from the timing that this means that we're taking like a six-month-old kid on a cruise ship, right? Yeah. That's In tough. a tiny little cabin with a kid that just wants to cry nonstop. I know why make, they make those windows so small on that cruise because I would have jumped out it if it was bigger. <laughs> like, it was fucking brutal. Um, but, yeah, but we ended up going there twice completely by accident because I fucked it up. Oops. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Well... Anyway, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, glad. I, I'm happy when I hear that people use this show. I, I like hearing better that they use this for hey for, guys. For, for travel. Trederuski? Yeah, Brandon, I can't wait at Starbucks anymore. You close? <laughs> no, way. I'm in my house, buddy. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> <laughs> are you in? You're at your secret location. I am. I'm out walking, walking. Uh, okay. How many? Now. Any four? Of, any four of a kind yet? Not yet. The night is young. All right. in town. Uh, I won't say, you know, where he's at. Well, you wouldn't even guess it, but he's in town uh, for the Kentucky Derby. Him and his buddy, they love betting the ponies, huh. uh, Druff, Calawat. They love the ponies. 
See, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't pry here. I, I heard he was on the way to Vegas. He called when he was at State Line. We had some connection yeah. problems, but I didn't ask him why he was coming. I said, I'm gonna, I'm he gonna... loves those ponies. Yeah, He's it's... got a perfect. He thinks really gonna come in uh, on Derby Saturday. Okay. So the last topic we have, by the way, is it's a small topic. It's, it's just about uh, MGM is going to launch a, an MGM branded casino in New Jersey, an online casino. They right now they do have a presence with the Borgata room, but it's it's called you know, the Borgata site. It's not a, an MGM site, even though it technically is. But they it's not called MGM. So this is going to be called the MGM Casino Online Casino or whatever. I don't know the exact name. I think I think it's going to be called Play MGM. Well, they can do that now because they actually, uh, although the sale was announced in May, it finally closed in the fourth quarter of 2016, and that was they purchased the 50% equity that uh, Boyd Gaming had. Uh, as you you know recall, for the duration of the time that the Borgata existed, it was an, it was kind of a strange partnership because they you know they run independently of each other out here, but they don't have any other properties or any other business dealings. Um, but if you read it, it's really, really interesting what they did. They ended up, MGM ended up buying that 50% from the Borgata. Then they ended up selling it to a, uh, a subsidiary of MGM who then in turn leases it back to MGM monthly. Hmm, uh, is that like probably for some tax reason? Probably. Yeah. All right. So, so, but, so any, yeah, anyhow, so that, that this is really the first time in the history that they, uh, they own it. And I've been told it hasn't taken effect yet, but I think it's called the red card that they use out there. But eventually, uh, sometime in 2017, uh, they're going to coincide their rewards program with M life. Oh now, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they never could do that before because of the fact that it, you know, is Boyd gaming. So, you know, what are we going to do with their patrons? So now that it's solely owned by them, they're going to turn everything into M Life, uh, and I I don't know. I would assume Compson and your play would would which would you know be good for people like me that you know say I I I don't have any connection at Borgata, but I am a member of M Life. Um, so you know if I have any uh, express comps or any perks or you know whatever room offers I've earned here, then if I ever am in that area and, and need to, then you know because by far and away that's the nicest property now. In Atlantic, in, in yeah, Atlantic yeah, City, I mean, is. it has been, you know, for ages. But if I went out there, if I go to Barge or at Large next year for any other reason, that is by far where I'd stay. Everything else is a fucking dump, you know. Well, so anyway, they in uh, yeah, so it's gonna be called Play MGM, and the only reason these New Jersey online gaming sites make any kind of decent money is thanks to the internet casino that's attached to them. The poker is a fail. Of course. And and Ari Engel, Bodog Ari, who's a loyal listener to this show, he kind of called me out on Facebook. He, he posted on Facebook and Twitter that he's had fun playing the Poker Stars New Jersey series, whatever it is right now, and that he thinks I'm too tough on the New Jersey market by calling it a fail. He doesn't think it's a fail. And my response is this, that I'm not talking necessarily from the player standpoint. If you're having fun playing the tournaments there, then that's great. But I'm talking about from the standpoint of the sites themselves, from the business standpoint, they were expecting it to be huge. They were expecting it, even with the casino offerings, they were expecting it to make about 10 times what it really is. 
Now, so, but when you look at the pure number, okay, well, let me ask you this. What, you know, and he's a very intelligent guy. I think we both agree with that. What is he basing his complaint or disagreement on? Is it was it on hard numbers? to tell. It was hard it to tell. Fact- he, didn't, he didn't go into it. He just, it was a short message, and he said that uh, he just thinks he, he enjoyed playing the tournament series there, and he thinks uh, Todd would tell us it's too hard on them when he's calling it a fail. And I said, uh, my response was that I, I just think it's a, the poker part, especially, is a fail from but, their standpoint. They're, they're, I believe they're losing money still on do poker. Do you know the numbers, though? I mean, do you know how many unique users they have, what they were expecting? Like, has yes. it been proven by some someone that, you know, has analyzed the data that it's underwhelming from what they expected? Oh, yes, yes. They were expecting like 10 times the players. Hmm. So it, it's been a huge fail. They, believe I mean, this they, is counting all the sites because I remember reading, like, I know Golden Golden Nugget, which isn't connected to the Nugget out here. They had a casino out. I mean, there's a lot of casinos out there. You know, it's not like Vegas where I think we we just have the WSOP. I know at one point there was like four or five of them. Yeah, there so are there are more, but it's it's still none of them do all that great. In fact, I'm going to go to uh, uh, what's that uh, site that keeps track, and I'm forgetting the name of that site. So, but I guess what I'm asking is what 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 are they disappointed in? Do they just think that more residents or more or would sign up, or do they think more tourists? When they're in New Jersey, would take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, no, they thought both. They thought it was just going to be. It was going so to be. So on both sides, it's been a fail. It's not it's, just. It, yes, it's just it's been a fail. Uh, the, the casino, well, it's not making as much money as they hope, but it, it's still making good money, and they're happy they have that. The poker is mean, a fail. The poker is making almost nothing. Though, I don't know what they're thinking though, because it was never. People are never going to come to Vegas or even Atlantic City and spend a gr- a, a large amount of time. Logged into a computer in their room on an online site. I know site that was some of it too, and then some. Of, they also expected the residents to take more yeah. interest than they have. But here, I'm going to read you the numbers right now from Poker Scout. That's the name of the site to check on this. All right. So Poker Scout, uh, right now, Wait. now it is it is late. It is three thirty in the morning. But Poker Stars New Jersey has thirty six cash players seated. <laughs> And uh, party Wait, po- say that again. I didn't hear you. Thirty six. Thirty six cash players are seated, and even at the, and their average is about one hundred ten. Right now it's the middle of the night there, but still, uh, Borgata twenty seven cash players are seated. <laughs> and and the now the one that seems to be doing the best, uh, WSOP eight eight eight. They they uh, at the moment I don't know how they have so many unless this is inaccurate uh, two hundred eight cash players seated with an average of two forty that to me that seems wrong because it's, it's three thirty in the morning and it's hard for me to believe they're that close to the average but, but still uh, none of their none of them have a peak of more than like three hundred fifty players seated at cash tables which is a joke that's uh th- that's tiny compared to sites like Ignition yeah. so. That's a fail. That's not. They didn't put up these sites to have uh, an average of 110, 200 players uh, seated to the cash game. Yeah, they have people who play tournaments too. That's not included here. But these are these sites are small time there. They put a lot of effort, well, I a bet lot it's of expense. About 100, if not more times, the amount of people that are playing on the virtual craps table now or the virtual shoe. In the casino, I mean that's got to be where, where all the action. It is. is. That's where all the money is that they're making. It, yeah. They're making decent money at the casino. Still not as much as they expected, but at least with the casino side, like, like I think they made like twenty or twenty-one million dollars last month collectively on these sites. 
this for everything together, poker and, and casino. But almost all of it came from the casino. So, so, and this is collectively all the sites together made like twenty-one million. So, uh, they're not sorry they put it up. But on the other hand, it's because they're getting it from the casino. If it was only poker, it would be a dramatic failure. In fact, I bet they'd be losing money. I I was told, at least as of a few years ago, that these sites were all losing money on the poker's part. So, well, I know WSOP in Vegas is, is there's no way they're profitable. Oh yeah, they're, they're a ghost town. So. I mean, it's it's you know and this is going to be interesting. I, I'm not trying to hijack what you're saying, but. You know, they're they're having this year, I don't know if you've talked about it in past shows or maybe when the schedule got announced, but they're not only are they having that what are they calling the three sixty five, the live Oh I don't remember. Word? Yeah. No, the 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 the, the, the buy in, the, the, the live Yeah, I'm forgetting what it's called. I I know it has okay. a, some name. Well whatever. You know, not only are they having that, but they have the same three hundred and change buy in online this year. Now they've had this will be the third year in a row. That WSOP is offering a bracelet event for an online tournament, but the difference is the other two prior years it was a thousand dollar buy-in, and this is going to be a three hundred and I think either three thirty-five or whatever it is three hundred plus whatever the rake is um, online. So I, I'm predicting that that number is going to skyrocket. I mean, hell, I even I might even play it this year. I mean, I, I doubt it, but I I may. I've never played the other. Yeah, two. I bet it's going to go up. But the thing is, it's, I don't think people are going to stay around. They're just going to play that tournament and then quit. They're not going to stick around much and play cash. I think that. No, I don't think so either. But what, what I think will be funny though, they better get their uh, software in, sh- in in check because the last couple of years, tons of people have reported having problems playing because they were told that uh, other I, I don't know what the exact error message is, but other users or people at their table or registered entrance, whatever you want to call it, were using the same IP. Oh, as that's they right. Were. That's stupid. And why that's do you stupid think that was? Yeah, because they were playing from the Rio. Yes. <laughs> so, can you imagine? Only this company. Okay, there's like literally there are reports of of you know not thousands, but you know maybe a hundred, two hundred people that couldn't even play, that couldn't give them their thousand dollars because they couldn't. They, they. I mean, how do they not? I mean, I, I just I don't understand. I don't get it. How can't they figure out that that's going to happen? Because it's third party software and they don't have much control over it. The right. whole thing. They only have a year to figure it out. I mean, it it, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I wonder if that's going to happen this year, where you're going to have you know, because really three sixty or whatever it is, three thirty five. It's a big difference between a thousand. Yeah, I so you may po- have a couple thousand people in the Rio, you know, that are all you know in their room smoking, you know, their marijuana. Trying to fire up the old, you know, WSOP online tournament. You know, you know, you know what I was mentioning on the show where I talked about those uh, three hundred sixty-five dollar events or whatever they are. I, I ca- don't like it. I think it takes away no, from no, the, I, I calcul- the legacy of what the World Series. I calculated. Is, by the way. I calculated what it would have been in nineteen seventy-one money when they started the World Series. Mm-hmm. Fifty-seven dollars. <laughs> it's terrible. So I, I actually, I actually, enti- I, I titled that show. If you guys look in the archives, you'll see I give each one a title. Uh, that show is titled "The Fifty-Seven Dollar Bracelet" because that's what it is. It, yeah. it's, it's a, it's when they started the World Series, it would have been a fifty-seven dollar event, which is a joke. What, what do you think? The you, what would you, if you were an odds maker, what would you set the line at for the? I, I don't again. I, uh, Callowat, do you know the name of this? You know. The Colossus was last year, the $500 one. But I know they have some branding for this $300 tournament. I just can't think of the name. Do you know it, Kalawat? Oh, crap. 
Is it on your Tasty Steak site? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's up there. Well, go look it up. I don't have a, a computer. I'm, I'm, it's going to bother yeah, I, I, me. I, I, I looked it up. I found it. It's, it's the Giant. Oh, oh yeah. That's original. That's a great name. Real original. <laughs> what would you draw in Calawas? 365. It's 365. Yeah. Okay. What would the two of you set the line at? Now, we're on, you know, we're on the record here. We don't do no uh, editing. You know, so it will be here. We can always well, you, look back. You real, well, you, hold on. Do you realize the other gimmick with the Giants is not just a 365? There's one other gimmick with it. What is it? The gimmick is that. Oh, the restart. It's it. Uh, the day one is split up. The various day ones are split up by a week. The first day one is June 9th. The second day one is June 16th. The third day one is June 23rd. No. Yes. Are you being serious? The fourth is June 30th, and the fifth. Is on July seventh. Wait, so people have to travel back, but what is that? Just for the yes, I don't get yes. It. On July eighth, you you play day two. If you make it through day one, then you come back for day two, and it could be in one week or it could be in four weeks. So how do you like that? You 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 make day two. You get some kind of uh, fa- hopefully you get some kind of fail min cash, and then uh, you have to come well, all the way back to Vegas. I, I, on then July you know 8th. What? I'll guarantee you. That there will be a number of people that don't even bother showing more than any other WSOB tournament ever before, more than even Vinny Vin has missed, <laughs> and it's unlimited re-entry. So do you remember, Vin, do you remember, remember Vinny Vin? Yes, and, he uh, it was like a chip leader and came back. Two thousand and seven, his chair, his empty chair, cashed in back-to-back tournaments for like over fifty thousand. I was in one of those. I made it very deep in one of those. I di- I didn't get his stack, but I but it hurt me because other opponents of mine who who got there late with me got some of his chips. He was a chip leader in one of them and then still finished like deep, deep, deep in the money after not playing for a full day. Uh, this is old. You know, people look that up. It's like, 10 years, it. it's like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2008. And then they hired his backer hired. You know, he had a very bad drug problem. This was, you know, this isn't me gossiping. You know, even he admitted it. And then they hired somebody, his backers. I don't know who his backers were, but after the first day, that he literally was like either a chip leader or, you know, he's, he's you know, 50, 60, 70 handed, whatever it may be for, you know, fucking 600, 700,000. I mean, this was in the heart of the poker boom. You know, this is when the fields were at, you know, the toughest and or, you know, the, the most full. So then after that, you know, like I said, his backers hired somebody literally to you know pick him up, you know, stay outside his hotel. I guess he didn't live in Vegas. And then they still lost like he lost like Vinny lost them somehow. Like he had people watching him, and he ditched his de- like his security detail, and then did it again in another tournament that he had cashed in already. I mean, I don't even know if he's alive. I, he yeah, I don't know. I, in, I haven't in, heard of him in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, now, what? So, what do you gentlemen set the line at right now, May fourth, two thousand and seventeen, for this three hundred dollar? And I did not know that, by the way, about the multiple. That's that's ridiculous, but. I, you know, I thought it would surpass the Colossus in, in terms of the number of entrants, just because it's it, it was it's so cheap. You know, now it even brings in a different crowd, like the crowd that's at Binions and you know the Golden Nugget, or you know, that plays most of the summer at Venetian. I mean, now every kid in a dream can come out here with a thousand dollars, you know, for airfare for a room, you know, at the Gold Coast or somewhere cheap, you know. Budget in. Yeah, but the thing that's going to kill it is the thing that they have to come twice. Well, I, yeah, that's well, I I didn't know that. I, I, that's amazing. How? I, yeah, and I've been a lot of people. I've been a lot of people. I've been a lot of people sign up not even knowing that. So well, that's what, the thing is, such a low buy-in tournament. That's who it's designed to appeal to, right? Like very recreational, 
players that want to say yes. that they entered in a World Series yep. event, you know? And, and, but, I mean, they've done that already with the Colossus, with a $500 tournament. What are we, what, next year it's going to be cheaper than the Sahara? It's going to be a $60 nightly? You know, what are, <laughs> Yeah. Well, not only not only are the buy-ins going down, but just inflation is eating these things away too. Like I, mm. I think the original ten thousand dollar main event, someone did it. Oh. I think it was something like forty two thousand. If they did it these days, oh no, much something more. No, like no, 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 no. It'd be like it'd more be than like, that. No, it'd be like sixty thousand. Mm. Sixty thousand. Okay, gentlemen. I, I think. Have you discussed? I'm sorry. We'll, we'll go back to that in a second. But I just remembered this. I was reading about it the other day. Have you discussed it all yet? Uh, the use this year and the changes that were made using the Bravo system to pre-register or register for WSOP events by credit card. Have you touched on that? Well, well, I didn't hear about the Bravo system last year. They had the credit card thing, and, and it was I, through the Bravo system last year. Well, but and I and I broke the bad news to Jeannie that she was going to be paying fees, or she had paid fees and didn't realize it. Well, yes, but there's been a change this year, and and again, I. I there, there are fees. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like 2%. But what they stated, and, and I do believe them for the most part, is that the fees that they charged were just to reimburse them for the fees that Visa and MasterCard, they do not take American Express, however, charges yeah. them. I guarantee you, know, you that's true. To, it just it, It's a break-even proposition. But as you recall, last year, they the Nevada Gaming Commission put a hard cap of $1,500 on buy-ins, meaning, or I'm sorry, $1,500 or less on buy-ins, meaning you could register a card and you could buy as many deep stack entries as you want, as you have on your, you know, if you have $100,000 on your credit card, you're set for the summer or any of the, you know, $1,500 events, 10,000 events, you know, 500, you know, the Colossus 555 or whatever it was. But this year gaming recently, I think this was three weeks ago, approved Bravo, and I guess in, in by proxy the WSOP to allow customers to charge unlimited tournaments up to ten thousand dollars, meaning that you're not limited to the fifteen hundred. So I wonder, just in terms of you know bankruptcies or I mean I guess it wouldn't be big on you know huge on a grand scale, but just in terms of maybe poker players defaulting now any poker player with any credit can literally come here and play the entire World Series. You can play the main event. You know, you could be a, a broke, you know, kid and, and, you know, figure, hey, I'm going to take my shot. If I don't, you know, hit anything, then I'm just going to pay this off for the rest of my life or whatever. But you literally could charge every event other than you could, whatever. You could already take cash advances in most cases equivalent to that or close to it. Some cards have a cash advance limit and a, a spending advances limit. But, you're paying but when ma- you, I, know a, I know it's a worse, uh, much worse uh Right. Well, but, right. But the other thing is when you do, and I did this, I did this last year for one event because um, I had a, funny enough, I had a total rewards card and I needed to charge a certain amount on it anyhow to uh, get some perk. It was actually just uh, my diamond card. So, you know, I ended up eating the, the well, I think it's like two and a half percent. But when you do charge anything, you know, through Bravo, it's actually counted as a purchase and not a cash advance. So you will get you know, the, like whatever, you know, the 1% back or whatever your card off, offers. It's like the same as going to Best Buy or, you know what I mean? It, yes, it, yes. It's, 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 it's counted it's as a purchase. purchase. Yes. It's not a cash advance. So there's not, there's not you know, compacting interest that starts, you know, accruing daily. So that's different. That's, that's a big thing. You know, a lot of people don't realize if you get a cash advance on your credit card, the interest starts right away and it just continues, you know, literally 24 hours a day on cash advance. And it's terrible. It's the worst thing you can ever do if you need money. 
you know, to, to get a cash. Well, and also you're, pay, you're paying the fee is the problem also because they're they're not charging the merchant that fee; they're charging you that fee right. first. But this is this considered a, like a flat purchase. Yeah. So, but anyhow, so yeah, you can actually, uh, you know, I think this is newsworthy. Maybe next week, you know, you'll talk about it or even maybe put it in the uh, in your little summary of the radio show. But up to ten thousand uh, dollars, you know, you could even charge, like I said, a deep stack for a couple hundred, or you could charge the main event. Um, but that was released. Nevada Gaming approved that about two weeks ago. So I wonder how much use that may get this year. You know, I mean, just think about that. You know, now if you really are cash broke or you're desperate, you know, you'll have a way to still play if if you have decent credit. Mm. You know, yeah, it's interesting. So, gentlemen, what what would you say the line is? I consider know, I, everyone knows about the travel logistics of this tournament. I don't. And one other thing I want to mention: the the day mm. two coincides with. Uh, Day one A of the main event. Mm. That's a stupid day to pick. Well, you know what? Maybe maybe their thinking is most of the people or the or, or the people they're marketing to for such a low buy in tournament probably aren't playing the main event anyhow. Probably, but why even have that clog up yeah. the the room on those days? Why yeah. even have that clog up the real? Forget the room; they could put it in a different room. But why why have it clog up the so, tournament area? That it's such a okay. Dumb well, thing. since since you are mentioning it. What is the exact breakdown? Does it tell you how many players they play to, or what have they actually told you in regards to the formula of this event? The uh, giant. I don't know. I just know that they it's it's a week apart. All the all the day one starting with June 9th. and then they have five days. I, I got the PDF open. <clears throat> okay. Do you, do you want me to tell you what it says on it, Brandon? Yeah, or? sure. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. So. Please. Uh, basically, okay, so day one, uh, starts on 6-9, basically there are, yeah, there are four different starts. Five right? different, five different starts. Five different starts, sorry. You play <laughs> wow. 18 levels down to 10 players, or, sorry, you play 18 levels or down to 10 players, whichever is first, 20 minute breaks every six levels, day two of this tournament is Saturday, July 8th. Wait, wait, wait. By, so, by combining all of the day one flights. So wait, 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 oh, so you're only so you're only talking really then if they get down to ten people, only fifty people coming back. Well, no, it's whichever is first. So it's eighteen right, levels it's or gonna, ten. Yeah. Oh, oh right, I, I, so I didn't know. I didn't know they're going down that far. Okay, I thought. Well, well, well yeah. If they're going down that far, that's going to mean you know, especially if, if they get fifteen thousand people for this event. If you make it, you know, and you say there's even. A hundred people left. You're going to be so far in the money. Everyone would have a serious incentive, yeah, even with a short yeah. stack, to come back. Yeah, there. I agree. It's not like you, you wouldn't be min cashing. In other words, yeah. You know? And they, the annies start at level four in the tournament, so they're getting the the annies in there pretty early too. I think. Sorry, I, how I think fast I, are the blinds going up? If you're, so they're doing eighteen levels in one day. Is that what, is that what you said? That's what it looks like here. Is day it, one, how like ma- eighteen ha- levels ha- in how, one day. How long are the levels? Yeah. Uh, 30 minutes, I would assume. I'm looking. I know I should be able to I find mean, they this. can't be hour-long levels. That'd be a fucking... Oh, level duration. You guys give you great. 20 minutes. Okay. That's lovely. And then they go yeah. uh, on days two and three, they go up to 40 minutes. Oh, boy. Um, so it actually gets longer. Okay, so it's a, it, it really is like a daily tournament, but you're going to get a bracelet for it. I mean, that's really what it is. Every daily tournament, you know... Like the Treasure Island noon tournament with twenty minute levels. I mean, that's what you're playing. And then, and then they, yeah, and then so they get down to ten players, and then and then combine yeah. them all to 50 twenty minute players. levels. And the ante start at the fourth level. 
So this is just the kind of tournament Brandon Cantu wins and just gets out of everything. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely Brandon, Brandon Cantu's whole summer is spent winning the 365, what have you, giant, and then comes back on the radio and he tells you why he can't pay everyone back. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, uh, I, I did hear that. Uh, I listened to that interview. I think I wrote it on the the, the fraud uh, forum. And, you know, this isn't to bash either one of you. I listened to both. I, I tuned in right before Cantu came on, listened to the entire interview. thought it was very, very uh, well done. You, you know, you didn't, uh, you know, you didn't shy away from asking him the hardball questions. And as I kind of knew he would, you know, he didn't give direct answers. But, you know, it, it, was, it is what it, it was what it is. You know, it was a good interview. The other interview I tried to listen and make sense of it and i couldn't it just it was it it, it kind of to me yeah. seemed like a train that was out of control i know you tried to reel them in and did the best you could but i i didn't enjoy it and i, I tried listening I, I tried to understand what he was even saying well, we, but I we had lost. mixed opinions we see the second one there were some people who felt the way you did and then there were others who said they they enjoyed it and they even with him rambling and things like that that they they still like the whole thing, so it was, yeah. it was a mixed opinion on that one. Uh, overall, the Cantu was interview was liked better, but I I thought that might be the case because I, mean, I knew that one would be mu- under much more control. Well, the audio the audio wasn't great, which didn't help. I know that right? was the other um, problem. It was hard to hear him, and then he just seemed like he was going from subject to subject a mile a minute, and it just was very hard. Yeah, but just... at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, and he said that about fifteen <laughs> times. That's the so, name of the that's the name of the episode now. A minute. That's the name yeah. of the ep- the episode know, was called at the end of the day. And I stand by what I, I wrote as clear as day. You know, sometimes you have these conversations with people. And even if something was said 10, 15, 20 years ago, you remember it clearly. And I can tell you, I, the year was 2006 and genocide. had. And there were a couple of things that he said in the interview. And listen, I'm not a friend of his. You know, I've played with him before. I kind of got to know him uh, what was it, like maybe 2009 or 10 because he started playing mixed games. You know, like small, like 20, 40, 40, 80, or, you know, relatively small, right around the same time I was at the Bellagio and also MyCon was. So I spent a lot of time in, in mixed games with him. And of course, he immediately went like from 20, 40, 40, 80 to like the biggest mixed game he could find, you know, like 400, 800. So it wasn't like this was like years of playing with him. But anyhow, I never was friends with him. So, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Um, but I, I clearly remember. Okay, I, I heard his denial, 100% genocide telling me on the phone. This wasn't like a text message, the washing the feet thing. So maybe she meant it in a different way, but that was the way she said it. So I literally thought like, she, you know, she because she was like bitching at me. She's like, he makes this motherfucker makes me wash his feet with like a washcloth. And I, you know, and I just remember thinking that's like the oddest thing, you know. But the, hey, the like I said, thing, man, don't knock it till you tried it, man. The second thing I found kind of odd and. And, you know, I'm not discounting what he's saying because, you know, at the same time, maybe genocide was being dishonest to me. But the way he described their relationship, and I believe he said, like, I dated her for a minute, you know, which implies it was very, very brief. But the way she portrayed it to me was that, she, you know, he was living in this complex, you know, and I won't even go into that whole story, but she, he was living in this apartment complex in Vegas. And she moved out of her parents' home. And this is like a girl in her early 20s, maybe like 22, 23 at the most. Moved out of her parents' home in Delaware to the same exact apartment complex that he lived in. And lived literally like in the same 
I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like not, not in the same unit, but within like make a two minute walk, maybe like the next building over because they weren't ready. I remember her telling me this, they weren't ready. You know, she claimed to live together, you know, but they wanted to be close. And so she moved to his apartment complex, got his own apartment. That doesn't seem like someone. And I think he said they dated for like four weeks. So either he was for some reason denying it, or I don't think he wouldn't remember, or she was dishonest to me from the start. Something just didn't add up with that, you know, because it wasn't, they didn't date for four weeks. I mean, it took her months just to move to Vegas. And I, and I remember, you know, I actually went to her apartment. Her parents were there. They were helping her load boxes. They stayed with her. You know, Genocide's mom stayed with her for, uh, you know, like maybe two, three months because it was, you know, their only child. It was her first time living on her own. And she didn't even know how to, you know, this is funny. She was 20 two or 23 years old she had never done her own laundry before i remember oh her mom showing God. her how to use a washing machine because she'd never <laughs> washed her own clothes i'm not kidding i'm not i mean i'm not i'm not kidding what that, the you know, fuck? that's i mean i was washing my own clothes and i was maybe like 12 11 yeah. you know but uh so that 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 struck me as odd when i listened to him like kind of denying it which i wouldn't understand why he would it wasn't like you know she was an ugly girl or you know there was some something taboo about it but it just seemed very odd like because right. her record you know her recollection and what she told me what i even kind of remember and witnessed myself versus what he said on the radio it, it there were two separate well, stories maybe he in his mind he kind of uh just degraded the relationship in, in what in, in significance over the years and it kind of looks like a short yeah. time to him at this point and, and one other thing i something you probably didn't even know uh when i lived in that same complex later on some things in my apartment were genocide things i think i had a lamp from her did you if, steal if you her know. underwear dress no comment but i i had uh, i think i had a lamp from her and a few other things that uh, uh did she have to like flee very very fast and you were the beneficiary of pretty much the, she, she had to just yeah. leave and she's like oh i i can't yeah, do you want anything? Says so okay. I took I took some things. Yeah. So I, I had uh, genocide, some of genocide's things in my place. Interesting. Um, I can say for the record, I never had anything of genocide's in my place. And, ever. You know, I want to say one more thing about that interview, and this is just my opinion. And again, I I don't have a horse, you know, in, in this race, nor do I even have any inside information. But I call bullshit on his position or his statement that he's owed a million dollars from people. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'll go on record and I'll say it. I don't believe it. I heard his whole little, um, you know, I don't call out poker players that are broke. Listen, you know, the situation that he's in now, if he was owed, you know, a million dollars, he'd be doing everything he could to get it. Well, that's who, that, I mean, who that, would, it just doesn't make I, sense. It doesn't that, make I said, sense. I said that what I said is that if you, if you're taking a lot of heat publicly for owing a lot of money to people, then if you could counter and say, look, I'm not a bad guy. The problem is I got stiffed on a lot of debts, yep, and, here's exactly. who, and here who owes me money. Even if these people couldn't pay, this really improves your standing because then it makes it look like it's these other people's fault who screwed you. And now that almost sounds – I still find problems with it, but it almost sounds okay as to why you owe these other people money. So the, right. the fact that these and are – And he's a very smart guy, and I know he knows if he says – 
hey, listen, you know, I don't want to, you know, be known as a stiff. I don't want to stiff anyone. But this is, you know, by saying that, it basically kind of exonerates him. And he doesn't even have to name names. It really is like the perfect alibi. Right. That, 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 I was saying that. You know what I, was, I, mean? I was saying you, anyone can claim that a lot of money is owed to them unless you name who it is. Uh, then this, right. the claim doesn't mean anything. So I didn't buy it. I don't. I, I think if someone even owed him a fraction of that, and you know, he was in a position that he's in, he would be. I mean, what did he say? He was playing. He was. I mean, imagine that. He said he was losing. He lost like one point five million in a single night in in OFC, and now he's playing two five, no limit. Like that's fucking just. I mean, you want to talk about night and day? Can you imagine that? That you know, if that's even true, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he would lie about, you know, those swings and, you know, what he used to win or lose. But, I mean, can you imagine playing those limits? Now he's saying he's playing 2-5. Like, so what, you can maybe grind $1,000 in a night when you're playing, you know, $1,000 a point? If not, you know what I mean? It just, I don't know. Well, I've seen people go, I've seen that happen. People go down massively in limits sometimes when they they go from, like, really rich to broke. In fact, uh, I even saw uh, the late uh, Eskimo Clark playing uh, 1500 3000 at one point in like 2004 2005 and uh and then he was playing uh, low limits by the end. So. Well, I mean Barry Greenstein playing 2040 limit holdem, I mean that's Yeah, that's pretty far <laughs> down too. Yeah. So but yeah, so I, I, that, that was my point. I, I just I didn't buy it. Well, I, I agree buy, with you. And I I brought that I brought without directly saying. See, the way I conducted this interview, I didn't want to become like confrontational. I don't believe you. You're lying. I I kept it to where I I just asked critical questions, and that no, was one of them I asked. And that's them. and that's good. I mean, your job as an interviewer, you know, in a situation like that, you know, is to not show any bias. You, know, you should ask the questions and not state personal opinion like that. I mean, you know what I mean. You want to. Ask him questions and maybe you know make a statement or two, but you don't want to take like an accusatory stance towards him or no. You handled it fine. I mean, you you did. It was a good interview. It was you know it was a very good interview. I didn't understand why the ratings were that high. I mean, it, it you know it was very well done, but uh, I don't think he was being honest. And again, I don't have any inside information. I don't know you know any of his friends or any you know anything behind it. Just you know just from a logical standpoint. Somebody, you know, and he has a he has a young child, and you know, he was recently or semi recently married. I mean, I don't believe anyone in that situation if they were owed, you know, a million dollars. Wasn't that the number he said? Didn't he say basically a million he was owed? Yes. Yeah. Who's going to keep quiet for that kind of money? That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it it's it's crazy. So uh, right now, he's going to win the giant, or at least final table it. <laughs> Mark my words, you know that will be his whole summer. That's just the kind of tournament he'll do good in. He doesn't do good the whole summer, but then in that, you know, I will say, uh, he, the second, I, I, I think it was the second. If it wasn't the second, it was the first bra- bracelet he won. I remember it distinctly. I'm not even looking at a computer or anything. It was in PLO eight. It was like in a fifteen hundred dollar PLO eight tournament, and he had the biggest lead from like day two to winning it that I've ever seen ever in, in any sort of WSOP term. It was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, he ran so hot, and I guess, you know, played so well. Uh, you know, I'll look it up one of these days, and, and I'll get the numbers. But, I mean, he had, like, <laughs> he was he had literally millions of chips ahead of what, like, you know, second did. And, I mean, it was such a wide gap. And he, you know, even closed it out. I mean, you know, there was never a point where anyone even threatened him. Um, you know, and it, he's a very good 
tournament player. I've played with him. I don't think I've ever played No Limit with him, but I've played other limit games with him, maybe PLO. But the hand that you talked about, where I think you said you had top pair and top kicker, but just one pair and you folded, that's exactly what he does. He puts pressure on people in those spots, people that I I call thinking players. You know, like fish in general, you know, aren't going to fold for the most part. Like it's very hard for them. I shouldn't say they're not going to fold, but it's harder for them to get away from a hand, you know, like top pair, top kicker, like ace king, ace queen. The You know, flop comes relatively dry. But someone like you, who you know, who's more of a thinking player, but he knows that and he thinks he can get those kind of players to fold. I mean, does that even kind of make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. However, he did make a mistake after, as I said, what bothered me after folding the king ten to him was a few, like two hands later. What is that? I'm sorry. It, it's a weather report. Sorry. <laughs> a few hands later, he, he tried to bluff like an, an old old man tight rock who was, who was never going to lay anything down. Uh, the, that the flop was all low. He check raised all in, and the guy just snap called him with queens. And 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 Cantu had no pair, no draw, and it just ran out. And, and he ch- he shot off a lot of chips on it. And so I thought, crap! Yeah. Like well, like so he did it to a lot of people. Um, he was also like. I think either he or the old man was new to the table. I think it was the old man who was new. Whatever it was, I don't think he had that much information on the older older guy. But I, the, the recreational player type, I'm never going to do that to. Uh, I don't do that that often anyway. But if I were to do it, I wouldn't. I I, I would pick someone that I would think could lay it, and I would never do it to someone who I think is a recreational player who can't like. Right, but he, what I'm saying is he viewed you as a thinking player that he knew he he could get. No, I know that, but then he spot. did it. To, then he did it to that older guy who who, who could right. lay it down and, and was smart and actually yeah. made a correct call. So. Uh, and, and it's possible he really had a hand on that. You, you never know with him. That's why I was saying he can be an aggravating player to play against because you're you're yeah. going to have these spots where you've you've got some like king ten top pair on the turn, and he goes all in, and you you feel funny putting in a huge stack with with just top pair king kicker in no limit uh, against. But then you also know that he could be doing it with air, so it's hard to lay down. It's it's very it's it's, it's tough to deal with that with him. He just does it with no fear. Where if he's running hot, then you just get destroyed because. It, it gets to be hard to lay down to him. Of course. So, yeah. so what uh, what do you boys think? Well, there's no boys. Well, there's a boy. Uh, well, gentlemen, guys. No, boys. no, I'm saying no. There's no Calwad anymore. We lost him. He doesn't even say goodbye. He he says goodbye in, in a message oh. on the chat. It's kind of rude. What about our trader Ruski? I know he's playing some I'm video. So oh up. wow! There's my buddy. Trader Ruski, how many four of a kinds have you hit? And yeah, I was out uh, walking around uh, Fremont Street. So. Oh, well, was, well, you just kind of gave up some info there, buddy. <laughs> I know. It just came out of my mouth. So. <laughs> okay, well, now that you're, I know you're with us. So what, what, knowing that this isn't just like a you know fly into Vegas for a weekend kind of tournament, what numbers would you both predict for the big or the lowest buy-in live WSOP tournament ever? That's about to take place. And this is including the, the rebuys that it counts as that. Well, right. That's entries. what they did last year with the Colossus. They yeah. didn't give you a unique number. They just gave you a total number of entrants counting multiple entries. Uh, and with five different uh, starting, I, I say... 20,000? I was going to say 28,000. Mm. So that's that's your over under 28,000 or yes. so? yeah. Trader Ruski? I take the end. Because I just think timing when it is. 
it's like it's the after the World Series. It's in the beginning of July. No, 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 no. Him. He's saying it's after the World Series, the beginning of July. But it isn't. The, the, the day ones, where you get down to the final ten of each day one, uh, those are every week starting from June 9th. So the, the good thing there for them oh, is, that, really? is that every everybody the has it. Ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous, but at least if you have to come back on July eighth, you're down to the final fifty or so. I, I wonder what this is because it's not like there's going to be some mainstream media buildup, you know, like there is for the November nine or, or any other delayed kind of tournament. And since it's going so fast and they're playing down to fifty. I mean, is it just a capacity issue? Yeah, I think that they just I, don't have enough room right, to get I, everyone in and out of there for like yes, six days. I think because like if you look at the Colossus, that that becomes such a mess that actually all of Vegas becomes very expensive to get hotels. Like it, shithole hotels start costing three hundred dollars a night that weekend because everybody's there, there in town for the Colossus. It actually really affects Vegas. So I think they've realized that uh, for something like this, rather than shoehorning everybody into one weekend. Where, where people are going to start going, I'm not going to pay $300 a night to play a $300 tournament. This way, it's over five different weeks, and whenever people can find is the best time to travel to play it, they can pick that weekend, and then they only have to come back if they've gotten really deep. So it's actually you know, relatively smart that they did this. You know, if they were... You could probably answer this question as good as anybody. If they were going to use another CET property, not the Rio... To host just one massive tournament, okay? Are you something to the, like this, for instance? Hold on. Are you, like are you going to the co-op? bathroom? It sounds like you're going to the bathroom. No, I'm hearing like like a. It sounds like peeing in the background. Not me. <laughs> Trader Risky, are you peeing? I've been on mute. No, it sounds like a, from you. I'm hearing like maybe maybe Kawas wetting his bed. <laughs> It sounds like someone's ping. Yes, it sounded like someone's. Ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. So, what would be what would be the CET property that was best fitted to host? You know, say that basically, say they wanted to run this tournament, but get it done. Meaning, you know, they don't want people coming back, and they wanted to do this in like a week, but they wanted to branch it out away from the Rio. What tournament? What? property if any could handle that it would have to be caesars and caesars i think the biggest problem they would have is the parking but it's, but they do have the room they have a lot of conference rooms that they could use they just the problem would be the parking and uh but do you think that would be a bad idea but just for like one of these gimmick tournaments that just takes a lot of space but you know kind of people bust relatively fast and it's not like it you know would you think it would make sense? I, I've suggested it, this before that that they could uh, start running things in other properties like, like Caesars, uh, and uh, that could be a way to either add events for the World Series or or increase capacity. And uh, I, I don't think they're going to do it, but I, I think that's that is a possibility of something they could do. Because if you, if you look at it, there's there actually is a lot more they could do. That I think there would be enough interest to play even more. They have like 71 tournaments now. I think they could add even more and get... I think it really is just more of a space issue at this point that uh, if they could just uh, run simultaneously at other properties, other events, then I I think they could get even more events in and make even more money. But they they seem to just not want to bother because probably they have all the logistics set up at the Rio. 
I think they don't want to have to start with a different property and getting all that in place. So. Right. But I'm just saying from a logistical standpoint, because it obviously seems like these, you know, I call them gimmick tournaments, but, you know, the, these gimmick tournaments aren't going to go away anytime soon. You know, I mean, they've been fine, like the the Colossus last year, or the Goliath or whatever, you know, the different names are, they've all been enormous successes. I just wonder if it would be more viable to run one of those massive tournaments just at another property, but just that, you know, those kind of tournaments, not, you know, anything daily, not any of the, you know, tournaments that are normally, you know, at the Rio. But uh, anyhow, it, it will be interesting. I wonder with that scheduling in mind, how many people that will dissuade from or dismay from playing it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, how like how much it might affect the numbers? Would you play it? You know, I I don't like playing any of those because of uh, well, th- you know, this one actually I'll say this. Well, that's th- what I'm saying because it's only one day. So that's what I'm saying. You're, either it- you're giving up a day and you're going to be back, or you're done in a couple right. hours. Okay, and so no so harm, no foul. I, I didn't really realize this until today when I was looking at it, but. Uh, there's a good and bad to it. The good, the good, of course, is that yeah, you only invest one day in it, and this isn't one of these things where you play for four days and then make some kind of fail cash and think, "Wow, I wasted my time." Uh, th- that's the good thing here is you're either going to cash something pretty big by coming back at a day two of the final fifty, or or invest right. no more than one day. The bad thing is that it, it's such a, a quick structure that it really is kind of. Uh, a lottery in some ways that uh, well, they're all lotteries. No, but this, but this is especially but this is especially one where you're just uh, it, it's going to become so much dependent on getting cards that well, they all are that you're going to be. But this one really is. I mean, that, when they're that fast, I mean, yes, there will be people who don't play it right because it's too fast and they don't understand how to play a faster structure, and, and people who don't understand how you how you deal with stacks when you know when your stack gets small compared to the the blinds of right. of, of of when to push and when so there'd be people making those mistakes and they can take advantage of those. But, but I mean, if you're if you're in Vegas and you have it, you know, an extra day or say you bust something that you're playing around that time, why wouldn't you jump in it if you know if you just survive that one day? It's, po- it's possible. Be, I, I'm not saying yeah. I would shut it out and say yeah. there's no chance. I, that, it, there it, there is some appeal to the fact that there the reason I don't usually play anymore any of these. Uh, like I wouldn't play the Colossus again, is because you'd have to play so long, and, and get so lucky to make some good money at it. I, I wouldn't want to play for days and days and days and get a deep, but still not very significant cash and have spent all and that time. And then you could sell three dollar pieces <laughs> yeah. on tasty steaks. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah. so that's why I wouldn't play that again. But uh, but there's something like this where yeah you're either gonna get super deep or just be done in one day. That that does have some well, appeal. I I'll be honest to you, me as well. I didn't. I never took the time to investigate this until you know it got brought up tonight. I had no inclination whatsoever to play it, but now knowing that you literally have to you know just survive 10, 12 hours, whatever it may be, eighteen levels at twenty. What is that? That's not even that's six hours, <laughs> right? Yeah. If it's eighteen levels, that's six hours. So you literally you get there at noon. You know, with the breaks, you have to have to last till eight o'clock. Which, granted, it's, you know, it's going to be very hard. You know, for 300 and change, what the hell? You know, I think I may, I may play it. Why not? You know, it's not a big investment of your time or, or money. Yeah, well, uh, I will it, – It's let's see if it matches anything with my uh, schedule. So we've got the 9th, the 16th, the 23rd, the 30th, uh, and, and the 7th. The, the only 
one that uh, that could really work for me. Actually, I don't think any of them can. You know, I don't think any of them can. How many times are you coming out of here? Your normal three times? Three times, but believe it or not, I'm not going to. It's going to conflict with events I'm playing on those same days. So that's hmm. the problem. Is that you already got your room booked at the Rio? I've got rooms at the Rio and elsewhere. I have uh, various rooms booked, and uh, I have the whole thing. Are you staying at the secret location we stayed at last year? I'll tell you later where I am. But uh, but I'll, I'll okay. be. I I actually have. I didn't have to rely upon anybody else this year to assist me with getting some rooms, which is good. So I I have my. So you're own saying rooms. we won't be roommates again? No, no, we 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 don't be roommates. But uh, I. I did get everything myself, and everything's all booked and all set. The only way it's not all set is if I make it deep in the main event. Not even that deep, but moderately deep. Then I will have nowhere to go, but I'll deal with that at the time. Hmm. But uh, everything else is booked, and it's all ready. But, yeah, the problem is, like, so they have – I won't be there for June 9th. June 16th I will be there, but I am playing an event. June 23rd I won't be there. June 30th I will be there, but I'll be playing an event. And uh, July 7th, I I won't be there yet. I'll be one day away from being there. So, uh, and how many tournaments are you playing? Uh, there, there's, fewer, there's fewer on the schedule this year than, than usual. There's only uh, nine on the schedule, including the main event. And there's some mm. I may miss because of uh, conflicting tournaments, where if I make a day two or something, I miss the next one. So this this may be the fewest events I enter since 2005. And why is that? Just because of the way the schedule is? Yes, the schedule was or? no. The schedule was terrible. They they for me it was it was and I think they made a mistake. And I've talked about this before. I thought that they some of these high profile events that a lot of people are going to want to play, like the Millionaire Maker and the uh, the Monster Stack and 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 the the Bounty event. Uh, a lot of these. Ones that are that are fairly big, either big or really big events, they schedule too close to semi-popular niche events. Like they should, what they should do with those events that are going to get a lot of people, the ones that are can be popular, like the Monster Stack or the or the Millionaire Maker. Okay, they should make sure that the events that are scheduled right after that or right before it, are ones that are really not going to have that many people playing, like like uh, you know, the, the 10K deuce to 7, uh, you know, things like that, that are not going to take away many people. or And in fact, many cases wouldn't even want to play the Monster Stack if they're playing the 10K deuce to 7. So, But but they didn't. They had things like the 1500 Limit Hold'em interfering with it. Like That's, that's what I was talking about. Like the, the even though 1500 Limit Hold'em is not a, a huge field event, it's also not a tiny niche event either. It's kind of a medium-sized event. And they shouldn't have something like that conflicting with one of the big no-limit events. But it does. And, and that's my problem. Is there's, there, and, and they can do it because last year, last year I thought it was scheduled well. Last year I played all those things because there was time. This year, they're all conflicting. And some of it was bad luck. If some of it was just that the, the way it was scheduled and the ones I wanted to play happened to run into each other, but the, they also just shouldn't have done it that way. They also should have taken more care in popular events that there's really not very much around them that people are going to want to play. So that's 
that that's some of the problem. Uh, so like here's an example: the extended play no limit, which is called the marathon this year. That's on the same day as the fifteen hundred no limit. So well, they shouldn't do that. They, then uh, let's see the next the next thing that's uh, like the million. I think the millionaire maker also the millionaire maker. Where is it? The millionaire maker is. Yeah, that again interferes with the 1500 limit hold'em because uh, day two is on the same day as the 1500 limit hold'em. So, like, why do that? They didn't do that last year. So, are, are you going to play that one that uh, 1500 uh, Omaha eight uh, or better mix the the PLO eight? Yeah. yeah, I'm going to play it too. That will be interesting. Well, you've been you've been playing uh, Omaha Eight or better online, I assume, the last year or so, haven't you? Yep. I'm How's ready. that going? I, I haven't played that recently, but I but I've played uh, I played a lot of it. So I. Uh, I mean, are you feeling more confident? With your oh yeah, game, yeah. Obviously, than you were a year ago. Yeah, I'm ready. Good. Well, you'll see. How was your first uh, ever Omaha tournament last year? Your yeah, first ever Omaha tournament was a World Series event. There, there, and there were actually a lot of. Uh, Crap players at the table. Of course they were. <laughs> so I, it's not like I sat there at that tournament and thought, "Oh wow, this is my first uh, Omaha tournament." Uh, you know, I feel outmatched yeah. here. No, there's a lot of people who who sucked at the table. I saw at your table; there were two, and they kept screwing you. Yeah, I, I didn't get bad beats so much. I was just getting. Uh, I, I remember I took terrible beats. I there were but three or four massive pots pretty early that I had either half the pot locked up three quarters or even the whole pot on the turn. And, and that's, it's hard to win when you get counterfeited constantly, constantly in that game where the board pairs constantly on the river and you have, you know, yeah, I, I watched, I watched, flush. I even watched one of your hands went down yeah. there. So yeah, I, I just kept missing everything. I just, I just was missing pretty much every flop. So that was the end of me. Yeah. So uh, in that game, if you're just missing every flop, you're dead. So, yeah, Anyway, yeah. um, I'm looking forward to the World Series. I, I do, you know, again, to my one disappointment was that uh, some of the events I liked playing. Like, I, I really enjoyed that Bounty No Limit event last year, and I cashed in it, but can't do it this year. So, hmm. Well, uh, what, do you, what do you think of uh, Hillary Clinton? Did you see that little... You know what? I didn't. I did? heard about it. I, I've been really, really busy the last uh, 48 hours. I had a friend that, a friend of Florida that came into town and he left today and I was spending a bunch of time with him. But he told me, I guess it was two days ago, that uh, this is what he said. This is all he said. And I, I haven't even read the news. And I try to make it a point every day just to spend at least an hour reading on, you know, reading up on the news, you know, world worldwide events, local events, uh, et cetera. But anyhow, he said that she confessed to being dishonest in regards to the email server, uh, you know, incident at her house, and and but I don't know the extent of what else was that. That was how he paraphrased it. But please enlighten me. Well, Tell me what here, I missed. You, you you can listen to this part. Listen to this. Oh, hold on, I got to turn it on. Well, but do you believe it exists here still? And do you think? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, You've just spoken eloquently about the sexism, mi- misogyny, and inequity around the world. 
but do you believe it exists here still? And do you think... (laughs) What's so funny about that? Do you think... Were you a victim of misogyny? And why do you think you lost the majority of the white female vote? The security moms, the people who want to be protected from the kinds of challenges you're talking about right, right now. Right. Well, you know, that, the book's coming out in the fall. Um, but we're just, to, just, to give you, just to give you a tiny little preview, uh, yes, I do think it played a role. I think other things did as well. Every day that goes by, we learn more about uh, some of the... Uh, unprecedented interference, including from a foreign power whose leader uh, is not a member of my fan club. And so I think it is, a, it is real. It is uh, very much a part of the um, landscape politically and socially and economically. Um, you know, an example that has nothing to do with me personally is this whole question of equal pay. You know, we just had Equal Pay Day in April, which is how long women have to work past the first of the year to make the equivalent of what men make the prior year in comparable uh, professions. And we know it's a problem in our country. It's not something that exists somewhere far away. It exists right here. And it's really troubling to me that we are still grappling with how to deal in a an economy uh, to ensure that people who do the work that is expected of them get paid fairly and equally. So, yes, there are many, many uh, representations of that, many kinds of uh, examples of that. Uh, And yes, it was a role in this election, and I will have uh, a lot to say about it. And Yeah, I've always hated when she claims that misogyny had a role in the election. That was... If, if it had any role, it was a tiny role. The truth was that uh, people just didn't like her for so many valid reasons. And uh, and then she's, well, it's because I'm a woman. That's not why. There were so many reasons why people didn't like her, mainly because she was dishonest. Uh, but, but also even with, you know, in her own party with the cheating of Bernie Sanders and uh, you know, the things that came out when they, uh, the WikiLeaks occurred and uh, of course the email scandal which she was uh do you think that this could be the beginning of a very slow methodical process of her trying to repair her reputation for 2020 it could be because she's uh, she's so delusional about uh, i mean could she really think she's going to run at what set what would she be 75 76 no, how she old would, would she, she be no she wouldn't be that in 2020 she would be uh in four years no, she'd be like seventy-three, but still, she—I uh, I don't think she's going to do. It. And also, if she already lost once, and I, I don't think her party would want to nominate her again. She already blew it the first time. She 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 had her time. She blew it, and uh, even if Donald Trump is seen as vulnerable, I don't think they want to put back up the same person who he beat in the first place. <laughs> so I yeah. think they're going to want to bring up somebody who they think uh, will. And this is if Donald Trump even runs again. There's even a chance he'll just be done with. Being president in four years, he may not. I can see that. I can see him saying, "I've had enough. I've fixed America. I'm out of here." Yeah, he's he'll he'll be 74 then too, so he's he's not going to be a youngster either. So he he could be done. Whatever it is, I don't. She may be delusional enough to think, "Okay, I'm going to get a different shot. I'm going to get a second shot. Maybe people don't like Trump. They're going to want to. You know, they'll feel they made a mistake. They'll want to let me win." She doesn't understand that. Uh, Aside from this, uh, these cackling women in the audience who who like her, that, that that most of America. 
is done with her. Is, is done with her. She she and and she she just is, is delusional. I'll, I'll play you another clip in a second. How delusional she is about why she lost here. Let, let me finish this one. I sure. think that it is something that um, whatever your political party, whatever your particular uh, ideological bent, you have a stake as a woman and a man, to go back to your very first comment, uh, in ensuring that the promise of equality that we hold out and the efforts that so many women and men have made over the decades to secure it uh, don't go backwards. And I think... I've heard enough of this one. But I I wanted to talk again. I I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before, but about the whole thing about the equal pay. That's always bugged me, too. Here's the problem. Um... Pay is not something that is mandated. Pay is something that's it's kind of very private between between each individual and their employer. And there's a lot of factors that go into it, including how much the individual takes up for themselves in getting raises or in getting a higher salary in the first place. Uh, there are many factors that go into what, what you're going to be paid. And there's many times that people with the same level of experience get paid vastly different amounts for the same job at the same position and everything just because of factors going in sometimes factors that are under the control like of uh, you know better negotiation for for salary and uh, other times it's factors that are beyond their control such as the state of the economy i had i had an experience which of course has nothing to do with sexism in, in the mid 90s yeah uh, you probably don't remember this because you're a little younger than me but in or maybe you do but in in the mid 90s sorry the early 90s there was a recession that especially hit the tech industry very hard and the i remember that was also a lot of reason why george bush lost real or lost his re-election yeah but yeah, yeah I, I remember that yeah and, and it was especially hitting the tech industry hard so tech jobs were hard to come by in the early 90s like early to mid 90s unemployment oh, unemployment had skyrocketed i yeah. remember very well but i'm even I was talking in high school but i remember yeah it. i'm talking about specifically my industry though which was especially hard so it was hard to get jobs and, and the ones you got they, they weren't paying that well so so when i got out of college i had a little hard time finding a job and uh, when i got one i i got a salary that wasn't that great it wasn't horrible but it wasn't that great and I was just happy to have a job, and I was happy it was better paying than some of the other places that were offering me laughable starting salaries. You know, they were like they were sensing desperation and trying to take advantage, and I said no. So I worked there, and this is a very large company, by the way. This wasn't some like small employer trying to be cheap. So I, I was working there for um, two years, and in those two years, between '95 and '97. Everything vastly improved, mainly because this is the beginning of the dot-com boom. So by the time uh, two two years came, it was, it was late 97, mid to late 97, things were very different, and all of a sudden there were tons of jobs out there in, in tech. And the salaries started to go up too. However, since I already had a job at this place, they didn't rocket my salary up. It, it went up... Uh, you know, better than it would have, would have in previous years. But uh, I figured out that the new hires they were bringing in right out of college with no experience. And keep in mind, I, I had two years experience at this point and a master's degree. And uh, people they were bringing in with a bachelor's degree and no experience were getting paid more than I was simply because they were coming in when it was a more competitive job market. So I was already there, so they didn't have to raise my salary up that much. 
the newer people, they had to give them a competitive salary or else they wouldn't come in the first place. So I, I, I figured this out and I brought this to their attention. And I said, this isn't acceptable. Yeah. I, and, and they tried to give me all these excuses. Well, you know, this is the way the job market temporarily is. We have to, you know, we have to attract people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, your raises come from a raise pool. It's a different budget. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the original starting salary that comes from a different pool and blah, 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 a bunch of bureaucratic corporate speak they're hitting me with that even at age 25, I, I saw through and, and said, look, I understand all this, but you've got to fix it in some way. You can't have someone who's been here for two years getting paid less than the new hires right out of school just because of the conditions that you're hiring them under. I understand why you paid me lower in the first place. That I'm fine with. But but now that we're now that we're in 97, now that people are making more money, you've got to pay me more money too. You can't say, well, you're already here, so we're going to pay you less than the new people. It made no sense. So um, why am I bringing this up? And, and by the way, the eventual uh, result was me leaving. They, they stalled, 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 told me, oh, we'll fix it, we'll fix it, we'll fix it. Stalled me until some important work got done and then, then told me, uh, sorry, we can't do anything for you. Because at that point, they didn't care as much if I stayed because I didn't have, my role wasn't as essential anymore. But yet, you know, like when I first brought it up, had they said no, I would have just gotten and been left, they would have been screwed because I was doing something very important there. But anyway, ignoring all that, uh, and I was a little naive at the time. I should have gotten in writing when they said they're going to do something for me instead of just believing them. But you know, I, I was my—I was 25 years old. I was uh, not as wise about those matters now as I would be now. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing this story up from 20 years ago is that had I stayed, I would have been paid less for the same work or, or more work or higher level work than grads right out of college who came in two years after me. I would have been paid less than them. Why? Would it have been sexism or racism or anti-Semitism? Or, no. It would have just been the, the, the market forces that allowed this, this situation to occur. And especially if I hadn't said anything about it, it would have occurred. In fact, uh, you know, had I not been paying attention, I may not have known it was happening. So the, the reason I'm bringing this up is that a lot of times I've noticed from women I've known, and this is just anecdotal, but a lot of women I've known uh, feel funny talking about money. They they feel. I think it has to do with the fact that women, just in general, are, are less aggressive than men are. And there's exceptions to this, of course, but in general, they're less aggressive than men are. And I, I think women don't. A lot of them don't feel as comfortable going to their boss and you know, demanding a higher salary, going through a hardball negotiation process, and they, they they kind of just feel funny about it. And I think a lot of them just don't say anything, and therefore they're given kind of minimal raises, or when they first show up, they're not given as high of a salary as they could have negotiated. And I think that is the biggest factor here as to why there may be a a pay differential for the same job, same experience level between men and women. Is that I think maybe the men are negotiating the salaries and the raises better or being more aggressive about demanding it than the women are. And and if that's what's going on, that's fine. Because each person, each individual, it's up to, unless there is some sort of attempt by companies specifically to say, we're not going to pay the women as much. Just because they're a female, we're not going to pay them as much. If they find that's going on, then that then that's some uh, discrimination. Then there can be something done about it. But I don't think that's what's happening. Because they're talking about this happening on a grand scale, on a global scale. Or at least on a scale, of, you know, not global, but, uh, you know, it's on a, a national scale. 
And I, I don't believe that all the companies are getting together saying we're all going to screw women here. The companies just want to have the best people and pay them to keep them. But they also don't want to pay more than they have to keep. If someone, if they can get away paying someone uh, seventy thousand uh, instead of uh, ninety thousand, and the person will will stay for seventy thousand and do the same job they do for ninety thousand, they'd rather pay him seventy thousand. Why wouldn't they? So a company always wants to pay as little as possible to keep the employee happy, and not a penny more than that. So it's a balancing act. They they don't overpay, but they don't want to underpay and, and drive them away. But but they want to pay the minimum to keep that employee happy. And, and they can tell they you know hiring supervisors uh, or, or you know not hiring just hiring supervisors but all the supervisors at these companies all the managers and supervisors they they are tasked with the job to figure out how much to pay each employee and 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 you know how much to give them in raise and what they'll be satisfied with and if they feel someone is going to be okay with a certain pay level or not raise an issue then that's what they're going to give them so I, I think it's very dangerous to be mandating that a company has to give more money to women uh, just because they're women. I, I don't think anybody should be guaranteed the same pay as somebody else at the job. There could be many facts. Or, or maybe they're giving better pay to someone because they're just a better employee. They want to keep them more. They, they're more valuable to the company. It should be up to each company, unless there's some sort of real discrimination involved. It should always be up to the company to decide what each employee is worth. And if the employee doesn't negotiate well, then tough luck on them. That, that's part of getting paid. And there should not be... It bothers me that it sounds like a lot of people on the left want it mandated in some way what each person gets paid for the jobs. And uh, this is different than like minimum wage. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like uh, professional jobs that people like Hillary Clinton seem to be advocating some sort of system where companies would be forced to pay you know, employees the same for the same job. They They shouldn't be. It should be between each employee and, each, and employer what they're going to pay. So that's, that's uh, always bothered me. But l- listen to this about from Hillary Clinton. Uh, Brandon, I think you'll, be, you'll find this most interesting okay. about, about the loss. Uh, I just always wanted to get that out here on the show about the thing with the equal pay. It's always, always bugged me, especially as I, I, as I said, I, ha- I had my own work experience situations where I would have been paid less if I didn't speak up. And I thought about, hey, some people would not have spoken up in my position and gotten paid less. So, you know, may- maybe that's what a lot of the women do. But let let me go on here to play this. This is why she says she lost. It wasn't a perfect campaign. There is no such thing. Um, But I was on the way to winning until the combination of Jim Comey's letter on October 28th and Russian WikiLeaks raised doubts in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me but got scared off. And the evidence for that intervening uh, event is, I think, um, compelling, persuasive. Uh, And so we overcame a lot in the campaign. We overcame an enormous uh, uh, barrage of negativity, of false equivalency, and so much else. Um, But as Nate Silver, who, you know, doesn't work for me, he's an independent uh, analyst, but one considered to be uh, very reliable, you know, has concluded you know, if the election been on October 27th, I'd be your president. And it wasn't. It was on October 28th. And- what? The election was October 28th? She doesn't even remember. The- I'm, su- I'm surprised she doesn't remember the day that the election was because that was the worst day of her life. It was probably a slip yeah. of the tongue. But uh, what she's trying to say there is if the election was on October 27th when she was at her peak right before the election, she would have won. And Nate Silver is backing that. Uh, but, but October 28th and after 
then she suddenly lost popularity and uh, thanks to James Comey's letter and, and the WikiLeaks thing, and uh, she's saying that was unfair. Well, what what bothers me so much about this WikiLeaks thing, if the Russians put out like fake news about her that uh, or planted something that falsely accused her of certain actions that she did not commit. And by the time people realized it was BS, the election was already over. I would understand her point. I would understand what she'd mean by interference. That that would be true interference. Even if they didn't actually manipulate votes, if they if they put out some kind of fake news or manipulated something to falsely accuse her of something in the final week of the election, and then that caused it to go to Trump, I would understand her objection here. But all that happened is that information of, of her people, like John Podesta, acting shady and cheating came out and people got to see it. They didn't deny. She has never denied that any of the things in the WikiLeaks were true. She's never said this is false. They put out fake things. But no, she, it was all true and she's not denying that it was true. So she's just saying, well, I wish you hadn't seen how shady I was. I wish you didn't see proof of this right before the election. Then I would have won. What the hell? What, what does that mean? How, how can she claim that? I, she can claim, well, you know, the Russians, they had no business doing this. You know, they did this on purpose to help Trump. Okay, that, I believe that. But uh, the bottom line is the responsibility lands with you and your people that you did these things in the first place to be exposed. You, you can never complain that bad things have happened to you because someone exposed things you have done. And that's what she's doing. That's what I, I always thought was the weirdest excuse of – Wow, if you just hadn't seen what we were really doing, I would have won the election. Huh? But that is, that, that's what she's saying here. What, what do you think here about, about that? No, I, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, uh, I think she's delusional. I, I, <laughs> I, and, and you, can't even say, you can't even say, oh, if it was just on this day. Well, anyone could pick a day that they're doing, but you could say that at any time. If I just quit playing poker at... Uh, right. At, at 3 a.m. instead of 6 a.m., I would have had a monster session instead of lost. Well, okay, but that's not when you quit. <laughs> if, uh, you can say this about anything. If if I just stopped at this time or if this happened at this time instead of this other time, then uh, it would have all been different. But it wasn't. That's the, the election was not on October 28th. It wasn't on October 27th. It was, it was I think, November 3rd, whatever the date was. And... You know that's uh, you can't just pick an arbitrary date when when you felt you were doing better or when Nate Silver said you were doing better, especially if if the one of the causes was an expose of, of things you were really doing. And and she she is delusional. She doesn't understand. She did so many shady things in her life, especially even leading up to the election, even the things she did to Bernie Sanders, which were pointless because she was going to beat him anyway. Uh, so many things added up here that everyone was so disgusted and her campaign made a huge mistake not going into Wisconsin at all, which she lost, surprisingly. Barely going to Michigan, which she lost, surprisingly. Uh, she also barely went to Minnesota, which they won, but barely, which was really surprising that they uh, it was that close right. there. Uh, so while she pulled off Minnesota to lose Wisconsin and Michigan, she just didn't go there. And I actually read an interesting report that I, I had just thought they made it uh, just a tactical error, just thinking they had it so wrapped up they didn't have to go to these places. 
I read that that wasn't true. I read that it was a conscious decision not to go to these places because she was having such a hard time relating to the blue-collar whites in these states that it was decided, and of course, uh, it was, that this was a bad decision on their part, but that it was decided that her appearing there would just make her look even worse, that if she went there, she'd even seem less appealing to those voters. So they decided just to kind of keep her away and uh, not shake it up even more, which which turned out to be a horrible mistake. But uh, that that's interesting that they thought she was so out of touch with the needs of those voters and with, with uh, the mood of yeah. those voters that she they couldn't even trust her to campaign there without alienating them further, which is crazy. So, uh, but that's and here there's a little more to this clip. And there was just a lot of funny business going on around that. And ask yourself this: within an hour or two of the Hollywood Access tape being made public, the Russian theft of John Podesta's emails hit WikiLeaks. What a coincidence. Okay, well, it's interesting you bring those two up and match them together because the the Access Hollywood tape, that was from 2005. Uh, How did that suddenly become unearthed in 2016 in October? Was was that a coincidence? Did someone just... uh, stumble upon it in their basement. This was released at a time that was determined would be uh, most damaging to Donald Trump. And this was unearthed by somebody who wanted to harm Donald Trump. Now, he really said these things. He he said these things, of course, many years before he was running for president. He just thought he was uh, a businessman and didn't have to watch every move he was making. But, But still, he really said these things. But still, this someone went and found this maybe who had remembered it or whatever, uh, they, they went and found this, and this was released to hurt Donald Trump. Someone who didn't like Donald Trump, or liked Hillary Clinton, or both, dug up this tape and released it in order to harm him. This wasn't just something that happened to come out. Just like the Russians with uh, hacking the DNC's email and releasing things that she and her people had really done did this to harm her so it was very similar say it happened on both sides one was the russians and one was domestic but it it was actually quite similar so what's the problem so okay something bad comes out about donald trump that he had done and said in 2005 and a few hours later then uh documents come out about uh what you've been doing hillary clinton (laughs) sounds fair to me i don't see the problem So, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. So, did we make mistakes? Of course we did. Did I make mistakes? Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, you'll read my confession and my my request for absolution. But the reason why I believe we lost were the intervening events in the last 10 days. And I think you can see I was leading in the early vote. I had a very strong... And not just our polling and, and data analysis, but a very strong um, assessment going on across the country about where I was uh, in terms of you know the necessary both votes and electoral votes. Hmm. Doesn't understand still. Very delusional. 
you know, she can't, she can't blame herself. She just can't, she, she, she tries to say, oh, yeah, we made some mistakes. I made some mistakes. You'll see my confession. Then she makes some sarcastic comments about her, uh, uh, getting absolution. But she, she's finding someone else to blame her loss on other than her and her people. It's, uh, the Russians, it's James Comey. It's not, not, not any of the stuff she did that made people not trust her. And not not a stupid campaign that pretty much focused upon appealing to people that were already going to vote for her, and one that made no effort to appeal to those who were kind of on the fence. And something else that's not getting as much play right now, which I think should be, since people are discussing why she lost again, is that this whole thing about the deplorables, I couldn't believe when she said that. I, th- I thought that maybe it was being taken out of context or... No, it, 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 she really called a large group of voters, who, many of whom she was trying to, you know, who were swing voters that she was trying to convince to vote for her, deplorables, which is amazing. How do you insult the voters? How do you insult any segment of the voters? That's crazy. Yeah. So what, what could ever be gained from that? But but all she did was appeal, again, appeal to those that looked down on these people as ones she called deplorables. The people who laughed at that and, and thought, uh, oh, yeah, that's so true, th- th- they were going to vote for her anyway. These people were never going to vote for Trump, the ones that, that, that liked that comment. But all this did was, number one, energize the people who were thinking of voting for Trump but weren't sure if they're going to go bother to do it. And, and number two, it uh, it... it put off the people who thought she may have been talking about them that say, okay, well, she hates us. I'm not voting for her. So that, that was a novice mistake. How do you do that? So the, it was things like that. Just a lot of boneheaded mistakes in this campaign. And she's, but she's still focusing on the Russians. It's crazy. She just, she doesn't understand. So I've, I've also never seen in any election where the candidate is such a sore loser afterwards that they were, they just go on and on after the election about how much they got screwed. Even, even Al Gore, who was accused of being a sore loser in 2000, yeah. didn't do this. You, you didn't see Al Gore. As soon as, as, soon as they, uh, ended it and, you know, I, I, you know, dropped the appeal and it just, you know, he conceded that was it. You never heard him complain another time. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say he was a sore loser at all. I mean, listen, he was pretty gracious considering, you know, it's basically factual that he got screwed. He should have won that election. You know, so he got screwed in a way. It was. It was. Listen, they weren't whatever hundred thousand fucking Jews in West Palm Beach that voted for Pat Buchanan. No, I know. I, I know. The the, I know. I, in that in that way, he got screwed with the Pat Buchanan thing. The only problem yeah. is there's really no way to fix it because you can't just go back and say, okay, well, what did they mean to do? You can't do no, that. No, I know the voter. It's the whole thing about voter intent, right? Exactly. But but yeah, if I, yes, if they printed the ballot uh, and it wasn't confusing, then he probably would have won Florida, won the election. So in that way, in that way, he did get screwed. Uh, there's some that contend that even with that, that if you ignore that factor, that he still got cheated out of the election. That there's been studies on that. That's just not true. He, he really he really did lose as according to the votes cast, but uh, he. he would have won if, if yeah, is my opinion. I'm not. There's no no way to know for sure. But there's, is my opinion well, that he would have won Florida if those people who voted for Buchanan hadn't done so it, accidentally. It, it was you know it's really really funny if you really break it down. Florida wouldn't have even been close for Bush if one particular event did not occur 
a year before, not even a year, six months, eight months before that. And that was terrible timing. And it just was one of those things that happened that, that it just was a random thing. But do you remember what that event incident was? No. That occurred in Florida? Uh, I know there's a hurricane, the Hurricane Andrew there. No, was, no. It? Well, no, Hurricane Andrew was in 93. It was a little boy named Ilian, Ilian oh, the Ili- the Gonzalez. Gonzalez. I remember that. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Gonzalez. Yeah, it was, yeah. And when Janet Reno, on the, wor- on the orders of Bill Clinton, ordered him returned back to Cuba, they alienated Dayton Broward County. You know, the Democratic Party did so much that it flipped the vote. You remember? I mean, you remember yes, I remember. I remember, the, I remember the backlash about that. But yeah. they, they had and that the, was that they, was so huge, and that Gore had nothing to do with it. He was the vice president. He, you know, he, you know, but that that was what really it wouldn't have even been doubt Florida, even with with you know the problems that they had with the ballot if they hadn't alienated the the entire Cuban base because they were dead set as basically sticking their thumb at Castro to keep that boy in the U.S. And even now, you know, you know, obviously our relationship with with Cuba, you can, you know, agree or not agree. But the one thing that I think everybody can agree on, the embargo just didn't do anything. You know, it did. It just, it, you know, it, the purpose that it was meant, all it did was isolate them and affected, you know, just the people on the island more than anything. But that boy should have been as he was rightfully returned to be with his dad. If people don't recall he came. I won't go into this long, but you know, he came on. His parents were divorced. He lived in Cuba. He came on a raft, a makeshift, you know, raft with his mom uh, to Miami, fleeing Castro. His mom died on the way to Miami. The boy survived. He had relatives in Miami, you know, aunts and uncles, cousins, but no immediate, you know, nuclear family. And they, you know, went to court. This and that. They tried, you know, his cousins, uncles, aunts, whatever. Tried to keep him in Florida. His dad wanted him back, and this became. An international incident, you know, it kind of became a pissing contest that, you know, Castro wanted this boy back. The, you know, the the South Florida Jewish community wanted to say, fuck you, Castro. But in the end, the boy should have been returned to his dad. You know, I mean, how can you how can he not be? You know what I mean? Yeah. So but anyhow, yeah, that's that really, really hurt Gore big time. And the timing of that just could not have been worse. Um Remember those photoshops, or not photoshops, but those photos of when when they actually went and removed the kid? Yes, yeah, the famous had, photo like, of the, the gun. Yeah, yeah, he like, was in when, the closet right. hiding. They had. Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about? Yes, there was a famous photo of the, of the guys with the, with the helmets and the guns yep, uh, pointing yep, at yep, them. He's, yep, in the, the gun, and he's, in, yep. he's in the closet looking very upset. Yep, yep, yep. You got it. Yep. Yeah, yep. I remember the Crazy. whole thing now. I just, I'd forgotten that was the. Uh, yeah. Alien Gonzalez. One. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah so the, that. But look, this yeah, Hillary can't stop. It's funny because both Hillary and Trump can't stop talking about this election. Trump has this weird obsession with the popular vote, uh, which which he should have dropped. He should have just. I, I, it's funny because he he wins the election. The popular vote honestly didn't matter because that wasn't the goal. I've compared it to like in a baseball game of a team that loses, saying, "Well, we got more hits. We should have won." Well, no, that's not that's not how you're keeping score. So same thing. They didn't strategize to get the most popular votes correctly, and they won. They won without the most popular votes and didn't need them. So for some reason, Trump was, had been obsessed with that and kept talking about how the other, there was all this fraud and the, the millions of votes that should have gone to him. 
why say that? You won. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> you, and you won by a lot of electoral votes. You should be just uh, proud of that. Right. And, and it's like he wants to say win by more. Like it, Winning is winning. It doesn't matter how much you won by. It. Yeah. And, or that you won the popular what, It doesn't matter. Let me ask you. Who do well, you, I'm, who I'm sure – I'm sure a ton of the Hillary votes were were for people that just did wouldn't vote for Trump too. So, yeah. So, what were you saying, Brandon? Who who would you say now? uh, You know, we're we're just past you know the I guess we're entering the second quarter of 2000 or in the second quarter of 2017. Who would you say is an early candidate to be? The face of the Democratic Party in in two thousand. I, I don't even know who it would be. I, I, know, uh, I know, obviously, no one. I, does, I, but no, you, I know is there uh, someone you could take a guess. Well, I know they're uh, a rising. They're a rising star. Look to this person, maybe to start. You know, because you know, you got to think within a year. You know, by this time next year, maybe the summer at the latest, there's going to have to be some face that they're going to start putting out there just for people to galvanize and just kind of rally. Well, I, I, I know, I know, uh, Elizabeth Warren is attempting to. Get this going, and uh, you I think they're gonna they would put another they dominate another female? And I mean, I'm, I'm not. No, they they might they I'm might because think they wouldn't back to back elections. No, they might because they they may say that Hillary was too flawed and had too much baggage, and that uh, Elizabeth Warren doesn't have the same baggage, and they may uh, take another shot. So that's that that could be what they do. But there's there's a lot you know there's so much time left, and so many things can change. Keep in mind when Bill Clinton won. Uh, he came out of nowhere. He was uh, he was he was a governor of a small southern state, and nobody that no knew one him. even knew yeah. who he was. And, and and he he was even when he was announcing he was going to run for president, it was seen like he had a tiny chance, and then he just rose up very quickly. So, uh, who was who was? Uh, I mean, I'm just tired. I can't remember who was the perceived front runner in the Democratic Party in that election in 1992. Um, or 91 or whatever, you know, leading up to the 92 election. I don't remember. Well, uh, it ended up actually coming down to uh, to Bill Clinton. Well, I mean, meaning who won Who won the first couple primaries? Who was, you know, just the, the heavyweight going in? Who had raised the most money? Who was expected to, to you know, be the most competitive? Well, I, I know a, a Paul Songus was seen as, as a big uh, – Paul Songus was seen as one. Uh, I think there's another name, though. Uh, there's, there's Tom Harkin, there's Bob Carey, then Jerry Brown ended up being the big one that uh, he, the current governor of California, Jerry Brown. He's uh, he was the the eventual challenger. He was kind of the, the oh. Bernie Sanders of the time in that election, but but he really had no shot. He was kind of just just like Bernie Sanders in this uh, primary. He just had no shot. He was just yeah. the, the left wing uh, opposition candidate. But um, no, yeah, right. It's I just googled it. It, it was Jerry Brown and Paul Songus. Those were the only. Two that won any significant amount of primaries. Yep. But Jerry Brown kind of came up stronger at the end too. But uh, yeah, there, he's there, another one. You know, you often talk about people that when we were younger, that we remember being old. I thought he was so old back then. Yes. <laughs> and he's like he's the governor. Like how? Well, you he's the governor I mean? the second time. It's such a weird story with yeah. him. And he he took smaller jobs. He was like the mayor of Oakland in between. But how how the hell? Yeah. How the hell old was he back in ninety two? I don't even know his age now. I have it up here. He was born in 1938, so he is fairly old now. But but in in 92, but he was only in his he was in his early in, 50s, in his 50s or mid 50s. Yeah, 50s. I, I know he seemed older then. He did. I thought like he was in. I you know he's the kind of person that if I didn't hear about him, if I didn't know he was the governor, I would think he already passed away. Just because I thought you know, he, or he'd be like in his 90s. Well, but. the the other thing was because he was uh, young when he he became the governor of uh, of California. 
the first time. That uh, you see, he became governor in 1975. He wasn't even 40 yet. He, he was like 37. So, uh, so you think somebody who's the governor in 1975 to, to have to, to have them be the governor in 2017 is insane? Or sorry, I mean, that's like that's. I mean, that's like Barry Goldwater running for office yeah. now, or still being in office. <laughs> so he's been dead 20 years. So that that's what's so strange is that how how could the governor of California from 1975 be the governor today? But but he is. That's, that's a fact. Wait, so wait, wait, I'm sorry. What he was born in 30 what? 38. So he was a young governor. He was Jeez. a young governor. So that's it's so weird. 75 is 42 years ago. So 40. The governor at 75 is the governor today in California. That's nuts. That's that's obviously never happened before in the history of politics. Yeah. So, wow. and and uh, the funny thing is, though, a lot of uh, even though he he's a Democrat and is left wing in, in in some ways, in California, a lot of Republicans actually dread when he's leaving office because it's assumed that he's going to be succeeded by someone who not only is more liberal than him but also is much more loyal to the Democratic Party. He's not loyal to the Democratic Party. He just Jerry Brown, what's odd about him is he just he just decides to do what he wants. He, he doesn't give a crap what the party And thinks. when his term is up in 2018? Um, or 20? Did he just win re-election recently? It's, no, it's, it's up in, uh, yeah, in, in – he's going to – the next governor will take office in uh, 2019. Hmm. So, and who is the front runner for that? I, I don't even – oh, oh uh, Gavin Newsom, I believe. Gavin Newsom, yeah, I think. And that's, and that's who they're – yeah, and that's who they're afraid of. Like, he, he's someone who – is left wing and is loyal to the party where where Jerry Brown pisses off the party all the time because he'll he will decide things that that the Democrats don't like or don't agree with and and just uh and they'll try to convince him that he's wrong and you have to go along with them and he says f you I'll do what I want like he, well, I mean, he, at this point he doesn't care you know he doesn't have another election to well he's to, always been that way that's just always been his oh, personality really? yeah he's just he's just never been a stooge of any party so he's you know he's a democrat but he just he doesn't let them tell him what to do he doesn't let them pressure him he just he just does what he thinks is right and sometimes but that's that, kind of redeeming though i mean it is know, it, it is i i respect him for that and he so he's at least but he's a disaster yeah, well, there's there's a who was the dude they removed again for Schwarzenegger the recall? Oh, that was, was oh, Gray, Gray Davis. Davis. Gray, Gray Davis. What happened with him was he screwed up the uh, the power situation in Los in, in not in California with all these uh, they had all these rolling blackouts and then he then he hit the panic button and rolling the, blackouts. What yes. are we in Cuba? That's what it was like. Remember. There was a whole disaster with the electricity generation that there weren't. Is that true? Really? You guys had rolling yes, blackouts? Yes. Yes. And then and then. In order to stop them, he hit the panic button and signed some horrible deal with, I think, Texas, some other state, to buy electricity for them at some horribly inflated rates. So the the and then so this recall thing started, and then he was so arrogant he thought, oh, there's no way that they'd recall me. Come on, and he just he didn't take it seriously. And right. by the time he took it seriously, it, it was so far underway that he couldn't stop it. So that, I mean, I don't obviously you know the only time I follow any California politics is when it becomes national news because. You know, I don't live in California, but trying to be as neutral as possible, not your own, you know, strong political views per se, I guess, if that's even possible. What is a general consensus now looking back? Like, what is it like six years later on Schwarzenegger's time in office? Is it looked at upon as a disaster or? So I've heard a lot of mixed things, but is there even a consensus no, it's on not what really his consensus. legacy will be? There's, there's not many people who look at him as a wonderful governor. Uh, there's it is kind of mixed as far as people. Some people thought he's horrible. Some people thought he's just okay. Uh, he, the problem is he 
he didn't really impress either side because the Republicans thought that he liked uh, taxes too much and was uh, you know too left leaning in that sense, and then the he but yet he wasn't uh, liberal enough to to impress the left. So uh, it's one of these things where sometimes you're in the center and, and nobody likes you. So that's and sometimes you know you sometimes sounding like being in the center is correct, but it's not. Sometimes being in the center isn't correct, and that just uh, sometimes you get the worst of both worlds. Sometimes. Sure. Uh, you can you can do that by making mistakes on both ends of the spectrum, and uh, so he he did seem to get more liberal as he was in office. But uh, I, I wouldn't say he was like a, a, he wasn't really a Democrat, but he he wasn't he was a Republican, but kind of uh, one in name only. So as far as his success as governor it's uh, i mean the state has a lot of financial problems and that some of that is on on him and that's what uh, jerry brown has, has has claimed to be attempting uh to to fix that but you know sometimes sometimes he has been fiscally responsible sometimes he hasn't so the, the state still has a lot of uh financial issues and the taxes are very high in the state uh there's a certain arrogance of the California government that, that feels like they can pretty much do anything and that people aren't going to leave because of uh, people want to live there anyway because of the weather and because uh, of the uh, you know, several large population centers that aren't going anywhere. But still, uh, the, 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 the California has a high cost of living and, and then the, the taxes are very high, which isn't a good combination to have. So... Uh, at least the drought situation is that, that at least that's done because of the past winter, so that that's gotten take care gotten t- uh, taken care of finally. But you know it was really weird in the L.A. area. I don't know how many times you've looked around when you've been been there, Brandon. But usually everything looks pretty brown. Everything looks. Uh, yeah, it's not green and lush everywhere. You don't. That's not a feature of L.A. because it's a dry place for the most part, and especially because there's uh, like six months where it almost doesn't rain from April to October. But the winter, this past winter, so much rain came down in January and February that it got so green everywhere. You, you, it was hard to recognize the place. There were places. In, in Southern California that looked like you were in Hawaii. It didn't last very long. It, once it dried up in March, then things quickly started to change back. But it was strange to see. Did you notice that, Trader Risky, how green everything was? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was really unusual. It was There were things that, that looked beautiful that I'd never thought looked beautiful before because they're always all brown. And uh, but I looked at it. I go, not only is this not going to last, I'm probably not going to see it again for a long time. You, you always, yeah, huh? You'll have it like in a normal winter. That's not that's not like a drought type of year. It'll happen to some degree where things start to get green in in January, February. But this year was an extreme because there was just so much rain that came down in those two months. But uh, a lot of snow fell in the Sierra Nevadas, which and that's really what dictates whether there's a drought or not in California because that's where most of the water comes from when it melts and uh, they got a ton of snow. I mean, I got, I got trapped in that snow for 10 days. I did a radio show from that snow. I remember right, right there. And in, uh, in fact, I did two shows. I did two shows from Harris there. 
That's how long I was there. I did two radio shows over there. And then handicapped me, complained he couldn't hear because the headset wasn't loud enough. Because I was using that, the headset that's... Uh, for whatever reason, I can't turn up the volume. I, I could not find any solution to turn up the volume higher without using a piece of hardware, which is a pain in the ass to carry around. So, it's the first time we've done some general topics on here in a while. What do you think? You know, I've been reading a lot about... Uh... Well, I guess what started off is this talking about sports now, real fast. This lingering feud between the Red Sox and Baltimore, and then it kind of took on a different perspective recently because of uh, you know this racial incident that occurred in Boston the other day. And I've I've read a lot in the mainstream media that Boston for many years has been known as a racist town. I never knew that. I never heard that connotation before. I was re- yeah, I'm referring I to this guy, Adam Jones. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's that. a center, f- center fielder, maybe? No, he's an outfielder for Baltimore, and I guess he had claimed uh, this, I guess this past weekend or maybe earlier this week, there was a series, uh, they were in Boston, Baltimore was, and that he was called the N-word, uh, a number of times, and it happened before in the past as well. And finally, he just his words were, "I felt it was a right time to finally do something about it." And uh, it's been all over the news. So I get you know those are two different things. You know the feud between the two teams, and then this. But uh, I mean, is that do you guys know about this? Has Boston just in general been known as a highly racist city in general? I never. I had I had thing. never heard of this before. But, but by the way, I. I we we have someone I, I I don't want to change the subject but I, I I just saw this in the text. We we have a listener at least as of thirty five minutes ago that I didn't know was listening this week and that is the one and only Brandon Cantu who has been listening to this show and so this is what he had to say. Uh, I, I'm fact checking something for your guy who called in. This is actually last week he sent it, but then I, I'll read you the thing he said. Uh, oh no, sorry. This this is both. Uh, this is actually both this week. I'm fact-checking something for your guy who called in. I haven't spoke to Genocide in at least 10 years. I reached out to her on Facebook, and I asked her if she used to wash my feet. Oh, my God. That's great. I think it would be really cool if that used to happen. She hasn't gotten back to me, so please tell that guy, I think that's you, Brandon, to stand by as I will let him know as soon as I know. That's awesome. Then he writes... Also, I have a question for him. Why is he hating on me, possibly for getting my feet washed nightly? If that happened, see, it seems I should get some street cred for that. God, I hope that <laughs> happens. I, I actually said that last week, Brandon. If, right. you, if you're listening, if Brandon, no, I was. I never, I never gave him grief for it. I wasn't giving him grief. Like I said, it just was a very odd comment that she made. That's why it stuck with me for so long. And again, listen, I'm not. You know, if he's listening now. You know, maybe I should have been more specific. Of course, there's always the chance or the possibility that genocide wasn't being straight with anything she told me. But at the time, you know, we were relatively close friends. So I took everything that she said, you know, especially, you know, comments like that. How, you know, why would someone make something like that up? It just seemed kind of an odd thing to say, you know. So, uh, you know, yeah, it, that's the, she's going to see that she probably won't even respond. I mean, she probably maybe she will. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll strike up a new relationship now. <laughs> maybe, and, I mean, maybe he can take over as, as the dad great. of as the dad of that kid who got a, uh, the dad ran off. 
But yeah. um, oh god, the South African dad. Well, you know what? She seems. I, I you know I don't have contact with her, but I still see her on Facebook now and again. She seems like she's doing well from what I look at. Like she seems like a really happy mother and oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, but uh, that's that's hilarious. But that no, I, I said I said last week. I I said this that if if he really got his feet washed, okay, great. Like. It's fine if he's if she was if she did it and he had joined it. It's fine. It's, it, I, I remember the term washcloth being used because I just thought that was the funniest thing. Like it just, well, that's hilarious. I, I do wonder how, even if it was ten years ago, since it's kind of a specific thing to ask for, I I, I do wonder how Brandon Cantu could have forgotten he would have asked for this because he must know if he would have asked for this, he must know he enjoys it for whatever reason. Even if it's not like a sexual thing, even if he just uh, enjoys it, like. Like I, for example, like getting your back scratched. I, I don't know, you know, if you like this, but like I like it. Not, it's, it's not a sexual thing to me, though. It's just something that feels good. No, sometimes I get itches in places that I can't reach, and like for you know, especially good looking, or it doesn't even sometimes it doesn't even have to be that. But it's sometimes it can be the best feeling in the world just to get that itch. You know, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, and like, it's, yeah. And it's not necessarily a place like you a, just can't reach. Right. It's not necessarily like a, like a sexual thing. It's just it's just uh, it just yes. feels good. So it could have been like that for him that just he like for whatever reason he likes the feeling of getting his feet washed, but it's not some fetish or anything. It's just something he enjoys kind of equivalent to like getting your back scratched. So it could be something like that, but it is a specific request, which is a little unusual, a lot unusual. So you would think if, if this is something he'd like, he'd remember this even if it was 10 years ago, whereas like just some incident or fight or something, I can understand someone forgetting that 10 years later. So, yeah. Well, I, you know, if, he's, if he is listening, the other thing, that I, I, you know, as I talked about earlier, that I found really interesting was the fact that he kind of downplayed the extent of their relationship versus genocide, who made it out to be, you know what I mean? It, it, it seems something is definitely off there. Well, it's, it's possible that she, it was more important to her than it was to him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's good. But, but when you think about someone who, you know, claims that they moved out of their home for the first time or out of their parents' home for the first time to be with this person, then that's just well, that a could wide to, gap that of could make recollection. Sense, it could make sense if, if for her it was such a huge deal that she moved from Delaware and for the first time away from her parents, or for her it's a huge deal, and for him it's like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, she learned laundry. She had to learn yeah. laundry. And for him it's like, okay, there's just another place I'm living, another girl I'm dating. Like It, it could have been like to him this wasn't a big deal. It's just one of several of relationships he's had. Uh, and to sure her it wasn't a big deal. To, to yeah. her it was like a major thing to be moving from Delaware and getting her an apartment, learning how to do laundry. I didn't know about that. That was funny. I didn't I did not know that story. But, and, you know, and by the way, that's how you know that that was part of I think that was even maybe the last stop of what what was known as the genocide prophecy. Uh <laughs> every you know it ended actually with him, but there was a streak of like one, two, three guys that she dated in the poker world that either weren't known uh, or had had not had any significant tournament success, and then after she began dating them, they all blew up. I mean, do you remember this? Well, yeah, ex- then- except there was one in between that just wasn't well publicized. That was that guy uh, Scott Dove, aka the Beast. He never blew up, and, and then he died. Well, so- right, but I'm saying you know she, it all started with uh, John Diagostino, yeah. who she was dating before. Anyone even knew his name, and then you know he had large success and blew up. Then do you know who the next one was. Um, in between, no, I, I forget. At that time, I don't. I don't oh, wait, know. Was, I it, was it Dutch? Was it Dutch Boyd? I doubt it now. No, but at the time, 
he be, he was the only person to have won a WPT, a EPT. Oh, and a Gavin, Gavin Griffin. That's Gavin Griffin. That's yes, right. exactly. So, and then after that, you know, think about it before, you know, when she dated, when they first started dating, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't, you know, Brandon can't do, this isn't to be rude or anything. He wasn't a known, you know, a big time pro. No one knew who, I didn't know who he was. You know, she's like, oh, I'm dating this poker player. But relatively soon after, and I actually remember this, like literally I remember her calling me, telling me that, it's funny that I just remember this, that in, if Brand's listening, I'm sure he'll verify this, they had broken up. And like maybe two days or three days after they had broken up, he won a prelim event at the Blasio. And again, like this was during the poker boom where even like a prelim event was like, maybe not life-changing money, but it would, prelim events were like 150, 200K. Like they were huge money back then. It was like, you know, five-star maybe, like, or, you know, the five-star Bellagio event. It was like a 5K tournament. So, anyhow, he won that. And then from there, he just blew up. He went on, you know, he won shortly thereafter, like, the Bay 101 Shooting Stars Tournament and, you know, WSOP. And I think he won another, another WPT maybe. But uh, so, anyhow, that's how it all started. And then she got with Dustin for the first time. And then, you know, there was actually – a blog that Dustin wrote, I remember this, on NWP called The Genocide Prophecy. That's where it got <laughs> Yeah, yeah, name. I remember that. And then it was predicted that, you know, some people thought, you know, Dustin was – because Dustin, you know, for being a uh, predominantly, you know, a limit holding player, he has he had some mild success as a tournament player. He never yeah. quite broke through, but he made some – you know, he made, had a deep World Series run. And he doesn't play – he ne- never played a lot of tournaments. He finished, like, I think fourth – in like a 10k heads up WSOP tournament. I mean, he was there, you know, a handful of times. So that was the whole thing that, you know, he'd be the next one. And then, you know, after they broke up, of course, that he'd become, you know, he'd hit something. He won a tournament, you know, and obviously it never happened. But, uh, and then after that, you know, I, I lost track of it. The last guy I knew she dated that I knew before the African was, you know, obviously Tommy Boy. And, you know, even to this day, I, I saw him last summer, you know, talk with him a bunch. Uh, never really asked what happened, you know, between them. But I, I kind of want to think, like we talked about, I guess, you know, from what we saw, he just or she just kind of met a rich South African and left him a couple Th- years into the relationship. That's what it looks like to me. I don't have that verified, but that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Be- because the guy's all the way in South Africa, and this happened right after Tommy Boy took her to South Africa on vacation. So, like, uh, either that's a that's massive... That's kind of shitty, how huh? you take someone yes. to South Africa. It's the last thing you're worried about is losing your girlfriend to, to a native. Now, now it, is po- it is possible that while they were there, they just got to know this guy, and then they broke up for unrelated reasons, and she thought, hey, this this guy uh, I remember from South Africa was pretty cool. And, oh, and he was a poker player, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that may be how they knew him, but whatever. Like it could have yeah. it could have been if they broke up for unrelated reasons, and then she thought, "Hey, I remember that guy in South Africa was pretty cool. I, I'm going to contact him." Then that's okay if she's not breaking up for that reason, yeah. and then contact someone that she that that she she already uh, you know she thought about. Hey, you know, who am I going to date next? Oh, that South African guy. Yeah, he seemed cool. I'll contact him now. I wouldn't have done it before, but I will now because I'm not. I'm single now. That's okay. If it's like, oh wow, the South Africa guy is so cool. Screw Tommy Boy. I'm going to dump him now and be with a South African. That's kind of screwed up. If Tommy Boy brought her to South Africa on a trip in the first place. <laughs> so if that's what happened, but I but I have no confirmation. I do think it's very suspicious the timing that uh just weeks after tommy boy brought her to south africa that she that they're broken up and she's with a south african so yeah hmm. it's it's one of those well, hopefully uh can will 
what, did he Skype you or text you? No, he texted me. I was like, I was looking at the texts, and I, I see that. I go, whoa, That's he's funny. listening. It's funny. Well, maybe next week we'll have an update on that whole uh, foot washing scenario. Yeah, I'm glad he's still listening. And uh, I, I thought he should be. I, I really thought he was just going to be someone who would be on the show and then <clears throat> never listen or even think to listen again. But he was. He was here, and uh, it was kind of like after we had Kessler on about that whole. Uh, Brandy Blackley thing in January, and then he listened for about he he listened like religiously to like the entire show for like I don't know about the next six weeks or so, and then he kind of fell off. I haven't heard from him. Maybe he could still be listening, but I haven't heard. He he was like texting me all the time during the episodes after that. So at least for some time, we picked up Kessler as a listener, but I think we we lost him again. So huh. anyway, I I was trying to find yeah you know, I'm trying to find Genocide's Facebook and. Uh, I'm having a hard time. Even even under I have a fake account that there's no way she would have blocked. I have I have like a Oh, you're not friends with her on your normal account? No, I have, I even wonder if she's blocked me because like I I, I I have a second Facebook account that I only use to just look up profiles that maybe someone would have well, two reasons. One is to look up profiles of people who blocked me, and two is if I want to look at a profile and not have me show up as like person they may know, like an ex-girlfriend from 25 years ago or something like a Right. So it's like a stalker account. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. It's a stalker account. So that's that's all it does. It doesn't even have any friends. So but I mean, are you fr- aren't you, are you not friends with her on your normal account? No, and I think I, she may have actually blocked me. So here, oh, hold on, I we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? It's Brandon. It's Brandon Cantu. So I guess he is listening. Nice. Uh, I, well, I was listening for like 20 minutes, and it was the first time I've ever tuned in to your show, you know, because I was on last week or and whatever. And so, and then the very first thing was I hear is how his name is Brandon that was saying that? Yes. Another Brandon. That's me. I, I, hello, Brandon. Hey, buddy. And how he was like, you know, Brandon gave a really, or myself gave a very good interview. And, uh, you know, I, I really liked what he was saying and right in this moment and how hashtag he didn't, whatever, he didn't like the interview, you know, whoever he said some very nice things about the interview because, but I just can't get over the fact that he, like, he feels that I was lying about washing the feet. You know, this is, which is something this we really need to get to the bottom of this, Brandon, <laughs> and I think it's a very important question. And uh, so, you know, what I did is I was sitting in my bed uh, in my hotel, and I, I, so what did I do? I haven't spoke to her in over 10 years. I went on Facebook. I don't have her phone number or anything. I went on Facebook Messenger, and I shot a Facebook message where I was going to fact check for you guys to get to the bottom is I don't remember that, but there's a lot of things I don't remember about that as I kind of tried to block that out as you were kind of saying, it's not something I think about. I don't think it was the best ending. You know what I mean? To like a relationship. I I remember as I, as I said, because I was, you know, I was very friendly with her at the time. She was heartbroken. I remember she was devastated by, I don't remember what happened, even the reason she told me, but I remember she was devastated by the ending of your relationship with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely broke that one off and it was in my younger days, probably in eight, eight, where I was like 24, 25. Yeah. I don't think I was older than 25. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can be really cold when I break things off. So I think I just kind of like, when I broke it off, it was just kind of like, 
okay, you're done. And then I just kind of left and, and I, and I just refused to ever answer like any texts or calls or whatever kind of well, communication. You know if, if you don't mind, let me just, you know, cause this will clear up part of it too. Um, and this is really, really strange, but I, I don't know if you were listening. I remember genocide telling me that she moved out of her parents' home in Delaware to the apartment complex that you were living in, rented an apartment, you know, in the same complex near you, you know, to be close to you, but you guys didn't live together. Is that, is that accurate? I mean, I've never talked to you about it. So you, I don't you, know, know, you know, yeah, you know, what's funny. I, if, if um if you didn't back all that up, I had blocked it so far out of my mind that if I didn't hear you say that, I wouldn't have remembered it. Like it was something I completely, which was very weird to me. Like I, I'm going to assume that she wanted to move in with me as I don't remember this, but I'm going to assume that, that she wanted to move in with me. And I, and I said, no, as I think she, and I don't think there's like any surprise. I think she was way more into me than I was into her. And uh, I, I think I told her no that you can't move in, and she moves like like a few like three hundred feet right. down the walkway in the apartment, which is pretty weird. In in my mind, it's kind of weird, you know. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's not weird, but kind of was to me at the time. And then well, that's weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird. But I might have encouraged it at that time, so I don't want to say that I, I that I didn't because I, I truly don't remember. Like I don't remember what caused her to move there, but I couldn't imagine it would be me at that age at that time. Hmm. Well, uh, and I hope that clears some stuff up for you. Well, here's here's my one question about, about the washcloth thing, and I was saying it before. If you really did want that, which is fine, I'm not even criticizing it, but if you really did want that, it's just hard for me to believe that you would have forgotten that you enjoy having that done. It's just kind of a specific thing that you, I think that one would remember that that you like that uh, even 10 years later. Okay, so, but, but, okay, okay, I, I got to stop and answer this. Sorry to cut you off. That That's a, a great point. And I will say before this situation, you know, like, if you're a guy – and, and like a girl kind of lets you get away with more and more and more and more each time as you're probably going to like, Hmm, whether no matter what it is, you're kind of up to your, it's kind of going to be more. Okay. So it wasn't happening before then, but I was thinking of like, um, you know, something like that could happen if it was, you know, with, with a, a particular person. I, I would think that, and I think that I really hope this did happen. I think it's kind of cool that I that I was able to pull that move off, you know. But I don't know. But I I don't I couldn't imagine that that happened, as I I don't believe that I've ever had that. But I reached out to her because I wanted to know and get a like on Facebook Messenger. I was fact checking yeah. it. So let me let me if you don't mind, let me ask you one other thing. I was talking about. I just want to see how accurate my memories. First of all, I I know you don't probably remember who I am. I played, I guess it would be like maybe 10, 2010 or 11, a lot of mixed games with you for a while at the Bellagio. I was actually really good friends at that time with Brian Mikon, which I know that you know who he is because we all played yeah, right, the, I know know the mix back well. then. But I was kind of quiet. I really didn't talk much with you. But I, you would know me if you saw my face. But anyhow, right. two things I said tonight off just off memory. The first one was I recall genocide calling me 
a few days after you broke up, you know, not going to lie to you, basically all pissed off because you had broken up with her, and then you went on to win a prelim event at the Bellagio. Am I? Is my memory accurate? Did that happen? Um, and you remember because it was a big turn. You know, you won maybe a hundred k. No, I did win. Right, I th- I won one hundred eighty thousand, winning a prelim in <laughs> two thousand seven. I think that's yeah. good. That that which was right around the time you guys broke up, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was pretty okay. Secondly, you have a bracelet against all off memory. Do you have a bracelet? And I'm not stalking you. Do you have a bracelet no. in, PL- in PLO eight? Correct. Yeah. What wasn't it like a landslide from like literally like a hundred people left? You had like a several million dollar chip lead. It was like a, a you like probably the biggest blowout win you've ever had in terms of what you had in chips compared to yes. second place from start to close. Like it was like the sickest thing. It was disgusting. It, it's uh, the is biggest chip lead I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, and, huh? and I'm not talking just me. I, it's the biggest chip lead I've ever seen. And I'm not just I mean, talking. It was absurd. It was literally absurd. People I think were I had. I think. I think uh-huh. I had with twenty or thirty people to go in the the fifteen hundred PLOA. It's going to be something, and and the fact checkers are going to get me here because I don't remember the exact amounts now. But it was something like I had like a million thirty thousand, and second place had either a hundred and thirty thousand or a hundred seventy thousand. <laughs> With like twenty wow. or thirty to go, but but there was actually more to that story. That with four people to go, I was last in chips, and with like, and I was way in last. And heads up, Lee Watkinson had a ten to one chip lead on me. Heads up, and I came, and I and I was really new to uh, PLO eight at that time. Like I'd only played like a few, a couple, three, four times, and I came back and beat him, which was pretty incredible because he knew the wow. game pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And what I don't even think you guys talked about this on your interview last week. I wasn't there. What was the year that you had your deep main event run? That would be 08. Okay, that was so it was all roughly the same there. I mean, not not bad. I mean, for just remembering these things just from either hearing genocide tell me. I knew that prelim that you won at the Bellagio was, you know, that was a decent amount of money for a prelim back in the day. I mean, 100, yeah. what did you say 180k? Yeah, I chopped it. We both we uh, we both won one eighty, and that was a fifteen hundred buy-in. Those were the good old days. I think you know. Like, yep. Wow. I think there was like eight hundred thousand players. I mean, there was a lot, but I they remember. were also a lot more top-heavy, top way way. You know, where thirty-three percent goes the first. So yeah. Well, yeah, do uh, us a favor. We will, will you either message Druff privately or come back on and let us know if and when she responds. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Get get to the bottom of this, you know, foot washing uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's something real important that you know that uh, the whole reputation of my whole story that I gave is kind of like writing on this foot uh, story. So I'd like to get that to you guys, really, you know, straighten my reputation out. <laughs> and <laughs> absolutely. Where, uh, where are you at yeah. now? You said you're in a hotel room. I assume you're playing somewhere. You're in the tournament. Yeah, you're, you're at Commerce. Uh, I'm staying at the bike. Uh, oh, are you there for the Commerce the series? Uh, no, I'm uh, filming um, live at the bike. Oh, oh okay. that's uh, right. Today, today, yesterday, and tomorrow, uh, it's, I think, 5, 10, 20, and then Friday, I think it's Friday. What's today, Wednesday? Yeah, so Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday now, yeah. 
Right. Then we're playing 25-50 No Limit. And, uh, yeah, there's good lineups on both days, so it should be really fun. And hasn't, hasn't Hashtag King been hanging around there, too? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, hashtag, like, when I sh- uh, showed up, he was just here. And, uh, yeah, he, he was just here. And I was like, because uh, I, I did not feel well, like, the first day or two I was here. And I just went to bed. It was kind of a funny story. I just went to bed at like 4.30 in the morning and I, and I just couldn't sleep. My stomach just was on fire. I just hadn't felt good in a couple of days. And I decided to go downstairs and it's like 7, 7.30 a.m. And I go and I buy, uh, I, I have Pepto-Bismol in my hand, a leaf, like three bananas, an orange, and a water. And I, my eyes are like one one-hundredth of the way open, trying not to wake up so I go right back to sleep. I, I, I walk through the casino and I hear... Can't do! And I mean, like, like from like 150 feet, like the noise almost just knocks me over. And there he is sitting with his parents, and I'm like, no, 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 not right now. I gotta go to bed. Sorry. No, come here. Like, you gotta meet my parents just real fast. So I get to see him here. He's hanging out with his parents. On a side note, Live at the Bike has told him he cannot play. And, uh, yeah, so he's just here with his parents. And, uh, so I start talking to his mom and his dad, and, they start at firing me all sorts of questions like about how poker is. I just couldn't even like, I couldn't even think at the time. And so I was just kind of given one and two word answers to go to bed. But the, one of the only things that I remember out of the whole conversation was again, me being a short is he says to me, um, like, why don't you feel good? And I was like, and I said, well, I just went to a festival. That's all I said is the word festival. And, uh, I, Eric, oh, and, he, and then he cuts me off right here. Oh, oh, bro, you did Molly, didn't you? Oh, yeah, how was the Molly? And I'm just kind of like staring at him like, 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 you know, like, really? Like, yeah, bro, how was the Molly? And I'm just kind of sitting there and his mom jumps in. Yeah, tell us, how is it to do Molly? And I'm like, <laughs> and I kind of, you know, kind of like look at her like a little sideways. And then her dad's like, oh, tell us about the Molly. And, and then I was like, no, I just had a few drinks. It was my first time drinking in like three, four months and where I'm not going to drink anymore. And that that was all. I just kind of looked at him and I was like, guys, I got to go. And I just kind of walked back in and I uh, went back up to my room. So that was, that was my kind of run in with hashtag. And so now as we play on live at the bike, he's just, uh, he just kind of pops in every once in a while like unplanned as they have security guards out front, but he somehow like bum rushes his way in. You're saying into live at the bike? He's allowed at the bike, just not on the show, right? Right. Yeah. He's allowed in the bike or to play at the bike. So, and of course he, you know, he, he, he wants to play and they, they won't let him play and all this. So he just kind of like barges in on accident, I guess sometimes. So, (laughs) Is he playing other games? Does he have a bankroll over there? What's what's he doing? I can't speak to that. I don't know. Um, I, I wasn't feeling very well over the last three days, as I was saying, so I haven't been down there very much. Um, I've only played, like, side cash games other than what was filmed, like, for less than two hours the whole time I've been here, so I'm not even sure. Oh. Well, okay, yeah. well, th- thank you for the update here. Ho- hopefully we'll get an yeah. answer about the, the foot washing. It's uh, We're going to be... On pins and needles here for the next week. 
I know. Is this show a once a week show? Yeah, it's once a week. Usually on Wednesday nights, uh, we jumped around uh, in previous weeks. Sometimes if I can't make it on Wednesday for whatever reason, then uh, we change the show date. But usually, it's usually on at some time each week. Usually on Wednesday, and, and always in the evening. So. Right. Um, do you think, uh, should I hold the information, like, should I post it on Twitter? Should I hold it so you guys get, like, an exclusive? How no, do no, I mean, no, we, we know, should, this is such hot information. No, no, right we, we can't have this wasted on Twitter. We, we need this, uh, sent to me in, in text, and, uh, I'll reveal it on the next program, if, if we do get this information. Right. Uh, I'm sure the come on and reveal it, and there should be, like, a, you know, a little lead-up to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And for anybody, no, uh, follow, follow me on Twitter, Brandon Cantu on Twitter. So I might have like some small hints of what, uh, if I've got a response or not. So, Yeah, was, well, I, you, you never know with her though. She, she blocked me simply because I asked a question. It's so strange. Like this was years ago when she was pregnant. I, or no, it wasn't even that I asked. It was that she was posting all these hints on Twitter uh, referring to her being pregnant without directly, directly saying it. So I posted right. a thread on my site saying, uh, asking, is genocide pregnant? And here's the reasons why. Like the next day I find myself blocked in, in all social media from her. I was like, why is she so mad about this? It's not like she told me a secret and I revealed it. She's she's posting on Twitter constantly, uh, giving very strong hints that this is what's going on. So I'm commenting well, it on it. that? If you recall... Leading up to the pregnancy, she was hospitalized for like four months. Well, that was part of the hints, yeah. Yeah, and she wouldn't tell. It was very, very odd behavior. Like, she'd openly tell everyone she was hospitalized, and she'd bitch and moan about being, you know, in a bed and, you know, being in the hospital and dealing with the staff, but she wouldn't give any any inclination of, as to why. You know, she could have just said, I'm having a rough pregnancy, but she never would say that. So it led to all this kind of speculation, people thought. She had cancer. People, you know what I mean. It, people just didn't know. But then, but then but, it, it started getting clear when she started talking, like about uh, about baby names and things like that. Right, that, right, that yeah. it, it, you put it together, and that's that's what I put together and said she's got to be pregnant. And for yeah. some reason, this well, you offended know, can't her. Can't too. If nothing else, I mean, you dated a Playboy playmate. I mean, that's <laughs> few men can say that. <laughs> I mean, she did make the what was it what year it was like 2010 2009 issue of what was it like the hottest girls in poker or something yeah i think it was fhm or something <laughs> no it was in playboy oh no in playboy you know playboy she's actually in a, a pictorial where, yeah well, that's what i'm saying no, it, it wasn't the hottest girls in poker it was just her oh yeah well she was i guess the only one <laughs> yeah I, I think that's what it was something like that yeah. yeah, again, I haven't spoke to her since 07. I don't, it, you know, it's funny, I don't even remember why I, I was really so angry, but I was angry about something at the time. And uh, and so I think I held a lot of resentment. And you know what? I stopped holding resentment after uh, you brought it up. And, and I, you know, I kind of heard, I, again, I nobody asks me questions about this. So it had been like, I would say five years since I'd even like heard the name. So, you know, I was like, you know, Ten years is long enough. Decades a uh, long enough grudge. So I'm releasing my grudge. Well, that's so good, especially I'll find out for you guys. Especially if you don't remember why you had the grudge, then that's a good reason to release it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But I remember <laughs> I was angry about something. I'll have to think about that more. Well, I was angry about maybe for next week's show. I'll, I I can do some more. You, you realize why, why you were angry? Well, at least you can feel good that she was all devastated that you broke up. It meant that she she 
she was into you, you can you can at least uh, hang your hat on that. It's, it's better. It's better. Right. It isn't, isn't that the best feeling when you like break up with a girl and they're really devastated, you know, and it's kind of like well, you I, mean, I was part of the shoulder that she cried on. I remember it. I mean, I don't remember the reason either, but I remember, you know, it. it listen, I mean, you know, I'm not again. I'm really not saying this to make light of it, but it kind of led to a little bit of a downward spiral in her life afterwards. I mean, I don't know if you kind yeah, of remember you know, losing, Oh, losing, I do. Yeah, You're losing. right. I, I remember yeah. this. Yes, I remember the downward spiral. I remember seeing it happen. And uh, Yeah. You know, it's a weird thing. The last three girlfriends I broke up with, I, like, instantly won a tournament. And I'm, when I mean instantly, I say instantly. We're talking week two, three, like, big ones, like, big six-figure, you know, uh, scores, so... And, so, and speaking uh, of which, yeah. are you planning on playing the uh, the giant, the three sixty five whatever tournament at the World Series? Um, I well, you know, I want to play a lot more no limit tournaments. I kind of get too wrapped up in those mixed game tournaments because it's so fun to wake up late and like sleep in and kind of play. For me, I like to do that. But uh, after hearing Brandon talk about how I'm probably going to luck box and win one, I think okay, I'm you heard it. Oh, he heard, he heard that's it. That's what I was asking. <laughs> right, that's kind of like where I, yeah, that's like right where I <laughs> popped in. So, so now I think I'm going to have to put a little more focus in and try to do that. Nice. That'd, that'd be funny if he actually does this, much much like how Newhouse said he's not going to finish yeah, ninth again. That'd be, that'd be great. All mm-hmm. right. Well, well, thank you. Uh, Brandon Cantu for calling in here, and uh, we will uh, definitely update this. You can come back on next week if you get an answer. And uh, glad, yeah, uh, awesome. I'm glad. See, what what, what made what you? I, I'll see what I get. It's possible she doesn't even respond to me, so I don't know. I, you know just, like, yeah, it is possible. I'm, I'm just curious though. What made you just like late in this show? Just turn it on in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, I was reading Twitter and I saw the show was on, and so I hit click, and it just happened okay, to be nice. like, right at that spot. So. Nice. All right. There you go. Very good. Okay. Well, thank nice. you for well, coming. Thanks for on listening. Here. I'll see you in about a month at the series. I'll come over and, like I said, you know who I am when you see my face. But I'll tell you right. I'm the guy from the radio with the genocide's feet, and we'll go from All right. there. Okay, Sounds buddy. Good. All right. All okay. Right. Thanks for All calling right. in. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Nice. Well, well, that was a nice call. No, yeah, he picked up another listener. Yeah, that was a nice call. That's all we have to do. We have to just keep interviewing people. Just pick up listeners that way. <laughs> that's funny though what do you think her you know her, <laughs> her facial expression is going to be or whatever when she looks in the logs in the facebook messenger tomorrow morning or probably like shit 5 30 she's got a young kid probably in an hour or so and see that message hopefully it doesn't end up like in that other box that they put things in with the person but i think he has probably enough connection through mutual poker player friends they usually only do that if it's someone that has no connection to you in any way because I, I want—I really hope she actually gets the message and sees it, and then it's like, "What the hell? What, what, what's making him think about this?" I, mean, I want—I did, you know, I just can't. And I'm not discounting what he's saying. I guess it makes—you know—it makes sense when I said earlier that there are these—I don't know—like blocks or just discrepancies in the way she portrayed the relationship versus, you know, how he did. And he just said that he had some mental block over it, you know, <laughs> which makes sense. I mean, he—you know—you heard him. He agreed with. You know, the the point that she did move like 300, she moved 5,000 miles to be 300 feet next to him. I mean, in a different apartment. But he said that for some reason he had blocked out of his mind. And I wonder why that is. You know, maybe people just think differently. I mean, I would remember 
you know, I remember everything. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would never forget something like that in a relationship. Yeah. By, by the so, way, you know, you know, Icy Fishy's moved into her identical apartment. He he, he was the I next, didn't know that. he was the next uh, resident there. That's unbelievable. I mean, that really was like a modern day poker, like Melrose Place. Well, you know why it was. Like, I'll I'll tell you why this was. It's I mean, because what happened was there were really two complexes that were close to the strip that were apartments. You know, that uh, you know, not not condos, but about apartments you could rent months a month. There were only two complexes that were close to the strip. Uh, that you could rent. There was there was that, and then there was no. A- that's not accurate. You, you, there's probably only two apartment complexes on the west side of the strip that are safe. No, that's what I meant. That are I, nice. I, 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 left, there, I left that out. I left that out. I meant I meant that complexes that were decent that you could. Yes, that's accurate. There's tons of, of of crap ghetto complexes by the Gold like, Coast, like by a, the Rio yeah, behind it, yeah, yeah by Twain. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, but. Uh, yep. But yeah, so that's why once the the other option though the area wasn't this great, but at least the complex was nice. Was this one that the Meridian on uh, Flamingo and and Koval? But then when they converted to condos, and then the whole place went into the toilet, uh, then everybody got kicked out. Who so were, I still haven't mentioned the name, and I, I'm not. It doesn't matter. But so what I always wondered was, did you find? I mean, I was the first one there. I was there in. in early 2002 but did you find it independent of my con yes he, find no, no, it because he, he found it because of me i found i when i was getting kicked out of the meridian i because it was going condo i was frantically looking for where to go next and i i eventually i forgot how i came up with it but i came up with that this was the most sensible option so i rented there and then my con went to me and said uh yeah, he, he needs to move somewhere. So I, I said, okay, well, the, it seems okay over here. It's not perfect, but it's, uh, it's if you want to be close to the strip and live in an apartment, it's probably the best option. So that's uh, he moved there, and I was also the one who suggested it to Scotty. No, and I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. So I, I was, I was now I wasn't responsible for the people before me, like uh, like Cantu and Genocide and and all that. And, and I see Fishies. I'm the one who brought him there too. So uh, though you know they they had that. Uh, they had that towing scam going on there, which I know a lot of apartments in Vegas have, that where they they contract with tow, towing companies that the towing company – And they get kickbacks. Right. The towing company will tow any car that has expired tags, even, even if they're expired by one day. Even if your tag expired uh, you know, April 2017 and it's May 1st, 2017, they will tow you, even out of your own spot, which is assigned to you. You have assigned parking there. So even at your own assigned parking spot on the car you registered with them, if it's one day past registration, they will tow it under the, quote, abandoned vehicle uh, reason, which is BS, of course. So, and yeah, it's for kickbacks. But um, what they – You what know, they, that's also a problem just in the legislature alone because they're legally allowed to do that, which sucks. Oh, no, it's horrible. Law it's that. horrible. And, and, and what uh, – and, and so many complexes in Vegas do this. It's a chronic problem. But I see fish – I guess the, uh, in this particular complex – um, people complain this is just happening with no warning. So as as a small compromise, 
they agreed to put a, a warning, a 48-hour warning on the cars. Well, I guess he was sick for a few days and didn't move his car. And so not only did they tow it, but they also put a, a sticker on there, on there that would not come off. The, like the warning thing was a sticker that was so I sticky. I remember those were orange. That, yeah, it would not come off the windshield and ruin, it, it ruined his, uh, his window. Not the windshield, but the window. He had to go get a window replaced, and it was an expensive car, and he was so pissed. And I kept encouraging him to demand they pay for it and sue them. Uh, because it was like it, was, it really was like one day past the registration date or something. It was it was something outrageous like that. Uh, but he didn't press it hard enough. I, I would have just. I, I had a few issues with them there. I, they, they never did that parking thing to me, but uh, because my tags were never expired. But uh, there there were a few ridiculous. The, the funniest thing that happened to me there. I don't know. If, uh, I don't think I've ever told the story. I uh, I, I was traveling for a while so I, I actually hadn't been back I, I I was gone for just I think two and a half three months and I came back so I came back late at night I opened up my garage and what I had is like an individual little garage there which doesn't connect to my unit or anything but it's just like a separate garage where I could just put my car indoors what did you get? Did you get it free with your lease or no? Or did I, I did. I, Fifty a month. I, I did. I did uh, negotiate it for free. Yeah, me too. But but this 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 comes into the story. So I open up the garage, and there's stuff in there. Not just a little stuff, but a whole lot of stuff. And I go, "What the hell is this?" And and I go, and I, I'm thinking like in the Twilight Zone. Like, am I in an alternate universe where this isn't my garage, or this is I don't live here anymore? Like, I I, I couldn't figure it out. So I look through the stuff. It, it belongs to some guy with a Mexican name. And I'm thinking, well, I, I don't think this guy broke in. I mean, maybe he did, but, but it's so strange to be storing so much, so many things in here. Uh, but maybe he did. But how would he get in? You know, it's, you need a remote to get in. So how is he doing? How is he getting in and out? I'm thinking, well, this is strange. I said, well, this may not be this guy's fault. I don't want to disturb it. So I, I closed the garage. I just parked in, you know, outside. Went in my apartment. I, I, then I worried maybe they gave away my apartment, but no, they did. My apartment was fine. And uh, the next day, I called them up and told them about this, and they got really panicky. They go, "I, I go, you know, I'm going to go back in there and, and take a look again." They go, "No, don't, don't open it again. You're not allowed to open it again. We're going to come right down and meet you there." So they rushed down there to meet me there, and they said, "I'm sorry, there was a mistake here. Uh, we accidentally uh, gave this garage to somebody, uh, not realizing you had it." So I go, okay. They go, they go we're going to contact him. He's going to get his stuff down. So they demanded I give up my remote to get into the garage because they were afraid I'd like screw with the guy's stuff. So I'm like, well, I don't know. This is, this is mine, but okay, fine. You know, just to make you feel better, I'll give it to you. But we've still got to discuss what we're going to do at this point. So I gave them the remote until the guy got down there, which is like a day or two. He got all his stuff. You know, obviously I didn't blame him. It wasn't his fault. I never met him either. He just got his stuff out. Uh, I also had a few things of my own that got just di- disappeared there. I assume the guy just probably threw it away because he thought it was just junk that was left behind. It wasn't that expensive, the stuff. I think it was like a blanket and one other small thing. So I, I went to them and I said, this is your fault. Number one, I need to be reimbursed for the stuff that was uh, left in there and that the guy threw away, which uh, fortunately wasn't that expensive. I think it was like I, I valued it at $40. So I said, second, uh, I want some money back for the garage. And they said, What? I said, I want money back for the garage. And they said, you're getting a garage for free. Why would we give you money back? And I said, no, 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 I'm not getting it for free. It's included with my apartment. This is part of what I'm paying rent for. It's just not itemized anymore. 
but, but but the bottom line is you got paid for it. You got paid to rent my garage to somebody else. They go, well, we didn't mean to. I said, it doesn't matter if you mean to. This guy paid you forty. I think it was forty or fifty. It was forty dollars a month. This guy paid you forty dollars a month to rent that garage for two and a half months. That's what it was. It was two and a half months. So so you guys got a hundred dollars to rent my garage. So I want that hundred dollars. And they said absolutely not. And I said, so so wait a minute. You're telling me you should be able to double rent my garage. And, and, and get $100? Why should you get the $100? It's my garage. I should get the $100. So they were, they were beside themselves. They thought I was being crazy here. But I said, no, tell me why you should get $100 for my garage. They said, but you weren't using it. I said, it's not up to you to, to decide how I use my garage. If I want to let my garage sit empty, I can let it sit empty. And I had stuff in there. Not much stuff, but I had stuff. That's how I was using it for those two and a half months. You did not have the right to take it from me and re-rent it to this guy. I have it in my rental agreement. That this is my garage, so give me the hundred dollars. You, you, you owe it to me. So they, they weren't buying it. They said no, and I, and I had an argument with them about this, and they weren't backing down. And then I called them again the next day, and I said, you know what? Um, I, I just wanted to let you know that I, I will take this to small claims court, and I will sue you guys if, if you don't give this. to And they're like, what court? You're not, you know, why, why, why would you go to court? <laughs> I go, well, I'm just telling you that any. Oh, no, I didn't say I'm going to sue them. I said, if we went to court, I said, if we went to court, any judge would rule in my favor. There's no way you could say to the judge, you double rented my garage and you should keep the money. There's no way you, you would ever win that. And they're like, what court? Why, why would you take us to court? They got really nervous. And I said, I'm not saying I'm going to take you to court. I'm just saying that in a court of law, you would lose this. And I, I compared it to, I said, look, why didn't you re-rent my apartment too? I wasn't in my apartment. Why didn't you sublease my apartment and keep the money too? Do you think you could do that? And they said, well, no. I said, then why could you do it in my garage? So finally, what they had a hard time getting past is that <coughs> since I wasn't technically paying for the garage it, it, you know, it, it, by itself, since it was included in the whole thing, they felt it was like free and that they don't owe me anything. And I said, that's ridiculous. If it's something that's being rented to me, they can't re-rent it. And any money they collect by renting my garage should go to me. So they, they finally backed down and gave me $140, 40 for the stuff that they uh, – that the guy threw away and 100 for the garage, but they they finally did it. And they, I I had a number of little little things. I'm not going to tell any other stories, but I had a number of little things like that over the years. I had I also had an issue. I won't go into a long thing about this, but after the crash, the real estate crash of 08, which hit Vegas really hard, rents just dropped like a rock, and they just decided that they're not going to lower my rent. They just, well, you're already here. It's kind of the reverse of what happened to me at my job. They just said, well, you're paying this rent. We don't lower rents. I go, but you're renting this, my identical apartment for like hundreds of dollars cheaper. Well, that's the way it is. I, that's, we're keeping your rent. So I just played hardball with them. And uh, and, and I finally just broke it down to them. I said, look, um, I will leave over this. And, and you don't want me to leave because uh, – um, the caliber of tenants you're getting at the current rent you're charged means the rent went way down and started getting more ghetto. Because- well, uh, well, also part of the reason why was that was right in the beginning, middle of the hi- housing boom out here where apartment complexes were literally at an all-time low in terms of their occupancy level. Because everybody and their grandmother could qualify for a house. Right, right. So that, people were just doing that. But this was, but this was after so the that, crash, well, But that was the most competitive I've ever seen apartment complexes become – to either retain tenants or get new tenants. I mean, they were giving concessions that have never been given out right, before right. and probably haven't since. Right. So so it was between, yeah, not only people moving who got 
houses, but uh, and hadn't been kicked out of them yet from the from the crash. But but also because of the crash, it just caused a, a ripple effect where, where all the rents crashed too. So I, I was, but I was saying to them, look, because you're collecting much less in rent now, the the caliber of tenant you're getting here is much less than it was before when it was more expensive. And yeah, I'm, when I say caliber, I'm not. Uh, Trying to be arrogant here. I'm just talking about someone who you know how financially secure the person is, and uh, and, and other factors. To where, like with me, they they knew 100 percent every month they're getting paid the rent, and they don't have to worry. Where other people that you know who are living to hand to, from hand to mouth are, are renting there, and they're reluctantly taking them because it was uh, they were in such bad shape at that point. So I said, "You want more tenants like me?" I said, "I will leave here if you if you just refuse to lower my rent, I'm leaving." And they they even tried to tell me that. It was a violation of fair housing laws to lower my rent. <laughs> so I, I said, absolutely not. It, you, you show me one law in the book that would prevent this. I said, you, you, I kept telling them. I said, look, I understand there's a lot of people who rent here that aren't very, aren't very smart as far as these things go. I said, I'm an expert as far as uh, in matters of, of real estate and stuff like that. I said, believe me, you, you're not going to be able to trick me on these things. You're not going to be able to make me uh, believe things that are not true regarding laws or regarding uh, the, the way the housing market works. There's no way you could do it. And, and so you might as well just give this up. Please just deal with me on an honest level because it's, it's never going to get by me, whatever you're trying to do. So finally, after, after some stubbornness, they, they backed down and they, they lowered it big time. And and then when I tried to renew the next time, they they were still trying to raise my rent back. Like they they tried so many shenanigans on me, but finally after some time, they realized that I'm just too tough to screw with. <laughs> they they just uh, they, they conceded things a lot quicker to me. They they were just and I I didn't take advantage of them. Oh, and you know what the funniest thing was? I moved when I moved out of there. I don't know if I've told this story either. This is also funny. Um, so there, in in Nevada, unlike California, in Nevada it is legal to charge what's known as a cleaning fee. Have you ever paid a clean? I'm sure, well, you you, uh, you live there at one point, too. You know the cleaning fee I'm talking about, where you have to pay a mandatory fee when you move in for cleaning when you move out? Of course. Yeah. In California, you, they, they cannot do that. It's against the law. In California, the tenant has a right to clean the apartment themselves, and if they leave it clean, then they can't be charged. So you, you can't say we're charging you a mandatory cleaning fee. Illegal in California, but it is legal in Nevada. So... Uh, Fine, if it's legal in Nevada, it is. I'm not going to challenge the law. But um, when it, when it was time for me to, uh, I actually switched apartments there at one point. So I, I wasn't moving out, but I was moving out of one and into another. Um, actually, I'll skip that. Uh, when I was actually moving out of there, uh, they first of all they they give me this 30 day notice that they want me to give them. They want me to use this pre printed form for a 30 day notice, which promises them that I'm going to leave the apartment clean. And I said, wait, why am I leaving it clean? I've already paid a cleaning fee. And they're, they're giving me all these excuses. Oh, this is actually just a cleaning and preparation fee. You have to do some cleaning too. I said, no, you, you're charging me $200 for cleaning. Fine, clean. <laughs> that's, that's why I paid it. So I can leave it dirty. I, mean, I, I didn't like, I, I would have preferred I don't pay it and just clean it. But since you forced me to pay, it's clean. So, uh, and I said, I'm also not filling out your 30-day notice to leave. I'm going to give you my own 30-day notice, and I've checked Nevada law, and I'm not required to fill out your paper. I can give you any kind of 30-day notice I please. So I gave them my own 30-day notice, just basically saying I'm giving you 30-day notice as of the state. And I even stated, uh, as I have paid a $200 cleaning fee, I will uh, um, 
uh, while I will not leave the apartment excessively dirty, uh, I, I expect uh, uh, normal cleaning to be done uh, by you because I've already paid for it. So, something like that. So I, I get, uh, I leave, and when I, I get in the mail, what I'm expecting to be all of my security deposit back. And I don't. They've, they've made all kinds of deductions for cleaning. It's like, ah, boy, here we go. So I called up and argued with that same manager. And uh, so she told me of some things that were, like, very difficult to clean. And it was, when I, by the time I left it, it was pretty dirty because I just kind of didn't give a crap at the end. Like, at the end when I knew I was leaving and I knew I was, they were going to be cleaning, I'm not going to, I didn't feel like uh, doing some deep cleaning on some things that really needed it. So I, I, I thought they may charge me some, for some things that were tough to clean. Like, I think the bathtub was tough to clean or some things like that that kind of developed stains on it over time. So I was, okay, fine. Those things, you want to charge me, okay. But, but there were some other things that they charged me that were not dirty at all which I objected to. They backed down to those, but here comes the funniest part. There was a $9 charge on there for photographs. I said, what is that? What's a $9 charge for photographs? They said, well, we ha- we take pictures of, of, of the place when you move out of there, so uh, it costs $9 to, uh, to develop these pictures, so we're passing it on to you. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that before? Where they uh, they take photographs of uh, their own, you know, they volunteer to take their own photographs and they no, charge I've they never charge heard you. Of that so before. I told I so I said, "Well, I I took $9 of the photographs, so I'm charging it back to you." <laughs> so, I said, "Why if you're going to if I'm going to pay for your photographs, you're going to pay for mine. I took them too." And then they're saying, "Well, no, no, no. We 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 took it because if things were dirty here, we need to take photographs." I said, "No, that's not you can't do that." I go, "You have a right to take photographs." But I said, "What would stop you from taking $1,000 worth of photographs? What if you just took just tons and tons of photographs and charged me $1,000? Can you do that?" I said, "What gives you the right to just take photographs and charge me for it?" So, I go, "The, the, the law does not allow that." And she, she was sitting there like very, very adamant they're just not going to give up the $9. <laughs> and that and, and it wasn't a matter of you know, they'd already taken out of my deposits. So they'd have to be sending it back to me. Uh, so I, I, I said, look, here's, here's my answer to that. Um, you're either going to give me back this $9, plus I think there was something else we disagreed with, too, that was more money. Uh, I, think, I think one other thing they didn't want to agree with uh, that, that I didn't leave that dirty and they were charging me for. But I said, look, you're either going to give me this back or I'm going to put the word out everywhere on the internet to all the poker players, to everybody, you know, the, of, of what you did to me here. I'm going to put out the word about the photographs, about uh, the cleaning fee, about, you know, how I got screwed here. I'm, I'm going to put the word out about everything. And then any quality tenants, especially, you know, poker players like me that are, you know, probably, uh, you know, the type of people that are going to have the money to, to rent here and, and not have issues paying the rent, they're not going to want to come here. Uh, I said, I said, I, if, if you give me back what I feel is fair, and what is fair, I'm not asking for everything back, but if you give me back what is fair, then I'm not going to say anything bad. And in fact, if people ask me, you know, should they live or I'll say yes. But uh, I said, this isn't that much money. At this point, I don't think it's smart to alienate me here and, uh, and make, make me feel like you cheated me because you, you will have cheated me. You can't, you can't take photographs and charge me for them. That's, that's insane. So they backed down and said, okay, fine. And they sent me the money back. So, How much do they send you roughly? 
I, I don't even remember, but it was something I was okay with. Like it wasn't, I didn't get it all back, but it was something I thought was fair at that point. Uh, it was a, uh, the, the photographs are just outrageous that they could take their own photographs and, uh, and, and the law doesn't allow for that. They just, they, they just think they can get away with it because they mainly deal with idiots who don't understand the law. And, uh, and b- by the way, just to all the listeners out there, landlords pull crap like this all the time. The landlords a lot of times pull crap on you where you're charged for things that they really don't have the legal right to charge you or they will take things out of the security deposit they shouldn't or you know because they'll make up excuses you you can fight these things and you can threaten to take them to court you actually can take them to court you can threaten uh, social media things about this uh, a lot of times there's shady things that go on you just have to know your rights and uh, I've been through this before in other complexes I've lived in not just in Vegas but elsewhere and uh, you know you just have to know the law and uh Sometimes I've even shown the places the the, the law. I say, look, here's here's the here's the code. I'm, I'm correct, and uh, you just have to know your rights. A lot of times they they act all confident that they they know it, but when you look it up, it's incorrect. And it's it's not that hard to look these things up now with the internet and all that. So just uh, be aware that. Lots of landlords like to screw people. Now there are there. I see a lot on the other end where landlords are correct and tenants are trying to pull things over on them, and uh, landlords get screwed many times by by tenants. In fact, it's it's more common that the tenants in the wrong, to be honest. But the reverse happens too, and I uh, I lived it myself. So that you know, I, I I'm making the complex sound worse than it was, but there were a lot of like little petty things like that that happened that they must do to everyone. I'm not I, I I'm not saying I was a victim here and that they're constantly going after me or trying to screw me all the time. This was just done to everyone because most people there were, I, I don't think, uh, knowledgeable in these type of areas and they got away with it. So uh, just always know your rights with these things. And uh, But it, it was funny. It, it took a while for them to understand that they, they can't get away with it. And funny, even when I moved out, they thought they were going to get away with it. They just They just couldn't quite get it. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. They they got to know me in some ways that, uh, and, and some of you may think, oh, they you know they couldn't get wait to get rid of me, or they must have thought I was awful. That's actually not true because in in a place like that, there there was you know a lot of things they didn't have with me. They didn't have issues with disruption or noise. They didn't have issues with not paying the rent on time. Uh, they they didn't have issues with uh, worrying if if one day I'm just going to disappear on them and not pay. Like there, a lot of things that are very big issues with complexes, especially in an area like that, uh, were not an issue at all with me. So overall, they were happy to have me because the big things were not a problem. So, uh, um, so I, one other thing this is unrelated to all that, but uh, Brandon, I've never asked you this before. What do you think of light coming in in the, in the morning when you're trying to sleep? Do you like it or hate it? No, I can't stand it. I have blackout curtains in every bedroom I've had in like the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, you know what's a, a tilting thing that I started seeing in apartments? Because especially because of the hours. You know, some, I mean, I'm not waking up at 7 o'clock. Sometimes but, I'm, you know, going to bed at 7 o'clock right, in the morning. Right. But so, even, even without that, even if you had no, more normal hours, uh, like like in Vegas, like it starts getting sunny at 5 a.m. in June. So, so that's like you still don't want that. Even if you're normally waking up at 7, you still don't want the sun coming in at 5. But – uh, something that's been tilting me in, in, in apartment complexes has been built kind of like since the 2000s or late 90s. They have these windows that are kind of high up 
in these apartments that don't have covering on them, even in bedrooms. And it's just kind of considered normal. Like you have a window below that that you could put shades over, but the they have a window above that, sometimes a small window, but still a window above that where the sun can just shine in. Have you, have you seen that? Yes. Yeah, they had it at this place and it's had it at other places. I've been. In fact, uh, Benjamin's mom, when uh, in the place she lived in in, uh, in California, when I was first there, <laughs> the first night I'm over there, I get woken up by the sun coming in. And I was like, oh, crap. So we, uh, I, t- I told her, I can't have this in the morning. I go, this really bothers me. So can we put something blocking the window? She she did it. But she, and she was going to be okay either way. But I, yeah, I, I have to have, I don't have to have it be pitch dark. It doesn't need to be, bl- I like the blackout curtains, but it doesn't have to be that way. I just, it just has to be, there can't be like light shining in on me. And and some people, some people like waking up to natural light. Some people can sleep through the, the light shining on them. Uh, my dad actually likes waking up to natural light. He enjoys the sun coming up, and he wakes up by the. Sun. I, I don't like that. I, I, I find it jarring. I, I want to. I wake, agree. I want to wake up uh, with it relatively dark and kind of transition into light. And that I just there, there was like a new thing that started being done in houses and apartments around, I guess, the late nineties, where there's just that window above. And I'm fine with that in rooms where people don't sleep, but in, in a bedroom, I, I, I don't know why places do that and I'm surprised that anyone would like that except for those that like being woken up by the, by light. Okay, I'm, I guess I could have figured you're like that too because you sleep a lot during the day also. So my, my sleeping schedule is all over the place. I had people ask me like when do you ever, like I, I answered someone's text on the, on the radio number at like 3 a.m. They're like, uh, do you ever sleep? And I, they, they, they don't understand because they'll see like I'm, I'm answering at 3 a.m. I'm answering at 8.30 a.m., like uh, 11 a.m. They don't understand what one of the hours that I'm sleeping. I mean, I'm never waking up when, you know, at the light of day when the sun's coming in. I'm, ne- I'm never. I mean, I'm never getting up at whatever, you know, 5.30 or 6.30. So, and I'm the kind of person, although I can go back to sleep, the light will wake me up. When it gets bright, if I'm in a room where you know there's no curtains or shades or anything, and it becomes fully illuminated, it will wake me up. I can't sleep through it anymore. Well, I, I'll, yeah, I, I can fall back asleep. Uh, like I don't like well, I, it. Yeah, I can fall back asleep too, but it, it will wake me up at one point. I'll make you know, I'll yeah. have to turn over, you know, put a pillow over my face or do you know reposition the way I'm sleeping and you know turn my head away from the light or something. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can't sleep through light. Right, I have to do that too. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, yeah, my, I actually, my, I, I don't get that many stretches of sleep of like seven hours, eight hours these days. I get uh, kind of spurts of, of a few hours here, then a few hours later. It's, it's kind of split up in parts, and uh, I hope that's okay. <laughs> but that's that's like today. I'm not going to be. Uh, it's three a.m. right now. This is a long show, by the way. But it's I'm going to wake up before, well before eight today, even though it's already three. And uh, then I'll go back to sleep at some point. Then I'll wake up again. Then I may go back to sleep again. So, it's, it's, uh, so what? Do you never get six, seven, eight hours of sleep anymore? It's not that common in a row. I'll get it sometimes, but not not in a row. Yeah, it'll get broken up in some way. Uh, so, like, so what is it that's keeping you? I mean, I'm just curious if you can even disclose this kind of information. 
you know, from going to bed, I get, you know, having to wake up early, you know, if you have, you know, appointments, things with the kid, et cetera. But what prevents you from going to bed at, say, 11, 12 o'clock at night? Do you just choose not to because yeah, you like choose, to operate? I, yeah, I just choose not yeah, to. Yeah, okay. And I'm the same way. But you could, I'm saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. But you like to be up in the evening and you don't like to go to sleep early, which, you know, I've, yep. I've always been that way as well. And I got this this radio show here, too. We go to 3, 3 a.m. here that's... Uh... That doesn't help matters. And then there's the whole. Oh, you know, poor Calawat. If he was still on, it'd be six a.m. out there. <laughs> it'd be time for him to wake up. I, I wonder if Calawat. He, he's Calawat is so busy with things. He, he's got all, all this. Uh, yeah, he he's, does a lot of things for work. A lot of. Uh, you know, he, he works for himself, but he he still has a lot of work there. And then he's got a a wife and two kids. And uh, Calawat, he he has a lot on his plate. And somehow he manages to squeeze the show in and and stay up late. You know, he went to sleep at like three thirty his time, and then and then he wakes up. I, I don't know what time, but he, he wakes up in the morning. I don't think as early as I do, but he wakes up early, and so hey, he's, he, yeah, I appreciate he squeezes it in. But uh, all right, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna be done here. Yeah, I think we're we're about there. You know, I, I mentioned I, I don't know if you heard earlier. I think I have a cold again. I think it's just. I no. think, I think this is the first day. Another one. I have a sore throat and I'm a little congested right now. So I, th- I think this is. I, I hope it's not going to last three weeks, but I think I have a cold again. So, you uh, sure this isn't lingering still from the other? No, one? no, it went away. The other one went away fully, and now this is like a beginning stage again. It's it's really frustrating. Jeez. Yeah. Um, it may not be like a three week thing like the last one. Hopefully, it's not. Uh, but I think it's something, and probably doing seven hour show here didn't help, but. I will have seven days until the next show. We're going to do it on May 10th, 2017. We've been starting after 8 recently, but that's what we'll be doing again. It's probably around 8 o'clock. Maybe we'll get our update from Brandon Cantu regarding whether his feet were washed. I know you guys are going to be uh, having a hard time getting through the week not knowing this. I love to see her face when she reads that message. <laughs> yeah, that, that would, what the fuck? Yeah. And will she respond? Like, like, will she answer? What will she do? I don't know. Sometimes, though, after a period like 10 years, maybe she can forgive him for whatever she was hurt or angry about. Maybe, maybe they can start everything up again. It doesn't sound like he wants that, though. But uh, I also think that they're pretty far apart here. She's all the way in, uh, in Delaware still. So, uh, World Series in less than uh, a month. Less than a month for me, more than a month. But for everybody else, or a lot of people, it's less than a month. And we'll uh, so the, the schedule won't be changed. At least not until mid uh, mid June. So for a while, we should be having weekly shows, probably on Wednesday, unless I find that I have a bad cold next Wednesday that hasn't gone away yet. And then we may have a delay again. I really hope not. I don't want to go through this again. April was a crappy month. I, I just don't want a repeat of it. I just I just want to be healthy for the month of May. Is this too much to ask? Okay, everybody. I'll see you in a week, probably. Thank you, Brandon, for being on for the last few hours. Good night. You're welcome. Shalom. Shalom.